1985, this is The Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel show. This is being broadcast on September 28th, 2016 at about 7.55 p.m. Welcome. So, as I said, we're getting back to the normally scheduled Wednesday shows. It seems like I'm really late this time, but I'm actually not. The show was actually posted to take place at 7.45, so I'm a little bit late. Uh, the song started at about 7.50, but I, probably people weren't paying attention to the exact posted time. So for those of you that have been waiting for 25 minutes since 7.30, I apologized. But uh, to be honest, you should be used to it by now that I'm this late. <laughs> So anyway, <clears throat> uh, we will have co-hosts tonight. We're going to have uh, Brandon. He said he will be there. Let's see if I can reach him. And a Calwatt volunteered to be part of the show. I actually forgot to message him back saying that I'd like to have him on. He messaged me asking if I would like him to be co-host tonight, and I meant to say yes, but... Uh, Saying yes right now. Producing the show during the show, as always. So, uh, on this show, of course, we talk about news stories in poker, news stories in gambling in Las Vegas, general issues towards the end of the show, and we also have our little uh, comic release segments with prank calls and other just random stuff that we throw in. We try to make this uh, entertaining as well as informative. I am Todd Dandruff with Tellus and uh, the other... Co-host that I have with me typically is Brandon Drexel Gerson, who we will try to find right now. I am here every single week, and uh, Brandon has been here a lot recently, but right now I'm not sure if he's there. It's showing he's not available. But we will pick him up sometime soon. He told me he will be here tonight. And Calwatt, when he's ready, will come in. But until then, I will do it myself. So I'm going to give you the intro. As I always do every week, try to keep it short, which I try but fail to do every week, and then we will get going. As we do almost every week, we have a free roll on this site, which this week is $79, and this is a cash free roll. You can get paid in one of many ways. 
Bitcoin, a bank transfer, cash in an envelope, a check, or even other methods to get paid that you might be able to guess. So just uh, PM me Dance Space Druff on the site if you win. It takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. This week, $79. The prize pool will be as follows. 40 for first, 20 for second, 12 for third, 7 for fourth. That's 40, 20, 12, and 7. That's $79 total. $50 came from Handicap Me. 20 came from Frontside Bus. And 9 came from Gordman. So thank you to the three of you. Handicap Me asked me, after donating $50 this week, why didn't you just take my 50 and uh, hold the other over for next week? Because <laughs> uh, the reason he asked that was because we didn't exactly start out with a whole lot of money for the free roll. The truth is that uh, our original free roll fund, as of a few hours ago, was... Zero point zero. So I put out an appeal saying, hey, you know, I'm too cheap to donate to this free roll, so... The rest of you should do it, and a few people stepped up, and handicapped me stepped up. So uh, the reason I combined everybody's is because I like to have more than $50 in the prize pool. So thank you very much, handicapped me, for your 50 But I, I assume that we'll get more donations next week. I like to live from hand to mouth as far as the free roll goes. I just, Unless we have a whole lot in reserve, I like to just use it if it's less than $100. For the current week, and this way we have a nice prize pool. This way, like forty bucks for first, which is nice. Yeah, I I don't like it when it's like only twenty five dollars for first because uh, then the prize for winning isn't that good. Here, forty dollars. It's still not big money, but it's better than twenty five. So, Calwat, a man who is uh, down three hundred dollars in his co hosting gig on this show. Welcome. Uh-oh, hold on. I, I can barely hear you. You sound really far away. All right. Like really fast. It sounds like you're you're uh, all the way across the room. Does this sound better? Yes. Okay. Wrong headphones. Hold on. <laughs> I, I was getting paranoid. I was thinking it was my fault. There we go. No, I got, oh, yeah. I've got two headphones here, yeah, two okay. headphone sets, okay. so it was on the wrong one. No, I was just saying it's all part of the long con. Don't worry. I'm going to get it all back from that Drexel guy. Is the Drexel, you're just, Drexel is just... Uh, he has this false sense of security that you're going to uh, just be a cash cow for him, and then you're just going to one day spring it on him and get it back somehow. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to host a charity podcast, and then I'm going to spring my trap. <laughs> All righty. So let's see. Uh, let's take a call quickly before we do the rest of the intro. Actually, no, I won't take a call. Uh, Matt the Rat, I see you're calling in. I do want to speak to you, but uh, let me take your call after the intro. I guarantee I'll take the call after the intro if you call after that. Just want to get it over with. Otherwise, the intro drags like an hour if we take all these calls in between. It's just uh, everyone gets mad at me. They they yell at me. How come? How come they can do like an hour long drama on TV and tell an entire story from beginning, middle to end in less time than I can do the intro? And that's a good question. That's a good question. So, if you want to call into the show, the phone number is seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. That's also the number to text me during the show. Or after the show, or before the show. The bottom line is you can text me anytime at 775-372-8355, and I will respond to you, but I also might read your texts on the air, unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. Also, don't send me text messages with pictures in them, because uh, I can't see pictures. So if you want to send me a a picture, then uh, I'll give you a different number to text to. 
this number just does not receive text messages for whatever reason. You just don't want to get all the dick pics, right? Shh, don't give away my secret. I, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to make them think I won't see it if they send it to me. And now, now, now you've just given away I can see it. Now you've ruined the All whole right. thing. Okay, so you can text that anytime. Now, if it's a personal conversation we're having or something like that, I obviously won't read it on the air. But if it's just a general comment, I very well might. So if you don't want I love to- it when you get all the way through reading it. And then you read out loud, please don't read this <laughs> yeah, on the air. Yeah, yeah. By the way, maybe you shouldn't read this. Yeah, too late. That's why I say say it at the beginning. Uh, now, Brandon. Well, looks like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it uh, looks like Matt the Rat uh, has been trying to donate 20 bucks to the free roll. Oh, he just wanted to, okay. He I, just wanted to get that across okay. so that, you know, before it starts, you knew it was there. Okay, I rejected his uh, his call. Okay. Yeah. Well, Matt, they, just go ahead and send it, Matt. And uh, he, he says he needs the PayPal email address. Okay. Well, uh you know, I love when people donate, but come on, you can't turn down the free money. I know, I know it's, it's in your I know, blood. I know it's it's so hard to turn on the free money. <laughs> yeah, I just I just messaged him. Right. Okay, so since Matt is donating twenty, and I, I I'm sure he will send it. In fact, uh, I am up lifetime on Matt. Matt, uh, it took me to uh, dinner at the Harris. Uh, I love this bar, uh, Toby Keith's thing, where we had some fail there, but. Uh, I used his uh, $150 food comp with him. So even if he doesn't send me 20 I'm uh, up on him lifetime. So I'll assume he's sending the 20 which makes our prize pool now a cool $99, which is a nicer-sounding number than 79 So what I will do is I will change the prize pool to be 50 for first and 25 for second and 15 for third and 9 for fourth. So 50, 25, 15, and 9 are the new numbers for first through fourth. So 50 bucks for first place. Very good. Pretty good for uh, a free roll that uh, had no money coming into a few hours ago. I'm just One of these times we're going to have everyone just clam up on me, and then I'm going to have the heartbreak of having to announce that uh, we received nothing and then try to explain to everyone why, even when we receive nothing, why I'm still donating nothing myself. And then everyone's going to think I'm cheap. It'll be a big mess. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that people like Matt the Rat and Handicap Me and Frontside Bus and Gordman all – rescued me this week and now here's $99 so anyway if you want to text Brandon you can do so in fact you may want to gently nudge him to come on now and tell him to get his ass over here he did say he'd come on around 8 so it's only 8.05 now so I'm not going to really criticize him hard for this but still if you'd like to gently nudge him to come over the phone number is 203-299-2436 203-299-2436 you can text that number anytime and, again, he might read your text on the air. I will not see those texts to that number, and he will not see the text you send to the main radio phone number because I am in control of that phone number. Speaking of phone numbers, you can also call the Mount Charleston line. Do not text it. If you text it, I won't get the text. It's an old 70s rotary telephone that sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas. It's going to have snow on it probably in about two months or so. That phone number is 702 702- 430-1808, 702-430-1808. If you get some kind of weird busy signal on the main number, you should try that. It has a separate way into me. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. There is the call to listen line, which is something you can utilize either if you don't want to waste your cell phone data listening to the show, or if you don't have a smartphone, or if you don't have the internet, you just all you have in your possession is a telephone, or if you have a bad connection. Like if you're driving somewhere, you have a bad internet connection, don't worry about it. Just uh, use the call to listen line. 712-775-8162 is the phone number. 
775-8162. It's very simple. You just call it up and listen. You call it and you hear the show on there. You will hear the live show on that number if it's live. And if it's not live, you will hear one of our streaming reruns where we run one of our 200-plus past shows that we have done that's randomly chosen. When that's over, it runs another one. And throughout the day, it will keep choosing different shows to run as if they're live. And when the actual live show is on, it'll take over the call to listen line and be on there. So if you're listening live, you can call the listen line and hear us on there right now. An advantage of the call to listen line is there's no buffering. There's no crap like that. You just if Once you connect, it's there. It doesn't matter how lousy your connection is. And if you're driving in an area with shoddy reception, it's much easier to listen on that than through the Internet. It also doesn't take up any data. Even if you do have a smartphone, it will not cost you even one byte of data, which is also nice because some people do not have unlimited data plans. Here is the agenda for tonight. Then we will get going. I should also give you the rules for the free roll because uh, you need to check the rules to make sure you qualify for the free money. That's PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. And you can read the rules, which have not changed in a long time, but read them and make sure you understand them because you may or may not be eligible for the free money. By the way, Handicap Me's $50. He wanted me to state that uh, there's certain people he's excluded in the past, and whoever these people were, they, it, it still continues. So I, I forget who they were. He didn't specify them, but whoever he excluded in the past cannot win his portion of the money. The rest, of the, the other 49 can be won if you're excluded by Handicap Me. And the reason I allow this is if you're donating money to the free roll, I don't want to tell you how your money can be spent. So if you don't want people you dislike to win it, you have a right to say that, and then your money only will be excluded from certain people. And if you don't state that, then it's pretty much anyone who's eligible. So I just wanted to get that out as well. So I'm going to update two previous stories very quickly that we covered on this show recently. One is about the Ho-Chunk Casino. Remember we called them, or actually Colonel Fabersham called them when uh, various people who were planning to play the MSPT main event there got screwed when they canceled it. And I won't rehash that whole story in the agenda, but we have an update to that story. It has a happy ending, thanks to our own Colonel Nigel Fabersham. Nigel Fabersham actually achieved a happy ending for the person <laughs> who brought it to our attention, and not not the type you're thinking of, not the type you're thinking of. Uh, one can only hope. Though, though the money this guy got back as a result of this can be used for that purpose if he likes. We also played clips of that Luckboxes TV show, and I have an update on where you can see the pilot. It's actually been picked up by a network, albeit a very small one. But only the pilot, strangely enough. Big story this week, the Kawanaki Gaming Commission has agreed to ban all U.S. players starting October 1st. This means if the site that you are on, a poker site, a sports betting site, a casino site, whatever, if they are housed by the Kawanaki Gaming Commission, if that's who is their regulator, if that's whose servers they are using, that unless they switch servers by October 1st, that you will not be able to play there anymore as a U.S. player. But I'll tell you why this is less of a big deal than it appears to be. Yeah, hasn't Kawanaki always been a joke? It has been. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're the ones who, of course, were regulating uh, UB. And you see how well they did with that one. They they did a really good job. <laughs> Especially after UB was caught cheating in the the, the aftermath. They, they, they did an especially good job. Okay, so there, I want to give you a warning and tutorial 
regarding how to turn your Bovada poker points into cash. Uh, a surprising number of people do not realize that they have poker points or that such poker points will be gone and have zero value after September 30th, which uh, – so on October 1st, they will zero out your poker points. And you may have a lot that could be worth uh, over $1,000 maybe. For me, it was worth over 1000 So if you don't convert them immediately before October 1st, they're going to be gone. I'm going to tell you how to do it, and I will tell you the best way to do it, and make sure you do that. I was talking to a professional poker player today who's usually very on the ball, and this person told me, oh, no, I, I, uh, I didn't really think about that. And this person would not have done it if I had not brought it up to them. So this made me think I better make this a radio topic because there may be others. Because this person, it was not one I would expect would let that happen. But you just kind of forget they're there. Well, many people have been rooting for Caesars to fall. They were hoping for the fall of the Roman Empire. They were hoping that uh, the bankruptcy and the lawsuits that were permitted by a judge to take place against Caesars related to the bankruptcy would eventually result in the death of Caesars the selling off of all the properties, and the World Series of Poker falling in the hands of a different and perhaps more competent owner than Caesars. Well, don't bother rooting for that, because there has been a major settlement, and almost all the lawsuits against Caesars are now not going to take place. (laughs) Caesars will live. Another Caesars story unrelated to that, They've implemented a red light, green light system to avoid slow-playing video poker in the bar for free drinks. We've talked about this before, but it is happening now at Caesars. I'll give you a quick overview of how that's happening and the way it works there. We're going to do a possible prank call to an IRS scammer. I really want to prank one of these scammers, whether it's a uh, computer repair scammer or an IRS scammer. This is basically where people get cold calls or pop-ups on their screen with totally fictitious and false information that they're in some kind of trouble and that they have to pay money to either the IRS or or to some kind of uh, uh, computer technician who's going to get viruses off their computer. All these things are scams that are typically run out of India or other third world countries and are targeted at uh, North Americans mostly, Americans, Canadians, but also uh, in Europe uh, they're also running into these scams. Of course, the IRS one is a U.S.-based scam or U.S. Targeted scam, not based scam. I have three different phone numbers for these IRS scammers. I'm going to try all three of them tonight. Maybe we'll reach one. I really want to reach one of these scammers. A very, very high roller event, a one-drop charity event, is going to take place with 35 confirmed attendees. This is the one-drop tournament at Monte Carlo, and the entry fee is more than... One million dollars. Wait for it. Yo, you didn't hear it? No. Oh, we got that problem again. We got that stupid problem. I'm, I'm going to call you right back. We got that stupid problem. You can't hear sound effects. Okay. I, I hate when this happens. There's, there's like no way to tell whether Skype is going to let them hear the sound effects or not. This is I, I absolutely detest when Skype does that. I hate that. And and I'm looking, and I didn't do anything wrong with the setup this time. I think this is just the typical problem we have. So, let me put, uh, let's put Calwatt back on. So tilting when that happens. I think maybe if I call him, it'll be better. I think it's when he calls me is the problem. Okay. Okay, we're going to try a test here. 
We're going to try a test. I really hope this works because I'm just going to be so frustrated. Yeah, the co-hosts have to understand the, the sound effects because they, otherwise you sit there with just like dead air and things like wait for it, wait for it happen because you, you're not hearing it. Did you hear something? I heard you in a really distorted audio saying, here's something. <laughs> this is so annoying. You didn't hear I that? can live without it. If uh, well, you, you didn't know. hear that, I'm surprised. I don't know why this happens. Wait, wait, wait. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna restart Skype. I think Skype may be having an issue. Okay. I'm gonna actually I'm gonna try a new thing. I'm gonna try a Skype that uh, Belly Buster sent me an old Skype, an old version of Skype. We're gonna see if I can get that working. <laughs> okay. All right, people, I apologize about this. Uh, I was trying to have a little faith in the new Skype, just a little bit of faith in it, but apparently not. Apparently the new Skype is uh, is not going to work for me. So we're going to try the old Skype. I searched for the old Skype, but I downloaded it somewhere, and uh, I'm going to run it. So let me go on with the agenda while we're uh, waiting for the old Skype to come up. Another bill to attack legalized online poker has been introduced in the Senate. We'll talk about that. It's not the RAWA bill. It's another bill that's just uh, been introduced recently. Again, Sheldon Adelson is behind it. David Williams, who was on Master Chef, that TV show, I think he finished third. He was on a Chicago Joey podcast talking about that. And at one point in the podcast, about an hour, 44 minutes through, he was talking about his appearance or his alleged appearance in the foot fetish porn that was found and posted to Never Win Poker about 11 years ago. He denied it. He lied. He just flat out lied. He was in the porn. We proved it. But he's lying about it. So I'm going to play what David Williams had to say about that. And we will defeat his statements that are untrue. Nitrogen Sports, which is a Bitcoin sports betting site, has pulled some sleazy tactics regarding prop bets. Uh, we'll discuss what happened there, and even though it, it seems like the situation has been kind of made right in a way, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. So we will discuss that very unethical situation would occurred over there. The Revel Casino in Atlantic City is reopening, or attempting to reopen it, as 10, T-E-N, 10. Weird name for a casino, I know, but that's the way they are uh, they are doing it. So, 10 is the name of the casino. I got this new Skype, or the old Skype, the new old Skype running. So, let's see if I can... I'm going to test something here. I'm going to test if I can get this to work before I even connect him. Producing the show during the show. Here we go. Ha! Huh. I think this isn't even Skype's problem. Hmm. That is so strange. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing an issue actually with my uh with my sound card where it's not uh broadcasting like I would expect. Hmm. That is very weird. As much as I hate to, I may have to uh restart the show. Chat room, can you guys hear the sound that I'm playing? Can you hear did you hear the uh, current affairs sound I played? 
So I think we have, uh, I think we have some, if they say yes, thank you to the chat room. Yeah, I think I'm seeing some issues because what I'm seeing with my sound card is when I play something, I don't see any sound that's showing it's coming through. And I know it is because you guys can hear me, but when it's, it's showing that, that's usually indicative that there's something odd going on involving the sound card. So, uh, let me see something here. Let's see if this is any better. There's that. Otherwise, I will have to temporarily shut down the show, and you guys have to wait a second. It will not affect the archives. You will see it. Uh... Let's see. One more try. Yeah, looks like we got a problem here. Okay, people, I apologize for this. I'm going to uh, turn off the show. I have to reboot it. And uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. If you're listening to the archives, you will just hear it come right back, which is a good thing about not listening live. Okay, we're back. Hopefully this will do something. Hopefully this will uh, actually work. Otherwise, uh, I, and I can't even reach Calwatt, but uh, if it doesn't, we'll have to go on. They just won't be able to hear the sounds because I'm not sure why they're not able to hear that, but that seems to be the case. So we will go on. The show must go on. The free roll starts at 8.40, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. 8.40 p.m. Pacific time. Here we go. Okay. Calwatt, you're on the old Skype now with me. Okay. Okay. So here's, here comes the big test. I, I really hope this works. Zero point zero. Did you hear anything? I, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> no, no, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, zero point zero. Oh, I wow, I can't believe it. Oh, you, my, my heart sank. I was so depressed. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I felt like? I'll tell you what I felt like. This is the, And everybody who plays poker can knows this feeling. Now, this is more of actually more of a limit thing, but sometimes at no limit to it will happen, where you a card hits the river, which you think your, your hand's still good, but you're not, you know, there's something that could have caught you. You have a big hand yourself. You bet, and the guy raises you, and your heart just goes in, the, in your stomach. You go, oh, my God. I can't believe this happened. Oh, my God. I can't believe I took this beat. And you're so frustrated, and you, and you like, just slam the chips down, and you're so frustrated that you're just doing the crying call and losing. And then the guy's nice hand, throws it away. And then you're... Uh, when this happens to me, I actually think I'd rather that didn't happen. I'd rather I didn't get the extra bet. Like the stress of it wasn't <laughs> worth it to me. I thought that the other day. Like this, like the um, like a flush card hit, and I didn't think the guy had the flush draw, so I bet, and he raised me on the river, and I'm like, dad, dad, and I was so mad, and I like I pounded on the desk, and I was so frustrated, and I was like, oh god, why am I running so bad here? I was so mad, and I hit it, and then the guy just had nothing. So it wasn't worth it. I I actually typed to the guy. You know, I think I'd rather you just don't do that and, and keep the $60. <laughs> well, now, if he's smart, he's going to do that every fucking time. <laughs> no, but I didn't fold, so it... Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's still... I mean, it's your, your one of your goals in poker is figure out what your opponent wants you to do and don't do that. <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> well, what can you use them? With? Like, uh, so, so if he does it again next time, I'll just get another 60. It'll frustrate me, but I'll get another 60. So Maybe. Uh, e- either, way, either way, he kind of... Uh, or he'll be setting you up. Yeah. Well, he can, but I, I'd say I paid him off. Like if I if I folded and he showed it to me, that would have been tilting. But no, I <laughs> I've thought that before. I thought you know what I just I just rather I don't get the extra bet and, and keep in a better state of mind because yes, it's relieving when I find out he didn't have it. But it's the the 
good feeling I get from that is not as powerful as the bad feeling I get when I think I just got beat in a big pot. No, I know what you mean. I, I actually made one of my, the worst <laughs> hero folds that I've made in a long time. And uh, I would have rather that, you know, I call and end up losing, which I should be, like, losing in that spot all the time, um, than folding, but then making some hero fold and having him show me, you know, some bullshit that I was beating. Yeah. For sure. It, yeah. it is very frustrating. Uh, believe yeah. it or not, I actually rarely show anyone, even online, because I I actually prefer, with the style I play, that people believe my bets and right. so I, I don't want to start inducing unpredictable play. So I actually don't typically show a bluff. Yeah, I only show it if I think it'll tilt somebody. Yeah, I, I actually only showed it one. I, the, it was a long time ago, but one time at Bellagio, there was this guy who was just constantly calling out hands like he thought he was a genius. He's constantly <laughs> calling out what people he thinks people have, especially his own opponents, and it was it was really irritating. And uh, so then one of the times he. Uh, he bluffed me with something in some pot. I don't remember that pot, but he, he bluffed me and then showed me on the river and was all proud of himself there too. <laughs> so I remember that uh, it went five bets pre-flop, and I had some kind of hand like 6-4 suited that I kind of just got roped in from people raising it between me. So the flop came out with me having a uh, like an open-ended straight in flush draw, and there was a lot of raising. And I said, you know what? I'm actually going to five-bet this on the flop. Which I normally don't when I have when I'm in between two people who are raising back and forth like that. But I said, number one, I've got an excellent uh, draw, and number two, I bet if it just comes down to me and him, I bet I can bluff him off of it because he thinks he's the greatest hand reader ever. Right. So that's what I did. It ended up just me and him. The third guy dropped out eventually, and I fired the turn. I fired the river, and by this point, the pot was very big. It was multi ways pre flop, five bets, and then the flop there's a bunch of ways. But by the end, it's just me and him, and I fire, and he goes, ah, "There's no way aces are good here. There's no way aces are good here." Okay. No, I, I know you have me. I know you don't five bet that flop if you if uh, if you don't have aces. Okay, you know what? Watch this. Uh, I'm folding, and he folds and turns up aces and and folds. <laughs> and I and I and I said I turned over and showed him. He was so frustrated. He was so irritated. I go, if there's one guy that was going to work against, it was him because he was so obsessed with reading hands that. Uh, and I showed it, but I showed it to him because he was so arrogant about bluffing me earlier and how smart he thought he was. So his. Obsessive hand reading and uh, and and bragging about all the good laydowns he was making. All that did was uh, get him bluffed. Where normally with a pot that huge, I would never still fire the river with a, a misdraw there, because any kind of any hand like aces is always calling heads up. And we lost Calwad. That's not good. Calwad, you back? Why is this happening? I went back to the old Skype. Why is this happening? The Skype network sucks. Microsoft took it over and it's become crap. We lost him and I can't hear him. I'm going to call him. Maybe we'll get this working after like an hour into the show. We'll spend the first hour of the show just diagnosing technical problems. All right, let's take this call in the meantime. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Are you guys discussing the uh, thing that happened in Nitrogen Sports? We are going to discuss that tonight, yes. Okay, great. Can I, can I chime in or should I call back? Because I got I got I got dorked on it too, and I'm really I'm not happy about it. Obviously. Uh, who is this? Uh, my name is Jesse. Jesse. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, you know that was going to be a topic into the show, but since you're calling, yeah, why not? We'll just start. Sure. I've, uh... Well, 
here's the well. Do, do you want me to start what happened? Well, no, I'll, 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 well I'll, I'll start with what happened, and and then you can tell us about your story with this. Uh, Nitrogen sure, Sport, you... Nitrogen Sports is a Bitcoin sports betting site, and it's got some advantages Correct. that you can uh, you can deposit, and withdraw with Bitcoin. It's it's pretty fast as far as uh, withdrawing from there. There's, there's advantages with using it, but. I don't use it because I found the lines, like the baseball lines, are like twenty cent lines, which are terrible. If you know what that, if for those of you that know what that means. No, the well, no, I mean the. I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, the, the lines are terrible, but the payouts are fast. Yeah. If you want to bet a point spread or something, and because also on a pitching change, you get further as well. All bets are action, so oh, it, yeah. it's definitely yeah, it's definitely not a good sports book to bet with. But if you want to get paid quick and you, you know the pitcher's pitching. Or the line's comparable to, say, like a five dime, so I've been with for over, I would think, probably 12 years, then it's okay for that. Yeah, so, so that's, go ahead. That's, good, that's a good summary. Your, I, I, that's yeah. a good summary. That, that five dime, that's not five dimes. Uh, with nitrogen, they're, they're good as far as getting paid fast, uh, but as far right. as uh, being a good sports book, it's, it's not that good. So, but they did something shady here regarding the presidential debate and prop bets surrounding that. And I, I really didn't like what I read about it that occurred, and I believe it. There was a bet on what color Hillary Clinton is going to be wearing for the debate. And so they had all the different colors listed with different odds. It doesn't really matter which is which. But what happened was about half an hour before the debate started, they there was a video shown to the public of Hillary in the parking lot coming to the debate. And you could see what she was wearing. So some people thought they were going to pull a fast one. And before the debate took place and the bet was still open, they now knew she was going to wear something red because they saw it on TV or they saw the pictures, whatever it was. So they went and immediately bet red. And, uh, of course, the sports book didn't realize that at the time. But once they realized it, I don't blame them for taking the entire bet down. And I even don't blame them for invalidating any bets that were made. I, I don't just mean any correct bets. I mean any bets that were made after that was shown because they, at least they can ass- – fairly assume that people who bet on red right after that came on are betting because they saw something and they're trying to roll the sports book. Which I, I'm not criticizing anyone who does that because that's the sports book's fault for leaving the bet open. But at the same time you can't you, they can't compare can, can I chime in or Well let, let me just finish it. Let me just finish it. So I don't uh, if someone tries that and the sports book catches and kills the bet, provided they're fair about it and kill the losing bets too after that time period then I'm fine with that. But that's not what they did. Apparently what they did was not just take – they didn't just take down the ability to bet on red or they didn't take down the whole bet. What they did is they took away the ability to bet on red, but you can bet on any other color. And that's pretty bad because basically what they did is they knew the result. It was going to be red. And they took away your ability to bet on the winning result, but they let you bet on all the losers, which was very, very sneaky for them to pull. And they were hoping that they just get suckers who didn't know that she was wearing red betting on the wrong colors, and they they were going to have a hundred percent win rate on this because they already knew it would be like uh, it, it would be like if a, if a baseball game had already played, and they knew the winner, and instead of taking the bet off the board. They only let you bet on the team that lost. That's that's the equivalent. That, so that's that's yeah. horrible. So eventually, when people complained, they made the rule that anyone who bet after 
what they show. 835. 835. What time zone was it? Uh, 835 uh, Eastern? Uh, Well, they they went by Eastern. Yeah, 835 Eastern, which is when they showed that image of uh, Hillary wearing red, that any bet placed that was winning or losing would just be invalidated and refunded, which I think is fair. I think that is a fair thing to do in this type of spot. But what is totally BS is that they tried to pull a fast one it was a roll and re-roll, basically. The, the players tried to roll them by betting on red because the bet was still open. And they said, aha, well, not only are we uh, stopping that, but now we're going to try to re-roll the players who haven't bet yet and let them bet on the wrong color. So the sportsbook has a higher obligation to act in an honest fashion when offering bets than the players do. You're always going to have players who try to take advantage. And any player who tried to take advantage and just uh, didn't get the money uh, – they have to expect that. They, they can't complain. But the sports book should not be allowing you to place bets where they already know the results and only let you place bets on the losing results. That is really, really shady, and that's what Nitrogen Sports did. So even though they ended up refunding it all, I think they wouldn't have if people had not complained. Now, now what uh, you want to add to this, I know. So what things do you want I to say? I just want to add a couple of things. What's your first name? I'm sorry. My name's Todd. Okay, Todd, great. Thanks for taking my call. And by the way, I never listened to a show before, but it's a really good show. But at any rate, you know, I've been I did betting sports. I can't even tell you, probably over 20 years. I've been involved in online sports betting 15 years. I mean, I've been around. I, I've seen it all happen. There's nothing that really surprises me. But my issue is, first of all, with leaving the, lo- with leaving the bets up that you can only lose on is deplorable if you're on a sports book, number yes. one. Now, number two, I I agree and I disagree with what you said as far as them refunding the wagers after. But the way the wager, listen, we all know that sports betting, it, it, listen, it's a market, right? You, you're setting a market and you're betting against it and I'm betting against it. Now, I, I would say the bookmakers, you know, in my experience, they're right 85 to 90% of the time. There are isolated cases like this one where the players, now whether they saw it on TV or they just guessed, hey, listen, they were ahead of the market. You know, if you're not prepared to take, she could have changed in the green room. She could have, there, there's many things that could have happened where that might have not been. The bet was what she walks out on stage with, not what she's wearing on CNN, not what she's walking out of the uh, car with. I mean, it's a speculation wager. Well, I know, and, and let me tell you, of, if this yeah. was if this was in like Nevada, Nevada doesn't allow prop bets except for I think on the Super Bowl, and the, partly for this sure. reason. But but if if they did allow them, uh, they would be forced to pay this. They wouldn't be able to just uh, decide based upon something arbitrarily that they think uh, tipped off everyone to what they're going to wear, even if it was shown on TV. That's my point. That, but that's but that's my point. So, I mean, so yeah. yeah, but but however, this is not in Vegas. It's not regulated, and and these are smaller. No, these no. are smaller operations. So what they've got to decide. See, the problem is people will exploit them when they find things like this, and 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 the problem is then you find it, you tell your friend, they tell their friend, and all, all of a sudden everybody's of betting on everybody's betting Absolutely. on red, and, and they get clobbered. So I, I like being fair to this. Where given that just about every bet that came in after that time on red was probably because people knew the result already or knew it was almost sure to be there's got to be some kind of common sense solution that uh, even if by law they they would have been required to pay it in like a regulated environment I, I think that since it's not regulated and they're just trying to look for like what is fair I, I don't see it wrong that a sports book doesn't pay out to people who were trying to Take advantage of the situation. Now, the people, I don't think they should be banned from the sports book. I don't think that they should be punished in no. any other way. But I think that the bet 
I think it's fair for them to invalidate the bet, provided they also invalidate the the losing bet. So, but they kept the losing bet. That's the problem. Oh, well, so, but, but 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 it's saying. But I'm I'm seeing well, they left them up there. But after I'm seeing the result right now, they're saying that any bets placed after that time will be invalidated, winning or losing. Well, I, I mean, listen, I don't know. I only know what happened in my case, and my, and my bet was refunded. So I, I didn't lose anything on it. But, but my point is, and, and, and I mean, obviously there's a lot of schools of thought in this. I mean, you know, nobody held a gun to their head and had, and had them offer those props. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, the, yeah. I, I mean, there's isolated incidents where, hey, sometimes the market is faster than the bookmaker. And I mean, look, I don't know what it would have cost them. I even sent them an email saying, listen, I, I need – look, I, I, I was betting with them for a long time. I'm not saying I'm betting a 1,000 a game, but I'm betting a few hundred a game, which is not shit action on that course book, which is probably decent. And I said, listen, offer me a percentage. Offer me something. You know, give me 200 – you know, make, make good on – they don't want to do anything. So I mean, I'm a thousand percent. Well, but I, but I can I can understand that. See, I, the reason I can understand is because they're looking at it like someone tried to place a bet where they already knew the results, and we were yeah, stupid enough to still offer it. And and you know, we're not going to punish them, but we don't want to give them anything for. It. We don't feel that they're do anything when they when they uh, they were trying to pull one on us. It's, it's going to be like a draw. We're just going to give them their money back, but we're not going to say, uh, oh, you deserve something for this. And I I, I can I can but understand the other, them with that, the other, but, no, but I'm sorry. But I think sorry. I think. They them trying to take advantage of it is much worse. Uh, originally, with trying to just take down the winning bet and and allow you to bet on anything that will make you lose in the same bet to take down every color yeah. or take down only red and leave up every other color. That's a really scummy thing to do. And the truth is, if nobody caught it, they would have gotten away with it and and just kept a lot of money on bets that uh, where you had a zero percent chance of winning. And there should never be a. Do you know do you do you know how big they are as far as the sportsbook is concerned? I mean, do you know how large they are. Or- no, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I don't have any idea how large they are. I've heard of them. I know that yeah. a lot of people use them, but, but still, I, yeah. I, in these situations, they have to come up with some sort of common sense, fair way to deal with these incidents. And uh, the way they ultimately came up with, I'm fine with. But the initial attempt of, wow, we're going to try to uh, cheat people. Let's see if we can get away with it. I think is a a horrible thing for them to have done. And uh, it may have actually been done out of anger. Like almost uh, what's funny because they would only be punishing the ones who were not trying to take advantage of them. But uh, it may have been like like anger at the players. Like, ah, they're going to try to roll us. We're going to roll them right back. Like it may be. Yeah. Again, it's like you said earlier in the segment. I mean, it is Bitcoin, and it's the most unregulated thing in the world. Like, listen, if you send a deposit to a sports folks that using a debit card, if you get screwed, well, you could, you know, dispute the charge. You have some recourse. But when you're using Bitcoin, you have, like, zero recourse. They can just tell you to go to hell, and then you're done. Yeah, you, you, have, know, you that, have no that, other than yeah. calling them out. But, uh, you know, at least, at least it got taken care of, I, I really think. Much less of them that they tried to pull this. You know, sports books should not yeah. be ever trying to take advantage of their customers in this way, and they should never be offering a bet where they already know the result and where they're only giving you the losing options. That's a horrendous thing to do, and it really, really I'm surprised yeah, they tried I mean, it because be, it would harm. I the mean, before I before I go, I don't want to take over your whole show. I mean, just to give uh, you know your listeners who are betting sports, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion. I mean, if you're going to bet with Bitcoin and you're going to bet, I mean, just go to five dimes because you know what. It's a lot better organized of a sports book. And uh, again, I, I've been with them for, again, probably 12, 13 years, you know, collected tens of thousands of dollars back and forth. You know, I lost, I won, I lost, I won. Never had a problem with a payout. And I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I just use nitrogen when I 
want to get paid real quick. No, no, you're, 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 not, not uh, you're not Tony from Five Dimes, are you? No, no, no. Actually, I had an argument with Tony years ago. Everybody has arguments with Tony. That's actually why I'm not on there because I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid with my personality that it's just a, a, a matter of time before I really get into it with him. And I just, uh, I just no, don't he's kind of a, he's a douche. I mean, I, I remember I had a beef with him. Like, I think it might have been like seven years ago. Now I. No, I'm definitely not Tony, but I, I do bet with them. And I used to, I remember years ago, I used to go with a, an outfit called Carib Sports, who, I mean, they actually were really good, but they just didn't offer enough props. And, I mean, I, I've tried Heritage, and they're a joke. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, five times is the way to go if you're going to bet offshore. But um, I, I just I just I just can't bet with this company anymore after after this whole thing, and I just it's just an ugly outcome. And I mean, you know, I I bet on that site, and I've made mistakes, and, and they didn't want to help me out in the past. Like the, the wording of like team totals, and it, it's just not the best way to go, in my opinion, right now. But yeah, you know, thank you, thank you so much for taking my call. Okay, on no and, problem. And I, listen, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna start listening to your very good show. I'm glad you stuck around with all the technical fail we were having. I can't hear you, what? I'm glad you stuck around with all the technical fail we were having during the... Uh... Yeah, where are you guys out of Las Vegas? I'm from... Uh, I live like 15 minutes outside of Atlantic City, so yeah, I'm a pretty good poker player as well at Borgata. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the LA area now. I was I was in Vegas before. Our, our co-host, uh, Brandon Drexel-Gerson, who is going to come on shortly, is in Vegas, so... Yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, when's the show always on? Is this the time it's always yeah, on? Yeah, it's around this time usually. You can uh, just go to twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert or just go pokerfraudalert.com and... Uh, yeah, it's on around uh, seven thirty, eight o'clock, and then it's on for several hours on, on Wednesday nights usually. Oh, hey, great! Well, listen, it was awesome talking to you, and it was nice to meet you. Thank you very okay. much, Todd. Take care. Thank you. So a new listener here, and we're going to try to put on Cal Watt now. I- I'm shocked that this guy liked the show so far because it was pretty much just all uh, trying to get the show working. He must have a low bar as far as uh, what shows he likes. Okay, Cal Watt, hello. Hey, how you doing? Uh, now I'm afraid to try this, but uh, here we go. What are we trying? <laughs> Please tell me you heard it. I, I hear you, but you didn't. You didn't hear the sound effect. No, I did. Okay, okay. So <laughs> you got me twice. This is, I think he's not going to do it to me twice. I'm going to believe him this time. See, it's like uh, bluffing someone twice in a row, right? Yep. You must do that to the farmers at the PLO game. That's probably why you do so well. Uh, it's risky to bluff, bluff guys that don't want to fold. Yeah. Uh, FTP Jesus thinks I'm in Redondo Beach. I'm not in Redondo Beach. I, I did once live in Redondo Beach. I lived there for uh, several years in the 90s, but I'm not there anymore. I haven't been for a long time. So, uh, so someone says someone says they don't believe that guy was a new user. I, I, don't, I don't care if he's a new listener. I mean, I, I think I believe him, but if he's not, then it was a good call anyway. I was gonna say it's pretty fantastic. You got a got a new picking up some new blood, right? Yeah. All right, so let's uh, get going. I think I actually didn't totally one hundred percent complete the agenda. I didn't. Uh, so just completely the other things we're gonna talk about tonight. DraftKings is investigating a possible collusion in the Sunday Millionaire Maker contest. By the way, they stole that name from uh, Caesars. Shame on them. General topics: We'll talk about the tragic death of superstar pitcher Jose Fernandez. Talk about Donald Trump in the first debate against Hillary Clinton, how he didn't do very well and made the mistake of not preparing. And finally, Hollywood Dave, some of you know him, his ex-girlfriend named Mary Beth, she's not very well known herself, and she's now married to somebody else, but she had a nightmarish ride on Uber with an aggressive sexual predator, and 
thanks indirectly to me, the media in her area of Sacramento, California, covered it on a, on TV segments. But I'll tell you about what happened to her and why you should tell any female you know not to take Uber alone because it's dangerous. And not just like, uh, unlikely it'll never happen to me dangerous. I mean, like, you really shouldn't do it if you're a female. You should not take Uber alone. And I'll explain why. So I'll give you the updates here. The Ho-Chunk Casino scandal. This is a, a listener to our show who called himself Poker Prince 2. He brought to my attention that he got screwed by the Ho-Chunk Casino, which is a – it's an Indian casino, and they also have a hotel on property in Wisconsin. And they had a mid-states poker tournament scheduled to take place there. And he played some satellites to get into the main event for the mid-states poker tournament, won one of them. And since he doesn't live all that close to it, he booked a hotel room for a few days starting from when the tournament would take place. And the scandal occurred when, uh, I guess, they did not get the proper licensing to run that tournament. And they knew this for three weeks prior to the tournament. They said nothing. They they ran satellites. They raked the satellites. They didn't warn anyone that was going to be canceled. I guess maybe they're trying to fix it behind the scenes. Well, it didn't get fixed. And on the day of the tournament, they announced, guess what? It's not taking place. So what would they do with it? What would they do for anybody who won a satellite seat? Well, they... Uh, they just gave them the value of the seat, but did not give them back the rake they paid to win that seat. And, worst yet, anyone who had a hotel booked on property that said, okay, well, I don't need the hotel anymore, please cancel it. They said, no, it's not within the cancellation period. <laughs> okay, they really said that. They, through their own fault, they had to cancel the tournament, and then they told everybody who had hotel reservations at their own hotel that they can't cancel. Horrible. And this really happened. So Colonel Nigel Fabersham decided to look into this on, on uh, I think it was last week's show. Was it last week or two weeks ago we did this? I think it was last week. Uh, Colonel Fabersham called up and talked to several people, one in the poker room, one at the hotel, and uh, he was pretending that this had happened to him. Now, what was funny is that they actually thought Colonel Fabersham was some European guy that they remembered also had this problem. So uh, there was actually a real English guy, or at least a European guy, who had this issue. So they really believed Colonel Fabersham because they remembered him, what they thought was him, a, a European guy that had these same problems and the same complaints. So that was convenient. I, I told them that, yeah, that was me. But I, I still did it as Colonel Fabersham. Now, they couldn't look up Colonel Fabersham. They were wondering why they couldn't find him in the tournament logs or in the hotel logs, but... Uh, I just claimed it was a mistake, and I got them to agree that they would refund the hotel to Colonel Fabersham. So I told Poker Prince, look, now that they've agreed to do this, go back to them and see if they'll do this for you. See, we, uh, Poker Prince had tried this on his own, and they shut him down before Colonel Fabersham called. They, they had told him, nope, too bad, you're not getting it. They outright refused, and he charged it back on his credit card. And when they saw he did that, they banned him from the casino for life. And they wouldn't give him back the rake from what he paid to win that satellite seat either. So I told him, hey, go back to them and tell them you heard on the radio. Tell them that – don't tell them you were responsible for this, but tell them that uh, a poker radio show heard about this situation and decided as a test to call up and hear what they would say if someone was in that same situation. So while the person from the radio was was – not telling the truth that he had actually been there and been a part of this, that they offered a resolution that he wants. So basically say, if you're going to give it to Colonel Fabersham, who doesn't even really exist, 
then give it to me. So he said that to them, and amazingly, they said yes. So not only did they unban him, they didn't have to refund the hotel anymore because he already got that back from his chargeback, but they, they unbanned him from the property and determined that his chargeback was valid. And they gave him $320 back for the rake that he had paid from the satelliting into the event. And they sent him a check. So this was definitely because of us. I asked him, did you, know, did you bring up Colonel Fabersham and was this why they did it? And he said yes. So they actually changed their policy because of this. Because Colonel it's got to be, be the accent. Yeah. I mean, I, guess, I think what happened here, I think that I rattled enough cages there where they discussed this amongst themselves and decided, hey, let's make it right for anyone who complained. I have a feeling that anyone who didn't complain uh, didn't get anything back. I, I can't say that for sure, but I think they probably changed their tune when they decided to help Fabersham. They probably decided they'll do it for anyone. So, so Druff, you don't, you don't really like the social justice warrior, so we're going to call you a poker justice warrior. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you, you can give uh, Colonel Fabersham credit, actually, not me. It, w- it was Colonel Fabersham who called, and he he did a good job. He exacted uh, justice upon the Ho Chunk Casino. He he forced them to do the right thing. And I I really feel good when these stories occur. I love when we do something on this show which directly results in someone having a crappy situation made right. I'm always very happy to hear like a result of something we did that ends that way. One other one like this I remember was a few years ago, a guy named Eric Sonstegard, who was willing to die on Twitter, willing number two die. The Rio checked his room in twice, which meant he checked in and then somebody else they gave his room to as well. So the second person who came in and saw all his stuff stole from him. He wasn't in the room and the person just went through his stuff and stole cash and stole an iPad and obviously he was very upset about it and rightfully so. Uh, the Rio did not want to compensate him. And then when they did agree, they were offering a laughable amount of compensation. They would not give him what was actually stolen. Even though the guy that they confronted actually gave some of it back. Because what had happened was the, they, they confronted the guy who they checked into his room, the, like the double check-in. And the guy admitted that he took stuff. So the guy gave back the iPad and he gave back some of the cash and claimed that was all he took. So at that point, they know what really happened. They know he's not just making it up. So they would only give him the amount that the thief said he took. But thanks to uh, Willing to Die appearing on this radio show and then going back to the Rio and telling them that uh, he had appeared on this show and also utilizing some of the other advice I gave him, they backed down and gave him the whole thing back. So, uh, Well, you're forgetting about one other big kind of platform and victory that you have, Druff. What, what is that? So, well, you... you Got that guy uh, is able to live his dream and go to Vegas and have butt sex because of the platform you gave him, right? Oh, you mean, you mean one step? Yeah. But, but he didn't really get much, did he? <laughs> I mean... I don't know how big he... Well, no, what, I'm talking what about are you the, talking I'm about? The, the, I'm, talking the, I'm talking about the money, people. I don't think... He, oh, you're not talking about... No. Okay. I mean, he may have gotten some in Vegas, but it wasn't next to me. That was right. thanks to the Grinder app. You know, he, I, I gave him the platform to put out right. for people to give him donations, but I don't think he got anything, so... I can't take credit for that one. Well, we're going to have to ask. I mean, you never know. Maybe the, the uh, wallet's opened up and he was able to live his dream of going to Vegas and getting that butt sex. Yeah, his, uh, the wallet's opened up and he opened up. <laughs> I think actually the previous time people donated to him. But I think this time people were just 
tired of the whole thing. I think I, I would love for someone to pay for me to go on vacation. Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know why he thinks that's going to happen, but I, I think one time he got some overly generous people to give him some money, and now he thinks that just every time people are just going to ship him money if he posts a trip report. I don't know if I'd take in the ass to do it, though. It might not be worth that. No, no, but but he's... Yeah, but he's doing that for pleasure. He's not doing. Well, that I, I know. I'm just saying from my perspective, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. If that was the condition to get the free money, I wouldn't either. It would right. have to be one hell of a vacation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've thought about before. Like, if uh, what, what amount of money would have to be offered to me for for me to have sex with a man? Like, it would be the, what if there's like some obscene sum of money? What if someone offered me a billion dollars to have sex with another guy, and I knew for sure he didn't have AIDS or anything like that? That's a snap call, Druff. And uh, for a billion dollars, yeah, I mean, I, as much as like. Yeah, as no, I would do it for I would do it, it, for, be, I would I do mean, it for a billion dollars. Like if Sheldon Adelson for some reason wanted to have sex with me for a billion dollars, I would do it. Oh, there's a fucking mental image right there. <laughs> Sheldon Adelson bending you over his uh, conference table. That's the good fantastic. Thing, he, he probably couldn't get it up at his age. So I probably just... <laughs> there's Viagra, man. Hmm. Maybe, but maybe at his age he'd take it and keel over. There's no way. I mean, it's it's ridiculous to say that you wouldn't do it for a billion dollars. I mean, you know. <laughs> Yeah, lots, of, lots of things happen in life that you don't really like that much, but if you can get a billion dollars out of it, why the fuck yeah. not? So, anyway, I, I wouldn't do it for a vacation. No, how, no, how nice the vacation was, I couldn't do it for a vacation. No yeah, that, that would be a little rough. Even if even if I couldn't afford the vacation, I, I would still not do it. It's just not that's not enough of a payoff. It's be you, can, a, you can stay home with your dignity. Yeah, it would, yeah. It would have to be. A, it would have to be like a, a really, really, really major payment that would be like a, like a super life changing sum of money. Then then I would have to do it. And just try to pretend I never did. Okay, so let's uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, the luck boxes, which I, I played the trailer on here last week. That was uh, a TV pilot that is going that they were hoping would get picked up somewhere. It's a fictitious scripted program based upon uh, poker taking place in two thousand nine. Basically, a lot of uh, Young douchebags who uh, all live in a house together that are living the Las Vegas online poker dream. And I guess there's two main characters who go from getting a college education at a good school and then not then getting – I think they couldn't find a job because of the recession. And then they, uh, uh, they, they took some crappy job delivering furniture, these two brothers, and then they, <laughs> they delivered the furniture to some house of these poker players and uh, are – Thrust into the world of poker and try to make a living as poker players themselves. That's that's the plot of this thing called Luck Boxes. However, it was not picked up at that time by any network, and I was expressing a lot of skepticism that it would ever be picked up anywhere because a lot of people attempt to make either sizzle reels or pilots of TV shows that never get picked up. Right. A sizzle reel, for those of you that don't know, is when they don't even produce a full episode. They just make uh, what looks like scenes from the pilot episode, which actually are just uh, scenes which are specifically filmed just for the uh, the promo. And in reality, there's no full episode filmed. That's how the whole casting couch porn got started, you know? Yeah. So so I, I had predicted that. Uh, I said, this doesn't look terrible. It looks like it could be good, could be bad. It, was, uh, it looked like it came out a bit too late uh, in 2016 or 17 for people to want to watch that. But as far as... The quality of the production, as far as the acting, as far as the plot, it, it looked like it had some potential, but then also had some cringeworthy elements to it, so I wasn't sure. 
And you can never tell from these previews. I have seen previews where the preview looks pretty lousy and then the show ends up being good. Well, it has been picked up. It's been picked up by that fine network that is very, very well watched, that uh, people respect, that people enjoy programs like this, and it's going to get good ratings. It's actually going to be on FX. (laughs) The reason I'm laughing is it's not FX. It's not Netflix. It's not not Bravo. It's not uh, The Learning Channel. I guess it's called TLC these days. It's not uh, not anything like that. It's uh, Poker Central. Yes, Poker Central is a, a wannabe TV network. But it wow, may- is that still around? Well, yeah, and I, I haven't heard I haven't heard about Poker Central in a long time. Yeah, it, it exists, but in reality, it's got uh, it. You really are, are not going to find it uh, on your cable provider. I and I know they're actually paying some people for content. Are they? Yeah, like I think uh, Live at the Bike gets paid some amount of money to have uh, that show on Poker Central. Yeah, so you can watch Poker Central on uh, on demand and things like the a- Amazon Fire TV, uh, downloaded from uh, iTunes. Uh, I, I really completely forgot about PlayStation. That. I forgot that was even a thing. Yeah, you can watch it on Xbox One or Xbox 360. Now, they're claiming Cox is one, but... Uh, it's hard for me to believe Cox is carrying. Is Cox actually carrying this now? That would be a, a small victory for them. For them to be. Let me see if I can find it on Cox Cable anywhere. I'm surprised Dreyfus hasn't gone in there and offered to buy him out. <laughs> he should have. Borrow, borrow some money from some guys and try and buy him out. See, I, I can't even find it on Cox. I see they have the Cox logo there, but I'm not seeing that they. I'm not seeing any Cox. Lineups which have You it. just said, I'm not seeing any cocks. I'm just, you yeah, know. I walked right into that one. Just okay. pointing that out. Yeah, someone's <laughs> going to just take that clip. Oh, that's going to be a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing any cocks. That's, at least I'm not seeing them. It'd be better than me seeing them. Yeah, so I, I don't see that any uh, providers are carrying it. Anyway, Poker Central, you have to get this on demand or through one of these internet forms of watching, but not even like something like Netflix. It's one of these more uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon Fire TV, blah, blah, blah. But they're only going to be airing the pilot of it. I guess only a pilot has been made, which makes sense. They they can't spend on making a whole season of something that they don't know will be picked up. So Poker Central has agreed to carry the pilot. But what are they really achieving here? Poker Central, they're desperate for programming. They're, They're a 24-7 poker network, and what are you going to show on there, twenty four seven? That's that's one hundred sixty eight hours worth of programming. So, of course, well, like I said, like, I, I already am aware that they're paying for content. Yeah. So, how are they even making money, Poker Central? Probably <laughs> not. It's probably another one of these things that they got suckers to fund it and it's hemorrhaging money. Well, you know, I don't want to be too hard on them because as much of it is is a kind of a fail. At least they're kind of trying to do something, and it's not. It's not unusual for companies from any sector to, to borrow money to get going. I mean, it's not like that's a, a crazy thing. But I agree with you, man. I, I, I don't know how long-term they're going to be making money. Well, yeah, and, and there's even – like I'm looking at an article here. This is on uh, Cards Chat. The subject is Poker Central Longevity in Question Due to uh, – uh, <laughs> what is it? Due to uh, Viewer Constraints, referring to how people can't find it. Now, this is from back in October of last year, but – I don't see it's improved much. 
So, like, these things got to be, they have to be accessible. Like, if it's on T, I can understand if it's being carried by cable providers all over the country, and even if it's buried among hundreds of channels, uh, people just kind of flipping around. They go, oh, Poker Central. Okay, let's see what's on there. Like, I can see that getting a little bit of traction. But if it's not being carried by anything, then you have to seek it out. And now, Drew, I don't know if this is the same for you as it was for me, but I, it used to be, you know, I casually dinked around with poker, and then I was an avid consumer of watching poker, you know, whether it was a World Series or high-stakes poker or, you know, whatever, I, and I really enjoyed watching it. And then the more that I played poker, the less that I had any interest in watching it. Yeah, that's, that's, what, <laughs> well, that's what happened with me. Where I, I was actually playing before it uh, hit the big time, so... When it did hit the big time, I was never really big into watching poker for that reason because I had played it enough myself and it just wasn't as exciting to watch poker, watch other people play since I'm playing myself. And that's that was – I know some other players don't feel that way. Some other players love to watch it anyway. And, you know, when I've watched it, I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's, I never enjoy it enough to want to seek it out. And but, but even those that do enjoy watching poker on TV – you really have to know this exists. You have to remember it exists. You have to want to put out the effort to seek it out. And that's not how a TV network's going to do well. Right. So I... Well, maybe, you know you know what? Maybe it's like being a gynecologist. <laughs> right? That when you're... You know what I mean? Like, you, you're, you're a young, strapping adolescent, and you can't wait to, to get into all these girls' panties, and then you become a gynecologist, and the more that you're elbow deep in that snatch, the less... Interesting it is. You know what I mean? Well, it also becomes much less interesting when uh, a lot of your patients are like 60 years old. That's the other problem. That's, well, not, that's not very exciting. But you, but you know what I mean? It's the exposure to it. You know, they're actually actually playing poker a, a decent amount. Yeah. Made me, first of all, you, you know, less um, uh, starstruck by the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, definitely, it definitely was less happened. cool. Yeah, it was, definitely, you know, all that kind of stuff. That definitely happened with me too. Yeah. Yeah, and then on top of that, just you know, you play it enough, you don't really need or want to watch it. <laughs> you know, or at least I don't. Yeah. So, anyway, it's going to be on poker on Poker Central, and I, I will be interested to see this pilot. It's something that I really could believe going either way. I, I could watch it and think this is awful, or I could watch it and say, hey, this is actually pretty good. I want to see the second one. Or it could be in the middle where there's some interesting elements, but then there's also some really dumb elements. Which, I, If I had to guess, I think it's going to be in the middle. I think it's going to be something that's not terrible, but it's going to have some uh, just some moments which, at least to a poker player, are just kind of stupid. Just things you're going to go, oh, come on, this is so stereotypical, or this is just so obvious, or... Yeah, but whenever I see that, as long as it's something that, if it's a good show otherwise, it doesn't bother me because I know they're doing it just to be relatable to the average person, you yeah. know? But I, I think I think sometimes people, they, writers of these sorts of things underestimate how characters can be relatable even if they don't fit exact molds or stereotypes or, or are too sure. simplistic. Sometimes the, the, the general viewing public can figure out a lot more than they believe they would and uh well i guess what i mean is like you know something that would be interesting for a poker player to watch like the dynamics and you know why this guy has decided to start for betting this guy light because of the dynamic i mean that would be lost on the average person oh, yeah, watching yeah. it I, who no, just wants to see you know quads beat a straight fl- or straight flush beat quads or something yeah you know? yeah no i understand yeah it doesn't bother me as much when when it ends up like in a major battle between two players where the final hand is something like that. So some kind of yeah. highly unlikely hand where both people have monsters. 
Yeah, but you, you mean like they're not walking around saying stupid poker cliches all the time yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. I so, decided to go all in on her and <laughs> ask yeah. her to marry me, you know, yeah, crap exactly. like that. Yeah. So let's, uh, so that's, those are the two updates of previous stories and, uh, just wanted to let you guys know that. Now let's move on to this week's stories now that we're an hour in. The Kawanaki well, half, half hour fail, uh, half hour show. So you know it's not too bad. That's true, we did waste a lot of time. In fact, <laughs> if, if in the archives, this won't even be an hour because uh, of the time I turned it off. It wasn't off that long though. I, I got it fixed pretty quickly. You got to give me credit for that. I just uh, you, you pretended I didn't get it fixed, but I really got it fixed. Come on, I got to mess with you a little bit. Strangely, the, the the fix was just rebooting the computer, and I've seen this before. Where just the, the sound card just starts acting weird, and I just had to reboot it, and it stops doing that. And that, so you did what Geek Squad would tell you to do. If yeah, you called, oh, yeah, yeah. I did what the Indian technical support would. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, suggest. <laughs> I I, sh- I should have made it sound more complex than that, but uh, I just I want to be honest with our listeners. So let, let's talk about the Kawanaki Gaming Commission and the bomb that was dropped on September twenty sixth. Which sounds really ominous, but actually isn't. I wonder where Brandon is. It's an hour late. I just texted him. So I asked him if he's around. He's probably walking his dog. Well, I, I think I know what he's doing. I think he's sleeping. Because at, <laughs> at, uh, at 4.44 p.m., I asked him, can you make radio tonight? He said, yes, I'm actually about to take a nap. So that was only uh, four hours and 15 minutes ago. And if he if he had been up a very long time and stayed up all night... And it was 4.45 p.m. It's very hard to wake up after four hours. Mm-hmm. So I could see he maybe set an alarm to wake up at 8, and then he just woke up for two seconds and turned it off, and it's just yeah, sawing said, logs now. Screw this. I'm going back to yeah, sleep. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm guessing is going on here. So anyway, moving on. I'm, I'm glad I have you here, though, to keep me company and the, you know, I have to do all this up myself. The, the Kawanakis, they are a Indian tribe that exists in... Canada, and uh, they really, really believe in their sovereignty. They they don't even see themselves as Canadians. Their land is part of Canada, but they actually claim, even though geographically it's part of Canada, they're a separate country, and they don't have to follow Canadian law. They can make their own laws. They're, they're basically their own country, and there's been a lot of battles between them and Canada over the years, but they're best known to us as poker players as a Mickey Mouse regulator of online gambling sites. I always think either rubber stamp or fraud or sham. Yeah, it it, it pretty much is that. So they got to be best known during the UB scandal because they were the regulator of UB. And they really did nothing about the super user scandal that occurred here. In In fact, UB reopened. And when asking why didn't you take away their license after you found this, the excuse was, "Oh, well, they're not going to pay anyone back. the The only way to uh, the, the only way to get them to pay people back is if we uh, let, leave them with their license." And, and of course, they left the same owners masquerade as different owners and continue to run it even after they quote paid everyone back, even though they didn't fully pay everybody. So the, the Kawanaki, they just don't give a crap. They it's it, it is a rubber stamp regulation. It is just being regulated in name only. Uh, they allow you to operate your site from their servers, so that's that's part of the package that they can uh, that you'll be connecting to their servers, and 
they are, quote, regulating you. And, of course, the whole reason they're doing this is money. You pay them a very hefty regulation fee for this or to house your uh, your server on their land. And then they do absolutely nothing. Yeah, then they do nothing. They do Seriously, nothing, nothing. that's an amazing thing. They, these, I, <laughs> it blows my mind that a lot of these companies will pay them because they don't do – they literally do nothing. Well, like, I don't the, get the it. main thing is to have uh, to have it located there, where it can't really be touched, and and they they don't have to worry about uh, right. jurisdictional issues. And they don't have to worry right. about what right. because even in right. these third world countries, a lot of the you know they, they they someone always wants their hand out. You can't just set up your shop in some third world country and not pay anything. They, right. they then the third world country is going to come after you and say pay us or or or, or worse. So. You can't just go run this wherever you are. There's going to be some money involved. So they, uh, some chose the Kaunakis, and uh, in fact, Bovada was uh, with them. So it's kind of mafioso protection racket kind of thing, right? It, it is you, in a you, way. You pay but, them a little bit of money, and then uh, then you can do business, right? Yeah, but it, it is in a way. But the thing, unlike the mafia, which which would you know, pressure businesses to. Uh, Pay this protection money that people didn't want to pay. That you know, they, they'd come over and say, you know, "You're going to pay us, and we'll protect your business." And in reality, what they meant is, "We'll protect your business from us." Right. Uh, here, you're not. The Kawanakis didn't force anyone to do business with them. But it was just a, they were an option to set up some sort of uh, illegal online gambling site and run it from their servers, and then claim that they're regulated. And then, in reality, nothing's done. You're just basically paying them the money to. Have their servers and to uh, have their phony regulation, and of course this is to the advantage of any site that was doing business with them because with no regulation that's always better for the site, and better for the players. So, I'm sure most of you know by this point that Bovada announced that about a month ago that on October 1st they would be taking their poker product off Bovada and transferring it over to. The Ignition Casino, which people hadn't heard of before, and it's assumed that Ignition and Bovada are actually the same company. Not confirmed, but very widely assumed. There's a lot of evidence pointing to that. But nevertheless, on Bovada, you will not be able to play poker as of October 1st, which is just a few days from now. You could either transfer your existing Bovada account over to Ignition, including the money, or you could sign up for a new Ignition account. I have suggested that you sign up for a new Ignition account, that uh, transferring it is not in your best interest. In fact, you might be able to get rake back if you wait a few days until October 1st. So I have not signed up for Ignition yet. But people wondered, why is this being done? And there were theories being thrown around. One of the theories was that since sports betting will continue on Bovada, that maybe they just want to separate the sports bettors from the poker players. Because a lot of times sports bettors will win in the sports book, and then instead of losing it back to the sports book, will go sit down in poker and lose it all to the poker pros. And Bovada does not like that. So that was the assumption that that's why it was happening. But it turns out that's probably not true. Because it turns out that the date that the Kawanakis are no longer going to be allowing U.S. players on anything that they're regulating is October 1st. And that's a hell of a coincidence that the Kawanakis chose that October 1st date and Bovada chose to separate into ignition on October 1st. Also, it has come out that in early September, which actually is September 1st, Bovada and the entire Bodog brand, anything that was operating under Bovada or Bodog, 
and Ignition as well, by the way, that they all separated from Kawanaki. So they're already off the Kawanaki uh, servers. They're gone. They did this a month ago, or almost a month ago, September 1st. Even though the deadline was October 1st, they already got off and moved to other servers. You, you may have noticed a little bit of downtime this month at some points. And that was them separating from, you know, there was the switching over servers to uh, elsewhere. I think they're in Antigua now. But they're not part of the Kawanaki uh, servers center anymore. Uh, the, data, the data center operation was called Continent 8 LLC. And Bodog was part of that. Bovada was part of that. Ignition was part of that. And they, they uh, on September 1st, they split off. This was the announcement on September 2nd. Authorizations voluntarily terminated. Salmon River Technologies Limited, which is Bovada of all things, <laughs> Salmon River Technologies, <laughs> and, and Linton Limited, which is CafeCasino.LV, Slots.LV, and IgnitionCasino.EU. By the way, notice both of them are using .LV which also is more suspicion that it's the same company. LV is actually Latvia, but the LV is implying Las Vegas. That's why they used Bovada.LV. In fact, the name Bovada was chosen to be to sound similar to Nevada. So Bovada.LV is almost like Nevada LV, like Las Vegas, Nevada. So Bovada is kind of like a combination of Bodog and Nevada. So anyway, the, these two companies, uh, Salmon River Technologies and Linton Limited, the second of which is running Ignition, which we still think are the same company, have both voluntarily terminated their client provider authorizations pursuant to sections 190 193 of the regulations concerning interactive gaming. The voluntary terminations were effective at 12 noon on September 1st. As of the effective date, the commission no longer licenses or regulates Salmon, Salmon, Salmon River Technologies Linton Limited, or any gaming site operated by either entity. The commission is not responsible for complaints received after the effective date concerning these entities or the gaming sites they operate. So they're basically saying, as of September 1st, uh, we have nothing to do with them anymore. Did, did they ever do anything responding to complaints to begin with? Oh, uh, no. So that's, that's a good point. They should, they should have said, uh, uh, as per usual, we will not be responding to any complaints. Right. A little truth in advertising yeah. here. So, obviously... This occurring on September 1st, them announcing on September 2nd, then also on September 2nd, Bovada announcing the split with uh, where, where Ignition was going to be getting their poker action. That's not coincidental. And this was a voluntary termination. They did not throw Bovada off. Bovada actually said, we're getting off, probably because they knew what the Kamenakis is going to be doing. Now, why do the Kamenakis do that? We haven't talked about that yet. Why do the Kamenakis say we're not serving U.S. customers anymore after doing so for more than a decade? Why would they throw away this cash cow? Well, the short answer is they're scared. And the ones to scare the Kamenakis out of continuing to provide services to U.S. customers was the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement. Hmm. Which is a little bit weird because Bovada was not allowing any new accounts from New Jersey. If you had an existing account, I believe it was grandfathered, but you could not sign up for quite some time any account from New Jersey, Delaware, or Nevada, which are the states offering legalized online poker. But still, New Jersey was giving them a hard time. And for whatever reason, the Kawanakis got scared. 
And even though they've been battling with Canada for a long time about being able to operate these uh, online gaming servers and regulate online gaming sites, somehow the Department of Gaming Enforcement scared them. So they agreed. They made an agreement that as of October 1st, 2016, we're going to stop. This is a passage of uh, you know regarding this deal with the Department of Gaming Enforcement and Continent er, Continent Eight, which is the data center operated by the Kawanakis. When the Department of Gaming Enforcement became aware that Continent Eight LLC may have provided services to certain illegal internet gaming websites through that data center, it took prompt actions. After extensive discussions with the Mohawk Council of Kawanaki and the Kawanaki Gaming Commission, involving unique jurisdictional issues the division was able to ensure that any such websites originating for the Kawanakis would no longer be available to U.S. residents in jurisdictions where these companies are not authorized to operate after September 30th, 2016. As a result, such sites as Bovada, a leading provider of illegal online sports wagering and other online gaming content, content will no longer be operating out of the data center located in, the, in Kawanaki. After that date, the, the KGC, that's the Kawanakis Gaming Commission, will take regulatory action against any of its applicants or licensees found to be accepting such wagers. So this is an announcement from the Department of Gaming Enforcement in New Jersey. What's weird is, why are they so concerned about the other 49 states? This is a state office, the Department of Gaming Enforcement. Yet they demanded that the Kawanaki stop providing the games to all 50 states and... Bovada already had voluntarily stopped offering its services to New New Jersey residents more than two years ago, at least new customers from New Jersey. I believe the old ones were still able to play. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I believe that was the case in all three states. Now, it is true the Ignition Casino, they were not allowing any new signups. And since since they're a new, the poker is new there, you can't have a grandfathered account, but they are not allowing anyone to sign up new from those three states. So it's not really clear why New Jersey really went after them hard, unless they were still concerned people were playing from New Jersey, uh, you know, e- either signing up from other states, you know, having relatives uh, sign up accounts or whatever. Uh, I-, I don't know what the concern is, but for some reason, not only did they try to protect their own state, they basically scared them out of the U.S. market. And I don't know specifically what they were threatening, but I have to imagine it was something like that we're going to use the power of the U.S. to really come down on you guys and really make your life miserable. So they they just decided, screw it. We'll just stop serving U.S. customers. So it was the New Jersey Department of Gaming Enforcement. Now, Poker News and other sites have been predicting the end of the world with this. They're saying this is the end of online gaming for for the U.S. Except for the few legalized sites. Now that the Kamenakis cannot provide these uh, servers anymore, Every site's going to say, sorry, no more U.S. players. That's not true. All of these major sites saw that this was coming. They were informed in advance this was coming. And like Bovada, they have or are almost complete with taking action around this. And the way you act around this is you just simply move to another place. So move to Antigua or something like that. There's, There's various other places that you can run these servers, various other rubber stamp regulators you can get for a fee. So that just one option to regulate and house servers for your site has been taken off the table. But that doesn't mean that anything's changing for the average consumer who probably won't even notice this stuff. So who does Kawanaki serve now? Anybody? 
I don't know. I, I've wondered that too. I wonder who they're continuing to serve or if any companies are going to accept this and say, okay, we just won't take U.S. players. Could but it any- be any of the Canadian-sanctioned, you know, like, don't some of the provinces have their own uh, poker websites? I don't think so. And and still, they're, and they're also not Canadian. They're, uh, they don't consider themselves Canadian. They, I, I believe they are, but they, they consider themselves like their own country. They, oh, I see. They don't okay. even think they're Canadian. They, you ask them, are you Canadian? They'll say no. What does Canada say to that? Uh, they they don't agree, but uh, the funny thing is, <laughs> the, the 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 Indian tribes in the U.S. don't act that way. They they believe they have their sovereignty too, but they they will concede that they're Americans. Right. But these the, these Kanakis are so extreme with this, they don't even think they're Canadians. So I'm still not un- entirely sure of the reason behind the. Moving the poker because you still have to ask. Okay, so Bovada is presumably going to offer sports betting after October first to U.S. players. So I'm still trying to understand if it has to do with this, which it seems to. Why just move the poker? Why not move the whole thing? I'm still not understanding why they split. This could have been actually something where the split was only partially related to this. This could have been something which got them to move and, and take another action. They're like, well, while well, we have to move servers anyway, let's, uh, let's also separate the poker from the sports book. So maybe they're even doing that because they, uh, they assume that at some point soon there's going to be a further clampdown on their sports book and they want to at least protect the poker product. Maybe they think the poker product will be less of a target. Maybe they're trying to make more targets so it's not just take Bovada down and get a major, major player of U.S. online gaming out of the market. Maybe they're trying to split into two parts and make it tougher. I don't know. These are just guesses. Maybe they're they're facing lawsuits and they're dividing up the company into the good Bovada and the bad Bovada. That might work. Does this sound familiar at all? Yeah, it might work, too. <laughs> Wait enough time and you'll make a settlement. So, yeah, they... So, this, this is coming. Uh, as I said, Bovada's already off. Bovada, a month ago, left. September 1st, they were gone. So... It's not like on October 1st they're going to jump from the Kawanaki servers to somewhere else and there may be downtime. No, there won't be. They, they've already done it. You're, if you're playing on Bovada today, you're playing on a server that is not at the Kawanaki's res- reservation and also is not regulated by them. Now, speaking of the October 1st deadline, it's very important that you cash your poker points. And I'll explain how to do that. First of all, go on the Bovada Poker Client. Don't go on the website. The website will not help you with this. The website will not tell you how many poker points you have. You have to go on the Poker Client. I don't even believe you can do this with a mobile Poker Client. I think you have to go on a PC Poker Client. I think a Mac one will work too, but you know, a, a, a real computer you need to use. Log into the Poker Client, and you'll see on the left side, it'll say how many poker points you have. Whatever that amount of points is, Multiply it by 1.1, and that's how many cents you have. So if you have, uh, uh, or 1.11 actually, not 1.1. So essentially, let's say you have 900 poker points exactly, then you have $10. If you have 9,000 poker points, you have $100. If you have 900,000 poker points, or 90,000 poker points, you have $1,000. So you might actually have some decent money there. I actually know a poker player who was about to just let this go. I was very surprised, but yeah, they they actually were about to let this go. And 
they were going to lose their poker points, of which they had many. And they only knew about this because I told them. I, I asked them, hey, did you cash out your poker points? What? My poker points? What are you talking about? A lot of people who play on there don't really notice they exist. So you're, you, if you play poker on there, you have poker points. So the best way to cash the poker points out, you can't just directly convert them to cash, but you can get kind of close. You need to convert them into sports betting tickets. And at first it's going to look like a huge pain in the ass because you can only do it either $5 or $10 at a time. So you can buy a $5 ticket for 450 points or a $10 ticket for 900 Obviously that's the same rate, but uh, you, would, you would do 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 until you run out of points where you can't do 10 anymore, and then you do 5. So let's say, for example, you had... Uh, 2,250 points, or let's say 2,300. Let's say you had 2,300 points. You would buy a $10 tournament ticket uh, for sports, another $10 ticket for sports, a $5 tournament ticket for sports, which is 450. That would leave you with 50. It would be 900, 900 plus 450, leaves you with 50 that you just have nothing to do with. Now, how do you use these tickets? It's a lot easier than it sounds. Because you may think, I don't want to make a bunch of $10, poker, uh, $10 sports bets. It's a pain in the ass. I'm not, I'm not submitting 50 or 100 $10 wagers. It's too much trouble. No, you don't have to. These tickets are not really tickets. What they really are is just adding to your bonus in your account. So let's say you have 90,000 poker points. You just go on the poker client... You go to let me give the exact thing. I have, I have an instruction here on Poker Fraud Alert that I gotta go take. I'll, I'll go read from my own instructions because I, I wrote this whole thing up. If you want to see it, by the way, you should go to the Poker Community Discussion <laughs> forum and click on the. Uh, it's, I, I started off by asking a question, but it's called "Question Regarding Bovada Sports Bonuses," and then I answered my own question. So if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find there that the instructions are as follows: You go on the Poker Client, you click on Account on the left side. It actually says Account. Then click on My Poker, and then click Points to Tickets. So Account, My Poker, and Points to Tickets. And this is only on the Bovada Poker client. Do not do this on the website. You won't find it. Once you're at Points to Tickets, select the $10 sports bonus, which is 900 points. Or if you run out of points, don't have 900 anymore, then do the $5 sports bonus for 450 Click Convert. It'll say it's converted. And then just keep clicking Points to Tickets over and over and over again. And... Just do this repeatedly until you're out of points or almost out of points to where you can't even buy a $5 bonus anymore. Then wait 24 hours. After 24 hours, this will convert to a lump sum bonus in your Bovada account. So let's say you converted uh, that 90,000 example. You you converted $10 uh, 100 times. You will end up with a bonus in your account of $1,000. Now, how do you use the bonus? It's very easy. Just... Go bet on sports. If you don't want to gamble, go bet the same game opposite sides. You'll lose the the VIG. You'll lose the, the, the house fee, basically. But uh, that's one way to guarantee some money. Otherwise, you can just gamble, pick a game you like, and bet. You need to roll it over three times to be able to cash it out. So what I mean by rollover is, uh, let's say you got $100.00 worth of these tickets and you have a $100 bonus in your account, you need to bet 300 and this is combined. You don't have to make one $300 bet. The 300 combined to be able to cash this out. And that actually can occur pretty quickly. So 
definitely do this. There's no downside to doing this because if you don't do it by the end of September 30th, and I think that's uh, Eastern time, so I think the end of uh, September 30th on the East Coast, if you do not do this, you will lose your poker points and they will have zero value. You can't lose. So now let's say you convert it to sports bets and you just lose it. Let's say you convert uh, $1,000 worth. You place a $500 sports bet, it loses. You place another $500 sports bet, it loses. Well, okay, you've lost your bonus. That's it. The good news is you haven't lost any real money. But there's no point to keep betting at that point because there's nothing to roll over. You've lost your uh, you've lost your 1000 But if you win any of them, that's where you have to have a total bet worth of uh, three times whatever you redeemed bonuses to withdraw that amount of money. But it's not very hard. That's what I did, and I got uh, like $1,000 worth thanks to that. In fact, I, I won in my sports betting with that, so I actually converted my poker points of uh, around 1000 up to about 1400 something. And it was withdrawable. So definitely go do that. You will know when the, when the tournament tickets have become a sports bonus. You'll know that they've processed it. Remember I told you to wait 24 hours? You'll know that when you go take a look at your tickets and they're not there. If you go to account my poker and then click tournament tickets if there's nothing listed that means they've been converted if you see them all listed they have not been converted so as i said go to first go to account my poker and then points to tickets keep buying those bonuses and then keep checking back about you know 24 hours later start checking back where it uh, account my poker tournament tickets and see if they are still there if they're gone you probably have the bonus you can also go onto the website at that point and see if you show in your bonuses that you have this sports bonus. And then just bet three times of that uh, combined, and you can withdraw it. Definitely do this. Do not let Bovada keep your poker points, because they're going to be gone, and I, I don't think they will make any exceptions for you. So if you forget this, and on October 2nd you try to get them to do this for you, they'll probably say F you. So I, I know this wasn't the most exciting segment of the show, but I, I, I really want everybody who has poker points on Bovada, and you probably have them if you've played on there, even a long time ago, Definitely convert your poker points now. Definitely do that. You can do it in a casino too, but that's, sports is much better. Your odds to win in sports are much higher than a casino. Even if you just want to flip coins and bid, just bid on a team. like you, If you know nothing about sports, just go take your sports bonus, flip a coin, and bet on the top team if it's heads and the bottom team if it's, if it's tails. Better than using the casino. Larry Laffer saying in the chat, I don't think I have that many poker points. I only play micro stakes. So I'll check it out anyway. Disposition asking in chat, does the KGC serve the winning network America's card room? They did, but I, I don't know if they do anymore. I think that they... I, I'm guessing that America's card room is off them by now. I don't know for sure, but I, I have a feeling. Let me go to their website. I'm going to americascardroom.eu. Let me... Uh, Scroll down and see what they claim is their regulator. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about Kawanaki on there. It just says powered by WPN, which is the winning poker network. Does not even say who's regulating them. So I would guess that they're off there by now. I think all the major sites that you probably know are off there by now. I'm trying to find anything that's indicative of who's regulating them, I'm not seeing it. Well, there is one way to find out for America's Card Room. Let's just call them up. Let's call them up. 
So we're going to call 877-314-4195. Oops. Hold on. There we go. Hold on a second. Try it again. 877 314 4195. Is it ringing? Try it's old. Now I try to the old Skype. It's not ringing, is it? Let's try it one more time. 877 314 4195. Who the hell is going to answer now? It's their support 24 7. Here we go. Okay. Allegedly 24-7. Whoa. Fogger Solutions, this is Robin speaking. May I have your username, please? Yeah, I don't got no username, Holmes. Uh, I want to know if uh, you guys have that Kawanike Gaming Commission regulating you. Because uh, I heard, like, after October 1st, we ain't going to be able to use that, uh, you know, the sites no more if, if, if it's the Kawanaki's regulating it. So... Well, we 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 are located in Costa Rica, so um, there are no restrictions whatsoever. But if um, I, we would recommend for you to check with your local authority. Well, no, I, I, see, I don't I don't care about that. You know, I I cross the border. I don't care what the authorities say. And you know, when I I do other things to get my money, I don't care what the authorities say. But all, all I care about is if I can still play on the site. So you're saying after October first, it ain't gonna be no problem because you guys are in Costa Rica and they don't they don't give a crap of you know what you do and who you uh, who, who you give the. Uh, <laughs> the accounts do that. Yeah, there there are no restrictions whatsoever. No, we don't. Okay, so that's I wanted to make sure of that because I know that the Bovada they were the, the Kawanaki they were the ones who were in charge of them over there. So mm-hmm. if they, I just well, wanted to make sure I could still play on this site after October first. But it looks like I can. You're sure about that? October first, no problem, right? No, we haven't had any any advices, and uh, we ha- we don't have any restrictions. All right, yeah. I, I got I got another question, not related to this, but uh, yeah. this is what happened. I, I was I was I was working in, in the taco truck, and um, a guy left his credit card in the taco truck, but um, I have his name. Um, if I were to sign up as him and, and play under him there, and I win the money, as long as I give him some of the money, I win. Is it okay? Can I use his card? No, we don't allow um, players to use any other person's account to deposit. You may use Bitcoin, though, so you can deposit with Bitcoin. Well, what, what if I what if I just don't tell the, what if I just don't tell the dude like what if I don't tell you nothing that I do it like let's say let's just pretend I didn't say this and I just use the card like you guys ain't gonna know right? No, the system will notice. All right, you know I uh, so you okay so if I you say if I steal someone else's Bitcoin that's cool I just can't do it with a credit card right? Well, yeah, bitcoins is not are not traceable. Okay, but um. All right, I, I think I think I know what to do. All right, I'm I'm gonna right. I'm, I'm gonna start um, I'm gonna start asking me some bitcoin. All right, uh, thank you for the information. I'll talk to you later. My pleasure. Bye bye. <laughs> well, we we know how to get money on the ACR now. You hear it, Cowat? I'm here. Hey, listen, if you call up these support guys and you get uh, Indian support. 
you got to just counter with the thickest, worst Indian accent you can possibly come up with. <laughs> I've done that before, actually. I have, I have, I have done like the Indian accent back to the Indian accent. Too. That was that was that was Chico Loco calling. He didn't identify himself, but that was Chico Loco calling up about the America's Card Room. I guess they're in Costa Rica and their servers are there, so no worries there. So that's for disposition. Who was wondering about this? I, I, I like how they're okay with the Bitcoin being stolen. They're like, yeah, they can't be traced, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. She basically said, nah, you can't do that, but listen. Yeah. Yeah, what about you wanna, Bitcoin? You want to, you know, do something shady, do this. Yeah, yeah. Don't steal credit cards. You got to gotta get gotta get more modern with your, with your yeah. stuff. She's like, I got to educate this idiot. Yeah. Like, if you're going to rip someone off, do it in an untraceable way. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> we'll accept stolen Bitcoin, just no, uh, no stolen credit cards. Yeah. We don't want the chargebacks. If you uh, Bitcoin can't be charged back, that's what you got to do. All right. Well, let's uh, move past Bovada here and talk about Caesars. Well, Caesars has settled most of its lawsuits. Caesars, which seem to be headed for ruin with their bankruptcy, they they have dodged a bullet, and it looks like most lawsuits that are against Caesars are not going to take place and will be dropped. Here is the story. This is a very big story, actually, and this means that there is not going to be the destruction of Caesars, at least not anytime soon, and the bankruptcy is pretty much over. It's uh, a huge uh, development for Caesars. <laughs> so this this is what's going on. Let's get to the story here. Uh, why did I lose the story? Here we are. So... For those of you that don't know, most of you know, but Caesars has split itself into various units to where the – what's known as the bad Caesars, the assets they have that they feel are not very valuable, maybe operating at a loss, they put those all together in one subsidiary, and they had that one declare bankruptcy, and then they put their good assets in other subsidiaries, which are not going to be declaring bankruptcy. Of course, the lien holders of uh, Caesar's debt were very unhappy about this and said, you can't pull this crap. You know, if you want to declare bankruptcy, it's got to be a whole company bankruptcy. You can't just uh, separate out the assets you don't want us touching and, and give us the bad ones. So there's been a lot of lawsuits, a lot of fighting back and forth about this for years. But recently there was a ruling by a judge that the lawsuits that were filed against the parent Caesar's company – could proceed and were not just restricted to the Caesars Entertainment Operating Company, which is what was going to be declaring bankruptcy. And they were hoping they would only be that one, the bad Caesars, that would be facing the bankruptcy and the lawsuits. So it was looking very bad for Caesars. They had one small development in their favor recently, and that was that the mediator quit. And they didn't quit because of anything bad Caesars was doing. They actually quit because uh, the mediator was mad at the judge for making a ruling against Caesars that he felt was unfair and he felt was troublesome for the mediation process. He said, why am I even here trying to mediate if you're going to make these uh, major rulings that ruin everything? So that guy quit and cited that the judge was being unfair to Caesars and was overstepping his power. But I didn't expect this. Caesars Entertainment has reached a deal and the deal basically will uh, allow the uh, the second lien holders to get about uh, 1.67 billion extra as a result of the compromise that was made. Mm. 
uh, of most the, the biggest impact will be from the uh, the recovery the asset recovery rate which was uh, being offered previously to the second lien holders of uh, Caesar's debt was uh, it was 39 cents on the dollar before they increased that from 39 cents on the dollar to 66 cents on the dollar so that's that's the big difference uh, there's going to be an extra infusion of cash of 345 million. Uh, there's going to be uh, equity that the second lien holders get in what's called the new CEC, that's Caesar's Entertainment Company, uh, which is uh, a new entity that was created with the reorganization. So they they basically get equity in the in the new Caesars, the good Caesars, and. Uh, in exchange, all these lawsuits are going to be dropped, and the second lien holders are basically saying, all right, this is cool. We're accepting this. We're done. So that's – they don't have to worry about the bankruptcy anymore <laughs> because they've come to this agreement, and the second lien holders are going to get uh, portions of the new Caesars. There is one lawsuit that's going to continue, but this is not going to be backbreaking. This is only for $160 million, which sounds like a lot, but for a company like Caesars is not very much. That's a, a lawsuit that was brought in 2014 by a company called Trilogy Capital Management LLC, and they alleged corporate they alleged fraud in the restructuring by Caesars, like I talked about earlier. They are not involved in this whole thing, so they are continuing to sue Caesars, and that lawsuit will go forward. But even if they win, even if they fully win, there's only 160 million. That's not going to kill Caesars. So that is really not. That interesting. I mean, I'll probably mention it when this lawsuit's eventually settled or ruled upon, whatever, but that's not going to have a major impact or really anything we're going to notice as players there. So, at one point, it was looking likely that the bankruptcy for only the Caesars Entertainment Operating Company, the Bad Caesars, that that was going to be unwound, and basically they were going to be told, uh, no, the entire company has to declare bankruptcy. And then this would have resulted in the forced auction of all Caesars assets, including the World Series of Poker and WSOP.com. But now this is all going to stay in their hands. And there's not going to be any kind of forced auction. There's not going to be a bankruptcy. It's, it's, it's pretty much over. So they've come to terms. So I, I guess I see why that mediator was pissed off, because he probably was getting close, and then this judge messed it up. But I guess uh, they've managed to get this done anyway. And now, Caesars still has plenty of problems. This was their biggest problem. But that doesn't mean they're going to be profitable here on forward. And they have a lot of operational issues that we talk about all the time. And they have a lot of properties that are not making money. They have some assets that are doing very well. The World Series of Poker is a huge cash cow for them, but it's uh, it's very profitable for what it is, but it's not going to save the company by itself. It's not big enough to save the company by itself. But it's uh, that's one of their good assets. And they have, they have other good assets, and their total rewards program is very successful and popular, but there's a, there's a lot of, comp, there's a lot of uh, properties they have that are losing money, a lot of uh, investments they've made that are not working out. So they're, they're not out of the woods for all that, so you can't say this is a healthy company now. But what we can say is that it's not going to be destroyed in the coming years as we thought it would be. I really thought it was starting to look likely that at some point – that Caesars was going to be blown up and all its assets were going to be distributed amongst uh, uh, other companies that would snap them up. And the World Series would eventually be run by someone else. 
So don't worry. Don't uh, panic and spend your rewards credits. Don't uh, don't operate with the assumption that Caesar's is going to be no longer. It, it's going to live. Long live Caesar, I guess. And the fail it's will too, continue. It's too big of a turkey for a bunch of these guys to not want to carve it up and, and get a little piece, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's gonna and it's gonna go forward. They'll continue running the World Series. Continue running WSB.com. They will continue uh, with various embarrassing operational mistakes that we laugh about on the show. All, all these will continue. It'll be business as usual. We will see how they operate from this point forward now that they have this major monkey off their back. I was talking to someone privately, not even someone on this site, but just someone I know who's a casino gambler. And I was talking to him privately a few weeks ago, and I was telling him I'm not as pessimistic on Caesar's future as he was. He was saying, oh, this is it. They're done. This is after that ruling I was talking about. He was saying they're done. They're going to lose. They're, 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 they're over. I would get your rewards credits out. You know, yes, it's not going to happen in the next few months, but it'll be fairly soon. No more Caesars. I'm sure of it. And I said, don't be so sure. This Right now we're just looking at a ruling, but there's so many more steps that will have to happen before they're done. And along the way, anything can change. And that's, I didn't expect it to be this quick. And I didn't necessarily expect there would be a settlement. But look, it changed, and Caesars is going to continue. So all the doom and gloom about that is, turned out to be unjustified, even though it was looking likely at one point that eventually Caesars would be done in by this bankruptcy. They've wormed their way out of it. So this is how technically the... Deal will restructure the recovery paid to the various debt holders. Uh, the first lien bank lender recoveries will be uh, actually 115 cents on the dollar, which uh, is slightly less than before. The first lien note holder recoveries will get 109 cents on the dollar. Uh, and uh, the second lien note holders I mentioned will get 66 cents on the dollar instead of 27 cents, uh, or sorry, instead of 39 cents before. Uh, they also get uh, 14.6% in fully diluted equity in the new CEC, the Caesars Entertainment Company or Corporation, and uh, also a uh, $108 million increase in convertible notes in the new CEC. The subsidiary guaranteed note holder recoveries will be approximately $0.83 cents in the dollar, and that's almost the same as before. And unsecured creditors will receive an increase in recoveries to about the same 66 cents in the dollar. And this is a consistent, consisting of a combination of cash and the increase in the uh, amount of the equity in the new CEC and that and the convertible, convertible notes in the new CEC. So basically like the uh, second lien holders. So that's what's going to happen. So let it be written. So let it be done. Don't worry if you don't understand all these terms. The point is that the uh, lawsuits and the reason for the bankruptcy are now no longer. So it's it's done. Now, believe it or not, the Caesars share price, CZR is the, is the stock uh, symbol, it actually dipped upon this uh, news. I don't quite hmm. understand that, that they actually lost uh, some money. Right after this was announced, I, I, I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I've heard that this isn't uncommon, but I can't imagine why. Maybe someone can explain that to me. Why I would think this is great news for the company. I, why would it be better news that they're still fighting this out? I mean, yes, they have to give up some 
some of their uh, the company to the second lien, lien holders to uh, you know they're basically giving up some of their equity, but they're they're solving a major problem, a major major problem that was going to destroy the company. I would think that would, that would make you more bullish on Caesars than anything that was happening before, but the market doesn't think so. But at, at least I, c- I can tell you this is not going to go away. Caesars has survived. So if you like them, if you hate them, they're staying. People have asked me before, do you hate Caesars? And uh, the answer is no. I, I've said before, what's good about Caesars is also what's bad about Caesars. And yes, there's a lot of operational fail. There's a lot of stupidity. But I've, I have gotten to know their system so well that I'm very comfortable with it and I, and I can uh, use it to my advantage much more than I can the other companies. I, I know them really well. I know I, I understand how to get the most out of Caesars. Whereas if they were to, let's say, this isn't going to happen, but let's say uh, in a month they were going to be gone. Let's say in a month that they were going to be uh, liquidated and their assets sold off and there would be no more Caesars. I actually would be unhappy about this because I, a lot of the things I have, including my seven-star status, including my... Uh, extreme knowledge of the company at this point would be useless. And I'd basically have to start from scratch and maybe not even be able to uh, get as much and benefit as much from whatever new company I'm dealing with as, as I do with Caesar. So yes, I, I'm very frustrated sometimes with some of the things they do and, and mess up and some of the going around and around I have to do with them to get things done. A lot of ridiculous mistakes that are made that should not be made very poor communication between their departments. I I stand by all those criticisms, but uh, I actually am happy to get this news. I, I don't want to see Caesars go down. If I if I wanted to see them go down, I wouldn't be a customer of theirs. Because I am a customer of theirs. I, I stay at Caesars. I play in their World Series. I take trips to other Caesars properties. If If it was something negative to me, I wouldn't do it. Because I'm not making money from it. It's not like Caesar's is not making me money. It's not. It's not like I'm exploiting them to make money in some way. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making money from them. I'm just uh, getting value out of the usage that I do of their company. Well, another Caesar's story. This one's a little bit of a lighter story. Literally a lighter story. They have implemented a red light green light system. To avoid the slow paying, or slow, sorry, slow playing of video poker in order to get drinks at their bars. This is an old trick, and you don't have to be a, a genius or a casino insider to know how to do this. I, I thought of this pretty much as soon as I was old enough to gamble, and I'm not even a drinker. If you go play a video poker machine at a bar, uh, you can just sit there. And barely play. You could put a $20 bill in or whatever and just not play. Just sit, 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 sit. Every once in a while, run a hand. Sit, 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 sit. Okay, another 20 minutes have passed. I'll run more, one more hand. In the meantime, you can just drink, 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 drink. You just keep getting uh, free drinks from the bar, and all you have to do is tip the bartender, and, uh, and you're good. And you'll save a lot of money than if you had just bought the drinks on your own, which can be quite expensive. So a lot of people use this. A lot of people use this video poker slow play tactic to exploit the casinos for drinks. Again, I didn't do this because I'm not even a drinker. But uh, this was obvious to me immediately without anyone even telling me. 
when I'll tell you, I would need to have a lot of drinks for me to sit there and play video poker. No, but you wouldn't be. You'd just be sitting there doing nothing. Like, you, you sit down with your friend, you want to have a drink with him, and you put a 20 in the machine, and you just don't play. You just let it sit there. And then after right. 20 minutes, run one hand at a, at, uh, at a quarter. What I'm saying is I get nothing out of playing video poker. Yeah. But, so but, I would do exactly that. that and that's what people did. That's what people right. did was uh, they were slow. So, so uh, this was just – now, it's not like the casinos were ignorant to this. The, the casinos were very aware this was happening. But they just figured, look, that's only a small percentage of people who are doing this. It, it, was, it was a real percentage. It wasn't like one out of every thousand patrons did this. It was, I don't know what the percentage was. But uh, most people didn't, but there were enough doing it to where it was a thing that was happening every day. But they, were, they figured they made enough there from those that were actively playing and those that were just paying for their drinks, and they didn't worry about it. But in these days, the, the casinos are now trying to really squeeze every dollar they can out of people, and they're really trying to get rid of people either directly or indirectly, who are trying to exploit them in some way. So they decided to go after the video poker bar slow, play, slow players. And this red light, green light system, it's been discussed uh, previously on this show, but it has now been fully implemented at Caesars Properties, and I'll explain the system. A uh, When you put uh, money in a video poker machine... A blue light comes on. The blue light means we've gotten your money and you have not earned a drink yet. Then you have to play. If you just sit there, it's not going to ever turn. It's going to stay blue. If the bartender sees it's blue, he's not going to give you a drink. If you ask for a drink, sorry, you, you, you can buy it, but you can't get a comp drink. Then, as you play, after you've played enough, the light will turn green. The green light means you have now earned a drink. And you ask for a drink, they will give you a comp drink. This is like what they do with the guinea pigs in a cage, right? When they're running <laughs> tests on them. Well, that's pretty much what they, they make them do. Certain things, then the light turns on, they get their food pellet. Yeah, well, that's, that's pretty much <laughs> that's pretty much what gamblers are anyway. So, <laughs> so, so they the light turns green, you get your drink, and then it becomes red. As soon as you get your drink, the bartender uh, turns it red in some way. They have some way to do that, and then you have to continue playing to get it to go green again. If you just sit there or slow down your play, then it won't go green. So they will, uh, once you've played enough, you'll get the green, and then you can get another drink. That's how it works. You actually have to earn your drinks through play, and the lights tell them. There's no more where the bartender has to estimate it or, or anything like that. No, the, the, the light tells the bartender whether you're entitled to a drink or you're not. And so this is the statement, the official statement from Caesars Entertainment. Caesars Entertainment has implemented the comp validation system statewide throughout our Nevada resorts. This system enables us to offer complimentary beverages to those gamers who choose max play at our video poker bar top units. Now, notice they're saying bar top units. So this does not apply to if you're playing in the casino. If you're playing in the casino... I don't believe that there's going to be that red light, green light. So I think if the drink girl comes by and says, hey, do you want any drinks? You could say, yeah, yeah, whatever, and then she'll bring it to you and you tip her a dollar or two dollars, whatever you want to give her, and uh, and that's it. And she's not going to – I don't believe it even has a light. This is at the bar. I believe the reason for this is that the drink girl doesn't come around very often. So if you're going to a video poker machine that's not in the bar to get free drinks, then you're, you're not going to get very much because you're going to be sitting, 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 and the girl's not going to come, come by for a long time. They just don't like the bar situation where there's a bartender right there and you can just keep pounding down drinks and hardly play at all. So I understand 
why they're irritated about this, but it's funny that, like, how much could they really be losing out of this? How, how much could this really be costing them? Because the amount that these drinks cost is nowhere near what it actually cost them. There's a huge profit margin. I think we lost Calwatt, by the way. But there's a huge uh, profit margin for these drinks. So I, I don't understand what they think they're really saving. Because these same people who are taking advantage of this, it's not like they're going to go pay for the drinks now. It's not like they're going to go, well, I, I had 10 drinks yesterday while still playing video poker. So since I can't do this anymore, I'm actually going to just pay for them. Or I'm actually now I'm going to actually play a whole lot. They're, these The people taking advantage of this are just not going to come back to the bar, which they're happy about, but it doesn't save them that much money. The only way it really saves them money is if these people were hogging up space that could have been used by someone who would be playing a lot. But for whatever reason, they think that this is a good idea. Now, you may wonder, why is this a bad idea? Well, the reason is because for legitimate players, this can be annoying. And their argument is if, if you make a few max bets, and a max bets are that's uh, on a video poker machine that's five credits. So if it's a 25-cent machine, a max bet is $1.25. They're saying after a few max bets, you'll, you'll have it. But still, it's, it's kind of insulting uh, let's say a guy is playing a whole lot. He has a drink. And then he wants to take a short break. And he downs the drink. And he's talking to his buddy next to him. And say, hey, bartender, give me another one. Oh, I'm sorry, your light's red. And this guy has been playing for like two hours actively. But he's taking a break. Now he can't get the drink he wants. So it'll start irritating people like that. It'll start irritating customers who are doing what Caesars actually would hope they do, and that is play actively. So I, I think it's being petty. Yes, it's going to drive away the people who are taking advantage of them. Yes, there are some people who do take advantage of them. Yes, these people are customers they don't want, but it can affect the regular customers too, and the whole thing just kind of seems weird. Like, you know, you order a drink. Even if you never thought of the slow playing stuff, and you just play normally at the bar, you see the light be blue. Hey, bartender, you know, can I have a drink as I'm starting to play? Nope, you've got to play some of the light has to go green. I go, what the hell is this? Can you imagine that? You sit down at a bar. You put 20 in the machine. You're about to start playing, but you want to have a drink next to you. So you try to order the drink next to you, and the bartender says, no, your light is blue. It's got to become green first. Like, what a pain in the ass. So it's not going to affect me personally, but I wonder how this is going to be taken by the patrons. Now, if this is a system that's adopted citywide, and I know it's not Caesars, it's not only Caesars discussing doing this. I know other casinos are already doing this as well or are discussing doing this, but I'm wondering if this is going to become the norm in Vegas or if this is something that's going to be met with rebellion. By the way, the bartenders don't like this because not only do they have angry people who yell at them about it almost believing like it was their decision. But they also get fewer tips because the bartenders were doing great in these situations because even the slow players tended to tip the bartender. So. I would feel like such an infant. Yes. If I was sitting there playing and they're, oh, no, no, you haven't earned your green light yet. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I know. fucking ridiculous. That's why why I think often they're short-sighted with these policies. I think... I think really at some point you have to say, look, we're going to we'll allow a small segment of the customer population get over on us in order to make the customers we really want happy because we don't want to inconvenience them. Until we can find a way only to affect the people who are taking advantage of us, of us 
uh, we don't want to do something that's going to make it crappy for everyone. Man, I got a I got a kid in kindergarten and one that's a little bit older, and they they do this shit to them. <laughs> you know, they they got these little like starboards where yeah, okay, right. we're yeah. gonna put you on green. We'll give you if you get another green dot, you'll be able to have your snack. You're, you're you know? right because they have the, they had this in Benjamin's class where he would uh, you know if the kids if they were good for a day they would get uh, a star up there, and then at the end they'd uh, if they've gotten twenty stars, then they get to have a class party. Things yeah, like that. Exactly. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Well, Red Light, Green Light is actually a kid's book, so they actually took the name from there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Good for them. So it was just being tested a few months ago, but now it's it's been implemented at Caesars, and it's already at other places, too. I'm not sure which other places, but I know it's been implemented uh, elsewhere on the Strip. So unfortunately, this is becoming the norm, and I just don't think it's right. I think think they're focusing on the wrong things. I think they're, they're, they're saving tiny bits of money doing this. And just getting others angry. You you want the, the gambler who often has come from a great distance to be there to feel carefree. You want him to feel almost like he runs the place. Almost like uh, uh, he's going to lose money most of the time. So you've got to make up for his frustration with losing money with a pleasant experience. And the pleasant experience comes from uh, from comps usually. From, okay, I lost money, but... Look at these comps I got. I got to drink a whole lot. I got to eat some great food. I got a free hotel room, which was nice. And th- that's what makes the gamblers come back because they say, hey, next time I'll come back, I'll get these comps and maybe I'll win too. But if it starts to become a situation where you feel like uh, you- you've got a-, a parental figure watching you, and in, th- in this case, in the form of a machine, right? Uh, it-, it becomes less pleasant. You, you don't want to think about earning your drinks. Right. And it's more understandable with earning comps where they, they don't want to overcomp someone to where the amount of comps they give make the player not profitable for the casino based upon his expected loss. That makes sense. But this is so petty. These drinks cost them so little. So th- there has to be a better way to do this. The, I could understand if they had some kind of warning system that – Tells the bartender, like behind a screen that people can't see, you know, warning person has uh, ordered three drinks and uh, hasn't played. And then they can just quietly tell the person, uh, you know, it, it could it could be a policy like you get one drink off the bat or two drinks off the bat. And then if you don't play or if you haven't played enough, then it gives some warning to the bartender. The bartenders to tell you, uh, you know, our, our system is saying you you haven't earned it. Uh, something like that where it's not, it's not like a, a light telling you you can or can't. And it's something you can always get a drink or two off the bat. Like I remember, I told this story before on radio. When I was down at the Golden Nugget last year, and I was playing a bar video poker, and since I don't drink, I was going to give my drinks to the person who was with me who did drink. I handed my drink to the person with me, and I got chided by the bartender who said, look, I really don't want to tell you this because I, I feel like a fool telling you this, but uh, this is technically against the rules here. You're not supposed to give a drink to the person you're with. And I said, wait a minute, I, I thought I earned this drink. And she said, you did, but uh, you're not allowed to give it away. I said, look, if I, if I want to go just uh, dump this in the toilet, I should be able to. Once you've earned it, you've earned it. it what I do with it is that, who cares if it's, you know, go down goes down my throat or, or, or the throat of the person who's sitting behind me. If or I've off earned the it, ass it. of a hooker, I mean, it's Vegas, yeah. right? Yeah. What is this? Like, why does that matter? I couldn't understand that one. Like, why does it matter if I give it to someone else? So that that was just unbelievable that they were enforcing that rule. The, the bartender felt stupid. In fact, we and her, we ended up in a conversation where she complained about 
all these different new rules there and how it's uh, affected their tips and the union's unhappy about this and 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 the, the customers are unhappy and everyone's pissed off and I said yeah, look I agree I <laughs> I don't blame you so I, I she wasn't just trying to assert power over me I could tell she totally did not want to tell me this and she she let the person have the drink but said I can't let you know you can't do this next time or when you get in trouble right so uh, so I wasn't even mad at the bartender like I'm never mad at the low level employee that is just forced to adhere to ridiculous rules that are put upon them by above. So, uh, yeah. And that makes their lives miserable. They're not going to get tips when they have to say shit like that to you. Yeah. You know, they don't want to have to say that. Exactly. And that's what she was telling me that, <laughs> that, yeah. that people aren't tipping her now because they, uh, she's like the enforcer now and, and that she has enforcers over her watching her. And if she doesn't follow the rules to the T then she gets in trouble and that she's knows, you know, several bartenders have gotten fired already who are trying to rebel against these rules. And and not uh, and not actually do them, so it, what it's, the fuck? it's a mess. I mean, it's it's so stupid. It's really focusing in the wrong place. I I understand some of the actions casinos have taken to make more money, even if I don't like them. Things like the six to five blackjack and all that other crap. Like I I, I cringe when I see it personally, and and as far as customers like me, it just uh, frustrates me to see, and it kind of frustrates <laughs> frustrates me in general that the casinos are now. Not just pushing away the advantage players, but pushing away the small losers. They don't want them anymore either. But but at least I understand it. If they've determined that's the way that they're going to make the most money, that's the most profitable, I understand it, and I actually think maybe they're right for for their business's sake. But this is just dumb. This is just mm-hmm. something they're, they're saving a tiny bit of money and getting a lot of people mad. So that's uh, – red light, green light has come to Caesars. But only to the bars. So you can still slow play the video poker. In fact, you could probably just sit at a video poker machine and not put any money in. I don't think the – like I'm, not, I'm talking outside the bar. I don't think the waitress ever looks at your machine if you actually have money in there. She just says, do you want any drinks? Like I've had it before. I'm just sitting there like tying my shoe. Oh, you want any drinks, sir? And I have nothing in the machine, of course. I'm just sitting down to tie my shoe. So you could do that, but I, I never would. Like imagine just sitting, 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 waiting for a waitress to come, ordering the drink, waiting another like 15, 20 minutes for her to bring it to you just to get a free drink. I mean you, you'd really have to not value your time to attempt that. And that's why I think they're not even bothering with this at the non-bar machines. I think you're right, man. They should promote an atmosphere where they try to make people feel like kings for the weekend. You know, They shouldn't be nickel and diming them and tra- treating them like children. That's not you know the the money's just not going to flow when that happens. You yeah, know? yeah. And, PLOL and, is- and yeah, occasionally some life knit is going to screw you out of uh, you know a bunch of drinks. But overall, you yeah, know, you, you want to let be- it go. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, you you got to let it go or find some way yeah. that's that's uh, non obtrusive. Kind of like the way they dealt with card counters. Uh, with card counters, they try as much as possible. In, I'm talking about blackjack card counters to cause the least disruption. To get rid of them. So their favorite thing is to tell card counters when they go cash in their chips that they can't play anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes they will kick them off the table, but they'll try to do this very discreetly. Tap them on the shoulder, say, can you come over and speak with me, please? They they don't do it in an offensive, obnoxious way. They just, you know, a guy in a suit comes over, taps you and says, sir, can I talk to you for a second, please? And, of course, as a card counter, you know what that means. Yeah, you know. (laughs) So so, so then they step away from the table and they say, yes, uh, we've determined that uh, we don't want you to play blackjack here anymore. So they don't give you a, a lecture at the table. What are you doing? Card counting? You're out of here, buddy. They, they don't do that because it's going to upset the other players. And, uh, in fact, I mentioned one time at the Aria, they were really smart. <laughs> they got rid of me. Where a pit boss there 
And I didn't give my card or anything because I didn't want them to have my name and figure out what I was doing. It was just after the Aria opened. Uh, this pit boss, it's a woman, she looked like 50 years old or so. She just walked up to me and says, Hi, Todd. <laughs> and I said, Huh, that's. Uh, so I said back to her, Do I know you? She says, Oh, no. Um, um, she's like, She didn't know. She didn't expect me to say that. She's like, I knew you from the Mirage. I haven't played there in a long time. She's like, well, that's funny. I, I recognized you right away. I said, okay, well, yeah, nice to see you again. <laughs> and, but but then I, I uh, you know, played like two more hands and took my chips and left. Mm-hmm. And that was that was her soft way of getting rid of me without causing any kind of scene. And to everybody else, it just looks like she recognized me from the, from the Mirage. But she knew that right. I would know what that means. That they right. that that I didn't give any card. They know who I am. They let me know they know who I am, but didn't actually kicked me out of the game and they, so i kicked myself out which is the best thing for them to do and n- nor did i ever come back to the aria or any other mgm property after that to to card count so mission accomplished for them they they did it <laughs> so uh plol asked uh do you think this will ever come to the casino floor and i said no for, you know, for the reasons i described that it's just uh it's it's too much trouble for people to slow play for drinks on the casino floor uh he's also saying that at the horseshoe uh, I'm not sure which horseshoe. There's a number of them, but he says he's a diamond. Has to pay six dollars for a, a drink at the horseshoe. Vegas people are so spoiled. I don't know which horseshoe this is. Uh, some Indian casinos cannot give out free drinks by by law. So that I'm not sure if it's this horseshoe that's on Indian land or uh, what the situation is, but that may be the case, or maybe a state law. Every state's different with the way they handle that. So that's why that situation is. I. I, I don't think it's about you being a diamond. I'm sure a seven star would be under the same restriction. He said horseshoe Hammond. Yeah, I, I don't know much more about horseshoe Hammond. I mean, I know I know of its existence, but that's uh, it's probably a state law or something. They're they're all different with that. So let's see here. Let's see what else we got. This is the point of the show. I lose the agenda. I've officially lost the agenda. <laughs> Okay, here we go. I found it again. It's, it happens once every oh, time. Oh, hey, Druff. Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. You know how you're being all clever using that old version of Skype and all that? Yeah. It's got a message from Sis in the Skype chat. Yeah. This group chat requires updating to continue using calling and messaging features. <laughs> to update, type slash update into this group chat. That's funny. Well, it's, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna type it. <laughs> it but if for it, some it, reason it stops working, it didn't give know. me the message. I'm gonna test it here. The, the phone number seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. We've had some calls today, so I know they've gotten through. But yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try anyway. Right now, I'm going to try slash update. Yeah, slash nothing. I I just did slash reverse update by getting this old Skype. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that here. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna try to call into oh, the into the. I show. just did it, and something happened. Would you type slash update? Yeah. Why would you something do that? happen? And oh, yeah, it's, a, a, it says it's like a group. Yeah, thing. it says you've updated to a better chat experience. <laughs> ah, congratulations! You watch. You're That's gonna. You're gonna. Yeah, yeah. My call's coming in. That's no problem. Okay. Actually, let me see something. I'm gonna try one more. You know, I, th- I think I know what you might have done there. I think actually we may have a problem. I'm gonna try one more time. I think I calls come in, but I may not be able to take them without hanging upon you. Let me see. I'm, tr- I'm trying to call myself here. But it told me it was for a better experience. Let's see. No, it's fine. I, I answered my own call. It's fine. All right. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Well, well they, they didn't lie. It's well, a better experience. Well, I wouldn't say it's better. I'd say it's not worse. <laughs> yeah. 
I was expecting to get disconnected as soon as I typed. Yeah, I, 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 I'm shocked you typed that. It's, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if your computer was like blew up when you typed that. Yeah. I mean, given, given Skype's history with updates. Just the, update Skype is like the most dreaded, uh, thing to pop up. In fact, this update Windows, this Windows 10 update, that killed me. Uh, and, and what was really annoying was someone had asked me to, uh, guest host their uh they they have a, a small radio show on a fail station that like nobody listens to it's not this person's fault it's just a fail station but they couldn't make it because they they got into a car accident they wanted me to guest host so i said okay fine so i i uh i was gonna do it through skype and that same day when i had shut down my computer it, it decided it's gonna do update uh, windows and it turned out it was a major windows update and it completely clobbered my sound card settings, mm. and, and it was it was a, and I I only discovered this like moments before I was going to go on there, so I had to do like a total fail show where I actually had to call into the show, like on the phone, and do it that way. It was awful. Mm. So then I had to, and it was the same day of radio. So then I of this radio. So then I, this is last week. I had to work on this after that and try to get it so this show doesn't have that problem. But uh, I I hate these updates in general. I hate when everything's fine and just an update pushes. And then it, it ruins everything. Like it's, it's really unconscionable that that it should be destroying your sound card settings when it's updating Windows. It, it should always keep those in some way. That's just pure incompetence to allow something like that to happen. But uh, yeah, thanks to Belly Buster who pointed me on how to get this old Skype. Not that we haven't had a few disconnects, but I'm going to blame that on you because you have the new one. What? Yeah. Okay, so. Uh, I'm going to try to do a prank call to the IRS scammers. Then after that, we're going to talk about uh, David Williams. And we'll play his little uh, statement. He's not, about, doing, he's not doing porn again, is he? Well, he, he, according to him, he didn't do porn ever. He's, uh, we're going to talk about his... Uh, I'm going to play his statement on the Chicago Joey show where he's claiming that he never did porn. It was, it was a mistake. It was a misunderstanding. Someone who just looked like him. But I'll play wow. that. I'll play that. That, shortly. that guy looks a lot like him. <laughs> I'll play that shortly and explain why I know for sure that he's lying. Not just I think he's lying. I know for sure that he's lying. But let, let me. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I'm going to try to call up these scammers now. Here, here we go. There's a. I have three different numbers. One of the three four six, which is the New York area. One of the nine zero three, which believe it or not, I don't not. I don't know that area code. And then eight one eight, which is the Los Angeles area. These are all IRS scammers, which have attempted to call a friend of mine over time. So I, I asked this person to provide me with these phone numbers today, and they did. And I'm going to try them. I have not called them yet, but I'm going to try the one <coughs> most recent. And that is this... Uh, You're going to be Chico Loco again? Um yeah, that's actually. I probably should be. Unless we get India, then we have to. I have to be an Indian, I think. <laughs> Please, I was just bringing home my slushy, and I received this phone call. What is the problem? Yeah. So, so the first one we're going to try here, and let's see. Let's see if we can get anybody here at this time. Now these are numbers that they leave for you to call. So this is not even like. Sometimes the caller ID is totally false, and you try to call it back, you won't get anything. This is a number you're supposed to call back because the IRS is filing lawsuits against you. 
I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been... Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's try the next one. How come everybody else gets these calls when they don't want them, and then I want to be scammed, and I, I can't reach them? <laughs> I actually want to be scammed, and they won't scam me. It's so frustrating. It's like we talked about before, Drew. You go to a gay bar, and no one hits on you, you know? <laughs> Well, they hit on you. You don't want the it, number you dialed is not a working number. Ugh. Please check the number. Well, we're two. We're over two. We got one more shot. I, I thought with three numbers we would get this for sure. Here, <laughs> here's the last one, and, and the sad thing is this one is the oldest one. This is from April. So now I'm really pessimistic. I think we're going to flop this one again. You're probably going to get a girl named Christina in Iowa or something. I mean, one of these numbers was the last one I called was from September 22nd. It's from six days ago. Hey, scammers move quick. Nah. This one just says invalid phone number. All right. Well, I... uh, Yeah, that must be what happens here. I I guess I have to jump on these really fast because they probably get complaints and they probably get these numbers shut down really fast. And uh, that is that. So, okay, that's a a fail segment. I I was optimistic with three different numbers. There's got to be some place you can go. Well, I've looked... Like some honeypot that they have where you can just be like... Oh, I heard I'm looking for advice on IRS settlements, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I need them to call me because, I, I mean, this this friend of mine keeps getting calls from them, and I, I wasn't really relating it to putting it on radio. Oh, wait a minute. Why don't I get these numbers put on radio? I just saw one six days ago, and I get that number and two others from before that, and they all don't work. It's weird. I guess they really do move fast. All right, so let me play the David Williams clip. This is really interesting. David Williams appeared on the TV show Master Chef. I think he finished third. I don't really feel like talking about that. But he was on the Chicago Joey podcast. Chicago Joey really gets all the all the stars of poker on there. He really gets everyone. Chicago Joey is a softball interviewer. And he tries to make it feel like when you're talking with him that you're the, almost like speaking with a friend. It's a relaxed conversation with a friend. It's, it's, it's not like being interviewed on this show, and he also doesn't editorialize outside of that. So this is someone who is seen as very non-threatening, and people like there, you, you just answered your own question <laughs> about how he gets all the guests. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, and, and I know uh, uh, Joey. He's a, he's a nice guy. You yeah, know, right, he really is. But you're right. I mean, he. But I think he does it on purpose. Well, yeah, he, he's yeah, smart enough that he he knows he yeah. wants to get the people on. And, and his podcast is doing very well. This is uh, everyone's yeah. talking about. Oh, this person on the Chicago Joey po- podcast. That person on the Chicago Joey podcast. He's getting everyone. It's getting a lot of exposure. It's the thing to do these days if you're a big name in poker or someone in the news in poker that you go on the Chicago Joey podcast. So and it's interesting. I mean, he almost has a uh, kind of a. Like you said, a non-committal, passive style, but he's got a lot of people to just kind of hang themselves on there too. Like Sorrel uh, Mar- Mizzy was on there, yeah, yeah and just true. said all sorts of ridiculous that's shit. True. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, that's true. That that does. Yeah, he provides them a, a forum to just speak, and if they talk for two hours, eventually they say things that they uh, regret. Yeah, probably regret or wouldn't <laughs> normally want to say. So and, yeah, and he still comes up smelling like a rose. So you yeah, know, good for him. So Chicago Joey uh, had David Williams on, and credit to Chicago Joey for once he asked a tough question. He asked David Williams about the porn he was in. Now, before I play, <laughs> before I play the segment. Uh, I want to tell you the background, if you don't know. 
this was really a, a backbone of our Never Win Poker community. That's kind of funny. Is that this is really a, a thing that put Never Win Poker on the map, among other things. There are a few things that took place, but this is one of them. David Williams, as you probably know, his claim to fame was appearing on ESPN, finishing second to Greg Raymer in the 2004 World Series of Poker main event. And that was when the poker boom was just getting started. And anyone who even makes the final table then was kind of a temporary celebrity. But David Williams made it all the way to second. David Williams was a young guy at the time. In his uh, early 20s. And he uh, apparently had been a fan of a certain porn site prior to this. Because before this, of course, nobody knew who David Williams was. So he was just a, a private citizen. No one knew him. He wasn't famous in any way. So he apparently had a foot fetish. I'm sure he still does have a foot fetish, but uh, enough to where he watched foot fetish porn. And one particular site that he was visiting was one that was run by a woman named Janet, who was considerably older than him. She. This was not one of these girls who looks like she's in her early 20s or late teens. This Janet woman looked about 40. He's a house frau. Yeah. I think it was actually her husband who filmed this porn with her. But uh, uh, anyway, she, this Janet, she did these foot videos. And David Williams was a huge fan of them. Again, this is before he finished second at the main event. And so he posted on Neverwin Poker saying, hey, I love this video or something like no, that. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. Okay. Right. David Williams contacted Janet and said, you okay. know what? I love your videos. I would really love to be on them sometime. You know, can I be in one of the videos with you sometime? Can I suck on your toes and can I eat your ass and can I? Like he really asked her, "Can I do these things?" How do you and, know? Because she said so. <laughs> so uh-huh. uh, can, can uh, uh, you know? Can you can you jerk me off with your feet? I'd, I'd be really turned <laughs> on by this. I'm, uh, like he he wrote. I don't know what de- I can't say. He wrote this detail, but he wrote that he was really really loving her videos and really really wanted to be on her videos. So, and you know. I understand people have fetishes and whatever, but I can't think of anything worse than being jerked off by someone's feet. You know, like all that rough skin and the toenails. Well, and, no, I mean, but, but she, no, she, uh, I, I actually watched this. She actually, uh, there, there was no toenails involved and she, and it's, you know, the, the feet don't have to be, uh, uh rough. This, I, I, this, this can be done without it, uh. You sound experienced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I could be, I could not be. I'm just saying it can be. I'm saying it can be done. Okay, it's only. In fact, I watched it on there. It can be done. Druff. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to go into whether I've done it or not before. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I, I saw. I did see it on the video, and it can be done. It didn't look like it hurt him or anything. That's that's not but the you, issue. Here. You you made a comment about you know them feet can be soft and. Well, I know that I've, I've touched girls' feet before. Obviously, I know they can be soft. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you seem too inter- you seem too interested in me doing this. That's, uh, that's not the point. Of I think well, I just you know I think we just got a fascinating little vignette into your life. No, anyway, go I, ahead. I wasn't I wasn't uh, on any uh, foot videos with Janet. I'll tell you that. I didn't I didn't say you're on the video. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Janet. So David wrote this stuff to Janet, and David, uh, I, I guess, got a response, and Janet said, "Yeah, come on down here." Now he identified himself as Tony. Interestingly enough. David's full name is David Anthony Williams. So he chose his middle name to be Tony. That's a common thing people do when they're using a fake name. They just go to their middle name. So Tony came down and did all these things I talked about 
on video with this Janet. And, f- and first of all, Janet was you know, 20 years older than him. But she did all this. She she did the uh, the jerking him off with her feet. She, you know, she had like smooth feet at 40 years old? Well, I don't know. I didn't feel them, but... Uh, Most it, people it, don't have smooth anything well, at they, 40 years no, old. No, but they don't have to be... Uh, as long as they're not like sandpaper, it should be fine. I, I don't know why you're stuck on this one. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, of all the body parts that are available to you, that seems like the least, you know, soft or pleasurable one possible. You know what I mean? Well, if it, if it can be done, it can be done is the point. Uh, I guess. So like, even, even like an armpit would probably be soft. No, no. The armpit, you tried that? 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 No. That, 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 I, I don't know of anyone who's ever tried that in armpit. <laughs> I've, I've never heard of that one before. All right, that's just that's really weird. But well, uh, I mean, all, all of the you know, and I, I do a decent amount of hiking and stuff. But you know, my my feet have got a decent amount of uh, tough skin and calluses and stuff on them. And well, that's just some nasty shit. I, I, th- I think a girl who do hiking all the time or something or, or someone uh, a dancer, you probably wouldn't want her doing that. But uh, yeah. A- anyway, this that be yeah, it'd be like getting jerked off by a baseball man, <laughs> you know. So so. <laughs> David Williams, he appeared on this video as Tony, and she gave the story that Tony wrote to me. Tony said he really wanted to come and do these things to me, and then he went and proceeded to do them. And actually, watching the video, the thing that grossed me out the most was the ass-eating. Because he, he just dug his face, like, right in there. Oh, and it, it like, was, it was, like it was breakfast, huh? Yeah, and I just, I couldn't watch it. I actually had to hit fast-forward. I was like, <laughs> like I, I was, I, I had to fast-forward. I, I saw the beginning, and then I just, I couldn't continue to watch that. That was the most disturbing. He also was sucking her toes. Uh, she also was, uh, you know, doing the aforementioned jerking off with her, uh, her feet, and yeah, you know, and she did that to him. So, and I, he, I mean, I guess that that you know, the whole jerking off with feet kind of thing is one of those things that, like, I wouldn't find it sexy at all, but it would be impressive from the point of view of wow, that's impressive that someone can <laughs> use well, their she, feet like well, that. Well, she did it and, and, and it was successful. Okay, she, yeah, he, he reached he reached completion there. You, you got to see David Williams' penis. It was that's lovely. like some of the stuff I saw in Thailand. Like I saw some crazy sex show things, and I, I wouldn't really call any of them sexy, but they were impressive. Like I'm like, wow, I didn't know that that could actually happen. That that doesn't yeah. surprise me that that could be done. That that's not that one to me wasn't impressive. I mean, I, she did a good job with it as far as uh, what you're trying to do, but they, I wasn't shocked. Like wow, I can't believe that could be done. All right. So, so anyway, she. Well, you know already. The so. funny thing was, someone posted this shortly after David Williams was on ESPN, and people got to know him. Someone posted this on Rec Gambling Poker, which was a, U, uh, a Usenet news group, which is kind of a predecessor to the forums you see today. Yep. And someone posted, "Hey, I think this is David Williams," and it was. But this person got dismissed by everybody. Saying no, that's not him. Come on, you know he looks different. He sounds different. Uh, that's not him. What, what do you think you're doing here? Get out of here, troll! No one believed him. So that person, uh, some time passed, and uh, I'm not sure if it's the same person or just someone who had seen it posted there. But uh, a guy from Chicago named uh, D Calzone, I think he's from Buffalo Grove, so near Chicago, posted it on Everyone Poker, which then uh, was a fairly new site. It had been up for I think around a year. And he posted uh, this video. Or he posted these, uh, at least uh, portions of the video. I know we didn't have the whole thing. I know I remember Brian Mike, I went and bought the video. And then we saw the whole thing. Oh, but he, he posted the previews of it. And said, I think this is David Williams. 
Well, the people of Neverwin Poker did not dismiss it. They said, hmm, I wonder if it is, and people started really looking into it. And I, this is where I was impressed. The users of Neverwin Poker, some of them just came out of the woodwork, who I didn't even know, like, had never posted before. And some of them were graphics and audio experts. So one of them actually went and took the audio off of the David Williams appearances on TV playing poker and took the audio off of the uh, the porn and compared the two voices and showed – and he actually – he did a presentation here showing the, the, the voice prints of both yep. and showed how it's the same person. Yeah, you can do spectrum analysis yeah. on that stuff. And, yeah. and then, and then uh, another person who was very good with uh, – with graphics, did that as far as showing it was the same face. And, in fact, there was a funny gif someone made of pulling the face off Tony and moving it onto David Williams playing poker, and you see the same face moving right on there. Huh. You watch the, like a face come off of one and onto the other, and you see it's still, it's still the same guy. Yeah, don't they use ratios, like the distance between the eyes and the nose and other features like that to help Yeah, they use a lot uh, of that. Verify. I, it, it was 11 years ago, so I don't remember all the things they did. Yeah. But, the, but boy, did they exhaustively conclude this. I was impressed by the people who came out and the expertise that they had mm-hmm. and how this was, this was just proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was him. Now, David Williams, uh, he, at this point, he was, he was kind of weakly denying it. He'd say things like, I wasn't into porn, or, uh, or if I was into porn, I'd say so. But, but then he, w- he, he, you could tell he was saying it kind of angrily and wasn't putting a lot of effort into the denial. He was kind of wavering between just ignoring it or trying to ignore it and th- or giving like one-liners trying to say he wasn't in it. But you could tell that he was very irritated as he was responding. You could tell he if, – think if, if you were accused of something like that and you weren't in it. You, you wouldn't be angry or irritated or even if you were, you, you, you would just say, look, it's not me. You run all the tests you want. You'll see it's not me. I, you know, I, I don't know what I can do to prove it, but it's not. You'll, uh, you'll see. Was it already closely. known to people that he had contacted Janet and said he loved this stuff? No, no. I mean, no, it, I, no, it was – in the video it was known, but it wasn't uh, – like it was not known at all before any of this that this ever happened. It was just uh, once the video came out, then you saw Janet giving the backstory of why he was there, and then someone contacted her. No, no. What happened? She she gave the backstory on camera on the video of what happened. Then here's an important thing: shortly after the story broke, the video vanished. We got a copy of it because Micon bought a copy of it, (laughs) but the video vanished, which means obviously David Williams paid her money to take it down. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, if it wasn't David Williams, why would he pay her money to take it down? You could say, well, people are mistaking it as him, but this, if, it, if it's mistaken as him, you would think he'd want it up so he could show people it's not really him. Well, I mean, you know, so there are celebrity nudes all the time where they Photoshop someone's head on someone else's body. And, you know, I think the celebrities try to get those taken down, well, that's too. Down, that's different. That really is their face on there. Here, here right. he claims it's a yeah. different guy. <laughs> he's, right. he's not yeah, saying it was a photoshopped uh, video. He's saying it's a real video. It's just with a different guy that happens to look and sound just like him. So uh, now here's my proof. I said I'm going to give you proof that he was on That's it. what I'm waiting for. And, and while, I, while I cannot prove what I'm going to state here, I can swear to you that this really happened. Mycon and I got a call from his then agent. I think this was in 2009. Uh, this w- Actually, I can tell you. Let me scroll down here. I have the date it happened. It was... Uh, do I have it? I, I don't... Um, I, I think it was 2009. I, I had it somewhere. But uh, 
PerezHilton.com, kind of like a wannabe TMZ, mm-hmm. which was popular at the time, they reported about David Williams. And this is years after the fact. This is, I think, 09 again, like four years later. Because the whole story came out in 05. Uh, PerezHilton.com reported that Aubrey O'Day, who was on a show called, uh, what was it, uh, Making the Band, or what was it? It was one of these uh, reality music shows. Let's see, Aubrey O'Day. I'm going to look this up. She was like semi-famous, and not for poker or anything. It says, uh, Aubrey O'Day is an American singer-songwriter, member of the duo Dumb Blonde, a reality television personality and former member of the girl group Danity Kane. She was on some... Yeah, she was on Making the Band. That's what she was on in 2004 through 2008. Uh, So, David Williams somehow got to know her and was dating her. Yeah, I'll give him credit. He was very good at uh, finding hot chicks to date, in some cases... Famous chicks to date. Still is, from what I've seen. For example, in 2005, this is before the porn stuff happened, a few months beforehand. I was at Bellagio, and David Williams was sitting next to me, and I knew who he was from the 2004 main event. He didn't know me. but And I had not uh, played in the World Series at this point. This is before I won my bracelet or any stuff like that. So... He was sitting next to me, and I look who's sitting next to him, like behind him, as his like girlfriend or the dating him or whatever, was the Matador's daughter from that show, Tilt. And he was dating her. Tilt, for those of you that don't know, was an ESPN show, uh, a fictitious show about uh, poker. I tried to watch that, but I couldn't. It was, it was. I thought it was decent at the beginning, and then it became a, a fail show. It became ridiculous yeah. by the end. But anyway, the Matador's daughter was pretty hot. She was in her mid twenties, and she, uh, she and David Williams were dating because uh, he met her on the set. He had a cameo role in the uh, in Tilt, and he met her on the set. I remember hearing her brag when she was sitting next to David Williams there at the table that the jeans she was wearing she stole from the set of Tilt, <laughs> which was then off the air by the time we uh, <coughs> had this. But uh, Anyway, he was – maybe he wasn't off the air by that point. But anyway, he, she said she stole it from the set of Tilt. So then they were kissing and whispering to each other, blah, blah, blah. So the, so I went and posted this as gossip on Everyone Poker at the time. And I didn't think it was a huge deal. In fact, I thought David Williams would be kind of proud that he's uh, – it's known that he's dating the Matador's daughter. Or it turned out he wasn't so proud because David Williams had a fiancé back home in Texas. Mm. So I got a message from someone who was a friend of his asking me, can I take that down? It's going to ruin his life. And I actually did. I posted it at like 3 in the morning, and someone told me like within two hours of me posting it. And I actually removed it. And somehow there weren't a lot of questions about why it was gone. And it just kind of went by. And they told David I removed it. And from that point, for those next few months before the story broke on Everyone Poker about the foot porn, David really liked me because I did this favor for him. Even though, I was, even though I'm the one who reported it, he was very grateful that I took it down. And and saved his. Uh, yeah, he also really liked you. You know, hoping that you you would not let it out. Right. Yeah. So so he, but he was always very nice to me when I saw him around after that. But oh, I'd be really nice to you too. Yeah. So I'd be super nice to you. So so anyway, David, uh, he didn't like me so much after this uh, foot porn thing came out. Even though I didn't have anything to do with it directly, this was posted by a user on the site, and then. Uh, uh, Micon was very much pushing this and promoting this everywhere. I wasn't, but. I didn't even own Neverwin Poker, but anyway, 
the way I know for sure that this is really him, beyond the voice prints and the graphic analysis and all that, was that his when this Aubrey O'Day thing happened. Oh, I didn't tell you what the Aubrey O'Day thing was. Aubrey O'Day was dating him, and while she was over visiting her parents' house, I don't know why over there she did this, but maybe she wanted to show David to her parents. She Googles David Williams, and something comes up about the foot porn and the picture of him with like a foot in his mouth. Oh, Literally. dear God. So she, she's like, what the hell is this? So her parents are sitting with her. She eventually finds the link on Neverwin Poker to watch uh, a clip of the video. And she and her parents sat there watching this clip of, of him you know, eating ass and sucking on toes. She and her parents are sitting here watching this horrified. And she called him up and said, this is disgusting. I'm breaking up with you. And, that, and that, that, that is bizarre, man. Even if she found that, why would she ever show that to her parents? Yeah, so, I don't she get was it. Like, yeah, I don't know. She's like with her parents. And so, it, so it said it on PerezHilton.com. Listen, if I'm with my parents and I Google something and I find my wife doing, you know, I don't know, elephant porn or some really weird shit, I'm not going to be like, hey, you know, come check this out. Yeah, I, I didn't understand <laughs> it either. It was really weird. But she, she watched with her parents in the room. In fact, so it was reported on PerezHilton.com. And the video is linked that you just click on it and it plays from the Neverwin Poker server. So I found this and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So I said, I said to Mike on it. At this point, I was not a <coughs> – at this point, I was a moderator on Neverwin Poker. but And I was a – I think I was a small percentage uh, owner kind of through – but though Poker News was the main owner of the site, I, I owned like 2.5% of it at the time. But I was the uh, – you know, me and Mike on were the two people running the forum. And uh, so I said to Mike, we got to take advantage of this. We, we're going to have all these people clicking through on Perez Hilton. We can't just have them use our server to play videos. We, we have to redirect them to a page explaining this whole thing and try to get some more users this way. Sure. So the Lithuanians from Poker News tried to do some – so I told them to do this, and they wrote up this horrible, like, broken English write-up of the whole thing. So I said, no, 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 no. Here, I, I will rewrite it. So I wrote the following. This is, this is what it said. This is the text written by me. Welcome, PerezHilton.com viewers. This is what happens when they try to click on the video. You are now on NeverWinPoker.com, the world's most popular uncensored poker forum. In 2006, our, our site broke the story that famous poker player David Williams had p- participated in a particularly disgusting pornographic movie. In this movie, Williams was seen engaging in foot fetish and ass-eating shenanigans with a woman about <laughs> twice his age. <laughs> though, though David denied it, that the young man pictured in the porn was actually him, our member base analyzed the previously recorded voice and video clips of him and compared them to what appeared in, appeared in the video. They proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that, yes, David Williams was indeed the young man appearing in that nasty porn. As... As mentioned on PerezHelton.com, David Williams' most recent gal pal, Aubrey O'Day, apparently dumped him after watching the video, and I put in bold, with her parents in the room. Talk about an awkward family moment. The video shown below is a low-quality, safer-work version. It shows David and the older woman talking, but does not contain any of the really juicy stuff. That can be found in our forums by clicking this link. Then you click on the link. We encourage you to sure, register. Sure, that link got a lot of click-throughs, right? <laughs> yeah. We encourage you to register on our forum and participate in all of our crazy, uncensored shenanigans, including the NWP thread about Audrey, Aubrey O'Day breaking up with David Williams. Enjoy. So that, so that was what we put up there. Uh, so... Well, this was on PerezHilton.com. David freaked out and said, crap, this is this is it. Now it's really hitting the mainstream. Before, just people in poker knew about it, but uh, now everyone's going to know. And I, I've got to make some statement about it finally, and I've, I've got to stop denying this. So he talked to his agent about it, and his agent – I think it's uh, Brian Ballsbaugh who called this, but I'm not 100% sure it was him, but I think that's who it was. 
But his agent, whoever it was, called us up. And I, I remember being on the phone for this uh, discussion. Mike on, and I did a three-way call with this guy, and he said, David is ready to admit to this. And he is really? will, and he's willing to admit to this on your show, which we were surprised about. But the conditions we have for this are that you need to submit your questions to him beforehand and have him approve the questions. You cannot surprise him with any other questions, and you cannot take any phone calls. So that's the terms of the interview, take it or leave it. So we said, okay, fine, we'll do it. And we started preparing questions to submit to him. However, surprisingly, this story did not blow up. Nobody cared about it. The poker world already knew about it. Aubrey O'Day wasn't a big enough celebrity herself for people to care. David Williams wasn't a big enough celebrity outside poker for people to care. So people are like, okay, whatever, and it didn't blow up, and no one was talking about it about a week later. So then uh, the agent said, you know what, the whole thing's off. Uh, we're not doing yeah. it anymore. So that that was the end of that. But but the agent told us that he was going to admit it on our show, and we even you know were told to submit questions to them for pre-approval about it. So for sure that was him, even though we proved it before with it with the audio analysis and the video analysis of and now we got him admitting to it through his agent and we were going to have the exclusive interview with him finally admitting he was in this porn so i like that you're setting it up this way because now we get to hear him just lie yeah that's that's why that's why (laughs) i did because he hasn't discussed this in a long time and of course the story now is 10 years old so there's not you know it's it's not that interesting anymore unless you don't know about it and even then, it's still a 10-year-old story. However, because he was on MasterChef, uh, he was on Chicago right. Joey show. And credit to Chicago Joey, he asked him about this, which I was very surprised about. So I'm going to play the Chicago Joey interview. And, not, of course, not the whole thing. It's a long, I'll play you the part of this. Where, oh, great. Let's see, it's reset to it. Let me jump to the right part. When I rebooted, it's reset back to the... Actually, just Lacroix. There's like uh-huh. no French. There's like no French saying to it. So this, this is him talking about some drink he's having. So so he's going to finish talking about this Lacroix drink, and then you're going to hear the banter, which goes on for about five minutes. I'll stop it at various points, but it's all interesting enough to hear. Sometimes when these, there's some kind of long segment about something, I don't want to play the whole thing. This this was interesting enough to hear. You'll hear him just lie through his teeth, and you'll hear some other funny stuff where he seems. Uh, a little bit too insistent sometimes that he's not really into feet. Uh-huh. I thought that too. I tried to be clever when I first saw it. I was like, "Oh, LaCroix. And they're like, no, it's just LaCroix. Yeah, makes you feel all, uh, makes you feel all grown up here. Guys in the chat, give me a couple questions if you guys got them here. I know, kid, all right, I got to ask this question, man. I, I, there's too many fucking people talked about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what is, I don't know anything about this stuff, man. So I, I I'm curious. Like a porn or something? Is there a you porn? Are you a porn star before? No, it's it's it's. I don't mind talking about it because, like I said, I got no shame, bro. I'm an open book. I don't give a fuck. That's what I well, felt like. I'm like, I mean, I'm. Is it gonna ask him? Like, I'll probably ask him, buddy. Yeah, ask him. Really I, I ask I'm everybody everything. Because I get to address it. I mean, it's there's people who believe what they want to believe and will, you know, not believe me if they don't want to believe me. But it is what it is. Uh, 2005, I think, was when kind of this like story broke. Right? Like, I remember it. I was playing in the WPT Championship. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, look at this thing on Never Win Poker, which was like this kind of gossip site back in the day. And they're like, it's you in this movie. And it's like this clip. And I admit, the guy looks like me, but like a lot of light-skinned black guys kind of look similar. Now, isn't that a kind of a racist thing to say? Oh, we all look alike. All us black guys, all us light-skinned black guys look alike. 
That's that's that, I mean that, that that's the story. We just all look alike. But here, let's uh, let's go on here. I'm, I'm not seriously behaving being racist, but it's kind of a funny explanation. And like this issue, I'm like, don't even know what that is. And then it kind of took like built up steam and like kind of like became this thing on like CalvinAir.com and people were like, oh my god, is you in this fucking porn? And like it got like crazy how out of control these this was. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening? But it's like it's the kind of thing where like how do you say how do you defend and say something's how do you prove something is not you you know what I mean like you can prove it is somebody by like checking the ID but I'm like it's just not me you know like, it is you I'm like it's not me like let's just assume it's not me and what would I say it's not me so like how would I how would I how would I do that differently and I'll, I'll put it like this because it kind of it kind of had wheels for a while and it died down and people make jokes about it all the time and it doesn't even bother me because like I say hey it wasn't like it was like donkey porn or like bestiality. Or anything weird, you know what I mean? Like it was somebody fucking having sex, I guess. Doing, you know, I've seen foot. So, so he says someone having sex, I guess. So he starts off by saying, "Oh, it's just someone having." That's not what it was. So he goes from that, but then suddenly he knows it's about feet. So it's like, oh, yeah, it was someone I don't know having sex. Oh, but 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 feet this, feet that. You'll hear this. So listen to this. Things like I don't really have. A, I kind of hate feet. That kind of grosses me out. But like I appreciate if a chick has cute feet. Like I like cute legs. I like nice tits. Like. I like good women. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm not really into feet. Well, I mean, if a girl has cute feet, I appreciate it, but I'm not really into them. <laughs> but so he starts off saying, oh, they're just having sex. And oh, yeah, something about feet. Mm-hmm. So you could tell he's trying so hard to like know about it, but not know too much about it, which is stupid because if you're falsely accused of this, there's nothing wrong with knowing the exact content you're being accused of doing. Sure. There's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I was in some foot fetish porn, but that wasn't me. It's a guy who looked a lot like me, but it wasn't me. Like, you can say that. You, you're not going to sound like it was definitely you because you know it was foot fetish porn because it, it was brought to your attention. And if you were falsely accused of that, then uh, it would make sense you know a lot about what was in the video. So, But it's funny how he's, oh, it's people having sex. I don't know. So, so then he's, he says, I don't like feet. And then he stops and says, well, I do like when a girl has cute feet, but you know, it's, uh, I like legs too. I like tits. So you're going to hear this theme throughout the video, throughout this uh, little five-minute interview portion of the interview. It's, it's a, it's a three-and-a-half-hour interview, but uh, through this little five-minute portion, you're going to hear him uh, going back to that over and over. I'm not into feet, but, oh, yeah, I kind of like them too. But, like, it's not anything freaky to be fucking shamed of. But, like, here's what I say. If there was some, some realness behind it, to be on MasterChef, right, the vetting process Fox does is like you've never seen before. It's fucking ridiculous. They have a private investigator and a psychologist. They interview you, your his, your, you about all your history and your life. They fucking dig and dig and dig and investigate everything. They interview people from my childhood. Like they do all this because they don't want any scandals popping up for like, you know, if like say you win their show, or you're a big thing on their network. You know, they don't want to find out you used to be some child prostitute or you were like, you know, they want to find out some crazy history of you. And the, <laughs> and the, and the funny part is the FBI. Well, yeah, exactly. So, 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 so he says, so he's, his, Argument is Master Chef, the the people at Fox, uh, they would have uncovered this if it were true. And uh, you'll hear him. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you why this is BS in a second. But you'll hear him talk about how they did find it, but how they must have determined it wasn't him because they let him be on. Listen to this. I guy or not the FBI, the uh, the background, the forensics guy or whatever, because the background checks, the private investigator actually brought that up, and he was like, well, "We're going to look into this. So you need to, you know, if it's you, come clean." And I was like, "Bro, it's not. You can." Do whatever you got to do. Do your do your due diligence, and if you come out with something, you let me know. And then they come back, and they're like, "Yep, yeah, checks out. You can be on the show." And I was on the show, so 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 I this is not what happened. I'm sure. 
Right. I, it may be kind of like this, but it's very hard to verify at this point for them because the video is down. The video is down a long time ago. Uh, I don't believe there's any copy that can easily be found online. There's a few stills of the video that people uh, have and you can find on the web, but you, uh, you're not going to be able to find the video online anywhere, I think, at the moment. And he claims that it's a guy who looks like him and people in poker created gossip over it and you know, he's been battling this for years, but it's not true. And they, they probably couldn't prove it. And they, this wasn't a big enough deal. It's not like uh, it's an allegation that he molested children or something. This, this is appearing in a foot porn. To where, okay, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? It came out he was in a foot porn when he was when he was in college. Okay, you know, like it's, it's not going to be a huge scandal. It's not it's not something they would want. They may not have put him on if they could prove it was him, but but they probably believed him. He probably gave a convincing enough story, and they probably looked into it, and they couldn't find enough evidence to the contrary. So they probably let it go. That doesn't mean they conclusively proved it wasn't him. I just think that they uh, they didn't put the effort into proving it or disproving it that uh, we did on Everyone Poker. And, uh, I mean, I, I can tell you it was him. His agent told me it was him. His agent told me he's going to be on the radio show admitting it was him. It didn't happen, but it, we, we had the deal initially in place, and we had that analysis beforehand showing it was him. It was definitely him. So this is a lie, and uh, Fox just didn't investigate this well enough or didn't care enough. So that's that's the reason he thinks that he shouldn't be in it. But here, he'll continue talking about this. I mean, that kind of like was a little vindication even though they don't like make that known, but like if the situation were me, a I would just admit it because I got no shame in my game. Like you know, I, I get down in the bedroom. I, I have a child. I've been in the bedroom, right. had sex before. I enjoy it. You know, like yeah. I've been with women. I like women, but uh, so no, no porn, no foot fetish, none, 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 of, none of that stuff. Listen, everybody, he actually grossed me out <clears throat> up until I would say I've become more of a man. <laughs> what does that mean? Feet grossed me out until I became more of a man. So he's trying. I think he's trying to say, you know, back in the time when I was accused of being in the foot fetish video, they grossed me out. But now that I'm older, now now feet are a okay. It's just a coincidence. I ha- I happen to be into them now. But back then, when I was supposed to be in the porn, I wasn't. I can appreciate a woman with like nice feet because I don't want a chick with busted toes in my bedroom. But uh, <laughs> what no foot fetish? Nope. <laughs> you don't want a chick with busted toes. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, you bring you bring some hot girl home and say, oh oh no no you got busted toes you got you got to leave. I don't want you to busted get, toes in my bedroom, but I yeah I don't you're gonna have, have to get out. I'm, yeah. I'm not into feet. I'm only into feet recently. Only enough that if they have busted toes, they're out of my bed. That's what, that's what he's trying to say. No porn. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I'm a father now, so like I can't do it. But if I was like not a father, I mean, I wouldn't have any problems with it. Whatever. Bro. I mean, you know, I know what I'm doing. Bang bang! I, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, that's always been my backup plan. I'm just gonna ma- make a sex tape with one of the females in poker, and put it out there, man. Sell I mean, it. Fuck! I think about it. Look at Kim K and Paris Hilton, billionaires. Not literally, but you know, raking in the dough. Millionaires, hundred millionaires, all from sex tapes. That's the key, bro. <laughs> it could be. What about the other ones that flamed out? Tila Tequila, Farah, Farah Abraham, the Teen Mom. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I'm glad you asked about it, though, because I get to address it. I don't know who's listening and who actually fucking cares. But, I mean, it's it's kind of – it's funny because I was actually – this chick I met on uh, Bumble. I met this chick on Bumble like six weeks ago or whatever. And we were chatting and it was going good. And then, <clears throat> then like, it was funny because she just goes, what is this? And then all of a sudden one of those pictures popped up that people, you know, from that video or whatever. And I was like, okay. I'm like – Clearly, you you like you know you've already read what you've read because you wouldn't just have this image. You know what's your point? She's like, what's the story behind it? 
And I was like, there's no story behind it, but I'll talk to you about it. You know, and I explained, you know, what I just told you. And then she's like, oh, okay. She's like, so what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So he's trying to say that uh, – he's trying to imply here that uh, he denied it, but that she kind of you know, didn't believe him and wanted to meet, him, meet up with him anyway because she was turned on by it or whatever. Uh I, I don't know if this is true, but it's funny that people from Bumble are finding this. You know, Bumble is like Tinder. Bumble is like a knockoff of Tinder. So I, I guess David Williams has a Bumble profile. You can probably find it if you search enough on there. But uh, uh, it's funny how this is dogging him constantly. He had to explain it to the people on Fox for Master Chef. He has to explain it to this girl from Bumble who Googles him and finds it. But I, I don't know why he doesn't just admit it. I, I can understand with a girl from Bumble, it may freak her out if he's got a foot fetish and doesn't want to. You know, talk about that right away, but in uh, he's really going overboard to deny this. And I, I guess, I guess maybe the reason he's been denying it is because of things like Master Chef. I mean, he he wouldn't know back then that he'd appear on that, but maybe he saw like a a future in entertainment in some way and didn't want this ruining it. But he's this is clearly all lies. You can even tell by the way he's talking. And if you want to say he's giving off a tell here, he definitely is with the way he's uh, discussing this. He's kind of all over the place and trying too hard to justify why that isn't him. But at the same time, like also defending that, you know, if you have a foot fetish, it's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I can appreciate cute feet. I don't want busted toes in my bed, but that's not me. That's not me. But then at the same time, he's like saying it's gross, but it's not so gross. He can't even get consistent with that. It's like, uh huh. I see where you're going with this. You're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get your feet licked or some shit. I don't know what's going on, but maybe that, know. maybe those are the, the Twitter DMs that you're getting. They, they, they think that you're in it. They think you're a sex god. I mean, you it could be. You never know. But hey, also, I, mean, I you, am. I am. Word spread quickly. You know, one woman hears sex god, and they just tell their friends, and it goes around. But God, it's a struggle. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> watching out there deal with the same thing all the time. So they, it's tough, guys. It's definitely tough, man. You might like the Burning Man orgy tent. It sounds like you ever been to the Burning Man. You have to go on there. Um, I want to go. I want to go so badly, and I've wanted to go forever. And I was gonna go this summer, and my custody thing went down like right before Burning Man. I was like, you know, it's probably not a good idea. A, when I have my daughter full time, to go to some festival where I probably would participate in drugs, and you know, this is probably not a good look. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize he had a daughter. I guess I may have heard it at some point. Have you have you heard about this? I, I might have. Vaguely known. I mean, I don't know. I, yes. I, I don't really keep tabs on his life, to be so, honest. See, with you. I, I didn't either. But anyway, uh, apparently David Williams, according to his own video here, he was having a custody dispute with the mom of his child. And uh, just this past summer, he wanted to go to Burning Man. I assume he probably would have gone with Justin Bonimo, who's a good friend of his. Some of you may not know this, but David Williams is part of the Magic the Gathering group. He's part of that whole uh, group of poker players who got into poker through Magic the Gathering. So he's friends with Justin Bonomo and Eric Froelich and Brock Parker and uh, Ben Yu and all those guys. That, that whole magic group. They all hang out together. It's a, the, the, the magic group is kind of kind of remind me of like the, the band geeks in high school. It's kind of uh, – and David Williams, you wouldn't really picture him as part of that because he, he – David Williams kind of uh, doesn't seem like uh, uh, the type you picture playing magic. Though there was actually a scandal with him with magic many years ago, a, a cheating scandal, which uh, you can find on Wikipedia they mentioned that. At least it used to be on there. But, uh, but, yeah, he was part of the magic group. So Justin Bonomo is really into the uh, Burning Man thing. So I assume he was probably going to go with Justin, and then he probably decided not to because of the custody battle that was going on. 
And uh, Oh, and Druff, important information for anyone listening to this that really wants to know. Apparently the full title is College Cock, Volume 8, Tony, <laughs> Tony's First Lesson. That's right. I remember that. I remember that was the name of it. College yeah. Cock, Volume 8. Who was on Volume 7? Were there that many uh, College Cock? I, th- I think what it was is that they were – all the other College Cocks were guys that they would find to appear on this that were just normally in porn. And uh, – I'm only on Volume 3, currently, <laughs> so I, I haven't gotten that far. T- but Tony – Tony was uh, the only one that said he wrote into her. So I believe the story. Like, it could have been made up, but I believe it. I, I believe it. Because he, you could tell. You could tell watching him he was really into it. He wasn't faking this. He was. And apparently, apparently this Aubrey O'Day or whatever, she found out about this because one of her ex-boyfriends kind of cock-blocked uh, David Williams and told her about it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, she wasn't just Googling around. Like, one of her oh, really? I didn't ex-boyfriends know is like, hey, this dude you're with, check this out. Wow. I, w- I wonder if he – I wonder if the – Boyfriend Googled it, or he was like an everyone poker user, and he's like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I don't know. This David Williams, what the hell? Yeah, he might have been. You know, maybe he's jealous or whatever. He's googling around, and then he finds it, and he's like, "Oh man," <laughs> you know? Yeah. That. Uh, you, you know what? This is. Uh, I'll tell you a related story, not to David Williams, but to that sort of thing that happened to me. Not about porn, but. Uh, when Ben's mom was pregnant with him, I had not announced it yet for quite some time. In fact, I didn't announce it until very near the end of the pregnancy. And since me and uh, she and I had not been together all that long, no one would suspect that, that uh, she would be pregnant unless I had told anyone. So I had told very few people. Brandon knew. Mycon knew. This is as far as people in poker. I mean, I told others, but people who had no connection back to, back to Neverwin Poker. Uh, I, I told, actually it was Donk Down at the time, not everyone poker, but whatever. I told very few people connected to the site. And I was shocked to see that on uh, Marty's fail site that was up at the time, an account appeared that revealed that my girlfriend was pregnant. And I could not imagine how that happened. I think this happened, you know, Benjamin was born in October. I think this was posted in July, like late July or something. Actually, it was mid. I was at the World Series, so it must have been early July. But anyway, I remember being at the World Series, and this came out, and someone went and reposted it on Donkdown, saying, "Is this true?" And I, I, I wasn't going to hide this forever, obviously, but I was really pissed that someone had let the news out early, and I was sure it was Mikeon. I went to Mikeon and confronted him and said, "Look, you're the only one." Who, who could, you know, either you or Brandon had to have done this. Nobody else knows who's part of this community. So who did you tell? The funny thing was, Mikeon said, well, I can't say for sure. I don't think I've told anyone. <laughs> and I said, what kind of answer is that? And he says, well, I got really stoned. Once in a while, I get really stoned. I say things, and I forget that I said them. If I did, I'm really sorry. He's like, I got so pissed, and I yelled at him, and uh, you know, I was really angry. I was sure that was what happened, because even he told me that it was possible. That he didn't remember telling anyone, but he thought it was possible. Well, it turned out Mike was innocent, shockingly. <laughs> so it was Brandon. Brandon did not tell anyone. He swore up and down he didn't tell anyone. It turned out they were telling the truth. A, a massive coincidence had occurred, and this became more clear to me as I w- watched some more of these posts occur. Because I went and registered an account on uh, Marty's site just to respond to this guy, to try to draw him out to like, kind of figure out who he is. Now, first of all, it was clear this guy had been reading Neverwin Poker a long time because he was making all these obscure references to things on there that I had posted over the years. 
So he was actually it was someone who was at least a lurker on Neverwin Poker and Dockdown. Uh, he claimed to play uh, as high as forty eighty at Commerce, but I didn't believe him. It, it, these, he made some other posts there that talking about poker that didn't seem to really add up. Seemed like a wannabe. But anyway, I figured out along with my girlfriend who this guy was. And it turned out through a really strange coincidence. Back in 89, there was a guy who uh, I knew through party lines. I was never friends with him. Me and him never liked each other too much. And he was very bitter that a girl he liked from the party line met him, didn't like him. The problem was he was very overweight and didn't tell her this. So when they met, she met him and he was really fat and she wasn't attracted to him. Then she met me shortly after. She liked me and he was very jealous about this. Like from that point, he was like really bitter about it. He was really bitter and hated me for that reason, even though I did nothing wrong. So, so well, you did. I mean, you ate a whole lot fewer bags of Cheetos than he did, apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, he found everyone poker at some point, and at some point realized who I was—that I was the same guy he disliked from party lines, tw- uh, you know, fifteen to twenty years beforehand. But he never said who he was, never bashed me, never trolled me, just kind of lurked. Uh, but so, but the question is, how did he find out about the pregnancy? Well, by a really weird coincidence, he was once the, uh, next door neighbor of my girlfriend and she didn't like him either. And he didn't like her. They, they didn't like each other, but, uh, she was once married and he became friends with her ex-husband. And the ex-husband, you know, she had told her ex-husband that uh, that she was uh, pregnant again. And the ex-husband told him. Hmm. So he went and posted pretty much, I think, was the first messages in this community on Marty's site that were uh, bashing both me and her. And it was the fact that he was bashing her that really made me realize that it wasn't someone from this community. He didn't bash her with very much specifics, but... From reading the messages, it almost seemed like he was more bitter toward her than me, which seemed really weird if it was one of my trolls. And that's when we started to think about this differently. And then we realized that, uh, you know, because we knew we, because we had already discussed that we both happened to know this guy from the past, like before this happened, we just, uh, we realized we both knew this person and didn't like him. We realized that uh, it's, it's, it must be this guy. So then I, I, I posted there that I thought it was him or that I knew it was him. And he came back saying, uh, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not that person, but I know him. Uh-huh. So that, that was uh, for sure. So anyway, I, I also uh, tricked Marty into revealing the IP address of where he was. And, uh, I won't go into that story, but Marty revealed the IP address that matched where this guy lived. And I knew for sure it was him. So... Uh, once, once the guy was sure I knew who he was, then he, he, he ran off and, uh, didn't hear from him again. And then the funny thing was, you think at that point, the cat's out of the bag and everyone knows my girlfriend's pregnant. No, I, it wasn't that I was ashamed of it. I just didn't want anyone. I didn't want people to know that way. I didn't want him to get the satisfaction that he revealed it. So the funny thing was that I was able to create enough distraction and enough noise of the whole thing that everyone dismissed it and said the guy must have just been making up BS. 
especially when I showed, look, you know, this guy's a habitual liar. He clearly lied about playing the 4080 of commerce. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He can't even describe the players in the game. You know, like, you know, he lied about enough things that the one thing he was telling the truth about, nobody believed him. So the, the consensus was after this, it's not true. And then about a month later, <laughs> then I came out and announced it, that it was really true. And then uh, Ben was born about a month and a half after that. So that was a really weird coincidence, though. And I wonder if there's something like that with David Williams, that maybe Aubrey O'Day's ex-boyfriend had been an everyone poker lurker or poster and had seen all this stuff with David Williams. And then when he hears that his ex, Aubrey O'Day, is dating David Williams, he's like, oh, you got to see this. Or he could have just Sounds like it. Or he could have just Googled it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the first story better. I like I like the story that he was a lurker there and then uh, quickly called up his ex and says, you got to see this. So, yeah, so David's saying he wanted to go to Burning Man, but he couldn't do it because of his uh, custody battle. So I learned, I, mean, he had, I learned he had a custody battle. It was a new one to me, too. I mean, you know, I can kind of get what David's doing. You know what I mean? Like... Some part of me is like, well, look, whatever, man. If he did it, just own it. But, you know, if he's got kids and he's got all this other stuff that he doesn't want it to get out, I mean, I guess, you know, just deny, 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 and hope that no one gives a shit. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's already been on Master Chef, but maybe he thinks he'll be on other things at this point. The thing it's not a huge scandal that he was on it, in it, though. It's not like uh, it, it really, like even he said it himself, it's, it's not uh, – something horrible he was in there, even if it's something that turns you off to watch. It's not... You know what? Like, you know, 30 years ago, this could ruin a career. These days, it, it either is going to make a career or just no one's going to... Yeah, care. that's why I think, you know, he was in, the, he <laughs> yeah. was in, he was in this uh, 12... I think I, this was... It came out in 06 or 05 or whatever. I think it was 06, but it had been recorded before he was uh, at the 04 final table because he wouldn't have done this after he was at the 04 final table. He wasn't that dumb. So, this was sometime before the summer of 2004, so it's more than 12 years now. So, you think if he just said, yeah, I did this, I was stupid when I was in college, and that's that. I don't think see this really sinking him in any way. Maybe with appearing on a reality show like that, maybe they don't want the distraction with that, but I don't know. It's, uh, nah. I, you know, honestly, first of all, there is some plausible deniability. You know, he he can just deny it, and well, that's what you know, he, I'm, saying, I'm saying. If he admit, admitted uh, to it, I'm but also, if he yeah, well, even if he admits it, you know, I mean, they could play him as the the bad boy, you know, <laughs> so the bad boy foot fetish guy. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure they would. They sure they would get some mild. You know, he's got a he's got a colored past. You know, he's the <laughs> bad boy. Yeah, I'm sure they would just do that. You know, so Trader Ruski, hello. What's happening, guys? So we're, we're Trader do you have a foot fetish? <laughs> I do not. You like sucking on feet? Uh, no. Getting jerked off by feet? Uh-oh, see the silence then, here. No, you know. But, uh, you know you can, I, I, I have to say something here. You can enjoy getting jerked off by feet, though, without necessarily having a foot fetish. Just like, just like if you get jerked off by a hand, that doesn't mean you have a hand fetish. Well, no, that's that's definitely true. But again, I don't know. I mean, it's just me. I would just look at it like, oh, well, that's actually kind of impressive. But it wouldn't really do anything for me. And it's fine. You know, different people have different fetishes. But it just, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's kind of like it, it would seem like most people don't have very dexterous feet. 
You know, it'd be the last thing I would want near my junk. Someone's toe. I believe. No, you never. You don't know where those have been. (laughs) Not just where they've been, but they. You know, one they're not very dexterous, and one false move, and you know, you're going to the hospital. Well, the person who's doing it have to have some skill. You couldn't just uh, get this from anyone. But but how do you learn that skill? That's what I want. How do you hone that craft? Well, I think you. Does someone sit at home with like a carrot and and practice? Well, if if you want to learn, I'm sure you could. You just practice on guys. Now was he ever at the table? Did he ever? Was he ever in the table in one of the events with the guy that plays with his feet? Oh yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah, it would have been great if that guy could have been at David's table. There were a lot of uh, when he said people are joking about it. It's really true. There were like people would post article like there'd be a news article about him, totally unrelated to this. Something like uh, that, that David Williams is going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the I don't know. He'll be at some tournament or he'll be. Uh, at some charity poker tournament, you know, Dar- David Williams jumps feet first into this charity. Things like that. Like, <laughs> the, like there, there are all these different uh, headlines like that over time in some of these uh, publications that were just uh, referencing this situation. So he's had to deal with it, and he had the Aubrey O'Day thing. He had this girl from Bumble. I'm sure this comes up a lot, and it's I can understand it because people. You know, they, they know who he is. You know, he probably tries to get mileage off of who he is on Bumble. He probably says I'm a professional poker player, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, they want to Google him. They hit images, and then one of the images, well, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to Google David Williams hit images and see if on the front page, if one of them is, is like the toe-sucking picture. Let me no see. No way. Now, Cal, I'll, 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 I'll bet against while it. Do, while he's doing that, did, didn't you feel from the Joey Chicago Joey interview, as he started talking about it, he, he started just to get, you know, I, I don't know. It seemed like he was getting excited about it. <laughs> I don't know excited. He seemed like nervous to me. Now, I, I, I typed David Williams. I'll tell you what. I hit David Williams without anything, and you don't see him. You see some white guys named David Williams. I don't know who they are. I typed David Williams poker and go to images. The first page of stuff on the screen, and you, can, you know how Google is these days. You don't have to switch pages. You can just scroll down. Infinite scrolling. Right. So the initial page that comes up are just various pictures of him playing poker. You scroll down to the second full screen, and on the second full screen, there is one with a foot picture. Oh, that's there. So I understand how she – like she just scrolls once and it's there. Oh, yeah. There it is. (laughs) Looks like it's from 2 plus 2. It is from 2 plus 2, yeah. Yeah. Uh, someone made a, uh, a fake Magic the Gathering card. It's, uh, oh, that's beautiful. It's, toe it's, bite can't yeah, be countered. It, it, it's, it's a toe bite card, basic sorcery. Toe bite can't be countered. Deal five damage to the target creature, immobilizing them for two terms. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> that's, that's a funny video. That's a funny picture. <laughs> oh, man. So it, at the time he appeared in this video, one of the biggest criticisms actually – believe it or not, was the age of the woman on it rather than uh, what he was doing. Now, what he was doing was criticized, too, but a lot of people gave him a hard time that if you're going to do this, why are you doing this with, like, a 40-year-old when you're, when you're like, in your early 20s? Oh, so. the, the, interestingly, like, it's just kind of the the uh, nexus or the juxtaposition of these two. The image right next to that in my Google search, right next to him having some toes stuffed down his throat, is a picture of him with his uh, baby mama and his baby. Oh, yeah, I see that. Like oh, no, literally the next image. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, brutal. Oh, she's kind of cute. Yeah, I see, I see the picture. It's, how old if, she, if she looks that good after just having a baby, she's a good-looking woman. You know what? I think this is uh, 
probably the same girl he was with that he was cheating on with the uh, the tilt girl because I don't know when did he have this baby because this he looks much younger in this picture because he ha- he hasn't had a full head of hair in a long time he's he's had a yeah, head remember head. he had that the Jerry Cur- Jerry Curl do at one point remember that thing yeah this he looks much younger in this picture kind of more like he did in the days when he was uh, on ESPN in two thousand four so I wonder when he well, let's let's see David Williams becomes dad let's look at the date of the article. It is. Let's see if we find a date. Oh no! His girl. It, it see, I see a picture where it's his girlfriend in 2012. It's the same woman. Or sorry, 2010. No, yeah, but it's it actually it's funny. He looks a lot younger. It's weird. It shows February 19th, 2011. That surprises me. I thought this was more than five and a half years old. He looked. Yeah. For some reason, I remember seeing him before 2011, looking a lot older than this. Yeah, there's a picture, there's another one, David Williams is running good, some Wicked Chops article. Yeah. And it's got a picture of her, uh, wow, with her boobs hanging out. Uh, she's a good-looking woman. Well, um, I, I wonder what the reason they broke up was. So this is 2011, it probably wasn't the same girl from 05 that he cheated on, but uh, uh, so this is what he says. We have a name for our baby girl. The reason it took so long is because I'm weird. Every time we like something, I would freak out and change my mind. I felt naming someone is so important because it's with them forever, and I'd hate to stick my girl with a bad name. So after nine months of thinking and discussing it all down, Liliana Acea Williams. I wonder if Acea, A-C-E-A, is referring to something with an ace. Yeah, the poker playing? I don't know. Liliana Acea Williams, born February 19, 2011. So she's actually younger than Benjamin, who was born in 2010. So this is they could they could hook up. Yeah, they, they could. And David Williams was a Troy Center guy, wasn't he? Yes, he was in Troy Center. Yes. Uh, he got into that through uh, Negranu, and I'm trying. It was before. I, I actually I don't know for sure when he and his wife or girlfriend split, but uh, I think it was before that. But yeah, he, he was part of Choice Center. Hey, Druff, did you ever? I think you probably did, but did you ever cover uh, Christy Arnett and how she got taken for she got scammed for some money? No, I, I had heard about it, but then I never covered it. Yeah, so basically she was part of this project, like this mentor project. Um, I don't know if you ever remember hearing about it, but they had a Twitter account up and they were, had all these poker players on board and all that kind of stuff. And the idea was that um, sort of like micro-mentoring in that you could sign up as a mentor and then people could like rent your time for very brief amounts of time and you coach them or whatever and there's this thing. And she invested a bunch of money into it and then she... Uh, and I think some of the money was from her family too. And she ended up getting just completely taken. Like the guy just out and out lied to her and all that kind of stuff. Wow. I, I'm surprised you never covered that. I, I should have. I remember someone sent it to me. I meant to watch a video of her talking about it and then forgot to. And so I, I looked at, um, and this is actually kind of funny. I don't want to say anyone's names, but there are a couple, couple guys I'm buddies with that, uh, one of them was sent the, a prospectus for this thing. <sighs> Um, and said, here, you know, hey, you know, take a look at this. Uh, let me know what you think. I know you've been in business a while. And I read over the prospectus, and it's a typical, you know, where it was a, a nice glossy, well, it was a PDF, so it wasn't glossy. But imagine a glossy brochure where they're trying to get people to sign on, either as mentors or investors or, or whatever. And I'm looking at it, and, you know, my reply to him was basically just like, no. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no fucking way that this is ever going to go anywhere. 
don't get involved. And then I and then I looked at some of the people that they had that were signed on to do this, and one of them was Brad Booth. <laughs> just like, where did they dig him well, up? At least and, Brad you know, Booth doesn't have much to lose. They probably uh, could he even invest money. I thought he's broke. He's he's broke, and he owes people money. So I guess right? they they probably signed on people a combination of people who were broke that just were willing to lend their name and and get involved with it, yeah. and 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 people like Christie who maybe could do both, lend their name and donate money to them. Yeah, and she she wrote some blog about it, and I think you know it was to her a decent amount of money. I think it was like seventeen grand, maybe a little more, something like that. Uh, that just you know was just gone. Well, I'd be and, I'd be pissed if that happened too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and 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 she was like really behind it too. Like she was, you know, talking it up to everybody and tweeting it out and doing viral viral marketing type stuff. And she just got totally hosed. You know, I, I can I can believe this because and I, I know you thought of Chrissy Arnett's name because of Choice Center because she was involved in that right. too. Exactly. But, but yeah, I think anybody who would get into the Choice Center thing can be like a. A trusting enough person to where they could be more easily scammed. Because the, the, basically, the more cynical you are, the less likely you are to be scammed. And the more trusting you are, the more you believe that that, that people are good. The more you're uh, easily able to be convinced of things, then uh, you're more likely to be scammed. So, Choice Center, for you to get all the way through it, you have to have. Uh, uh, you have to have trust in them and what they're doing. You have to have a lot of bl- blind trust in them that the a lot of people who are more cynical would say, this is BS, I'm not going to be part of this. This looks like uh, a cult or a semi-scam or whatever you want to call it. So the fact that she got really, really into it and just fell hook, line, and sinker for the whole, whole Choice Center thing. And, and I, I'm not saying that everybody who got – Involved with Choice Center isn't necessarily smart. Like uh, Negreanu, he's a very smart guy, but he's one of the biggest uh, advocates of it. He just uh, he had an emotional need that they fulfilled at the time, and uh, so I don't know what Christie's reasons were for joining it, but uh, I-, I can believe anybody who really drank the cool the Kool Aid for Choice Center would also be the type who could be scammed. So. Yeah, uh, and I'll 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 find the uh, the actual blog entry, and it's kind of water water under the bridge at this point. But yeah, it, it reminded me of that when you mentioned the the Choice Center thing, and it was just I mean I, I remember looking at this prospectus, and I I wish I still had it somewhere because it was <laughs> it was really pretty entertaining. But it was one of those things that you know you you read this stuff, and you're just like no fucking way, like this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually amazes me when I read about some of these scams that occur in Vegas of people selling gambling systems that are just ridiculous and people paying all kinds of outrageous yep. money for them. And you go, how could anyone have fallen for this? This isn't even, isn't even a good scam. It's not even a, a a semi-believable thing. But somehow they find people to do it. And I guess some of it's in the presentation. Some of it is in uh, people just being overly trusting or wanting to believe what they're told or wanting to believe someone that seems nice on the surface. And then there's other people who are very unlikely to fall for it. So I'm rarely ever the target of anyone trying to scam me. Forget if they're successful. Very few people try because they already have some kind of profile of me and know that I'd be very hard to do that to. And in fact, would be more likely to expose them for trying. So no one, they just stay away from me. 
scammers. Even like that Peter DC guy who was in our community, he used to use my name to drop to other people and claim he was friends with me. That he used me for, but he uh, and (laughs) we were never like friends or anything. But he he would always exaggerate and claim that we were such close buddies. Uh, In reality, he was just donating a bunch of stuff to Donktown.com. But he would uh, he never tried to actually scam me directly, despite the fact that he believed I had money. He didn't even want to go there because he knew it wouldn't work and he knew it might blow a lid on what he's trying to do, which he had been doing before he even found Donkdown. He was already scamming people on 2 plus 2. And fortunately, uh, he never really got anyone from our community for very much. It was really uh, the 2 plus 2 people he hit, and this was stuff he had going before he came to our community. And uh, then it all came out when one of those people came over to us and told us what was going on. Yeah, and I and I think with those things, you know, it's it's a form of therapy, and some people that they, they get a lot out of it, and they want to share it with their friends. You know, they have they have a big charity aspect to it too. As a matter of fact, they had a five uh, k for charity that they did. You're saying Dave, Troy Center did? Yeah, and David Williams won it by a foot. <laughs> oh come I should, on! I, 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 should, no I, should, I, I should have had this ready. <laughs> yeah, you know, scammers actually love charities. That's a big thing. And we even had one here with Jacep when he pulled that. Scammers love anything having to do with charities, even if the charity's not in on it, because that that makes them much more uh, harmless appearing. It makes it appear like. Uh, if this is for charity, if this person's doing it for charity, he's a great guy. Anytime you can associate charity with what you're doing, it makes you look a lot better. All right, so I found it. You mind if I read this really quick, Drew, or just part of it? Yeah. Yeah, you mind? <laughs> uh, I mind, but right, so I, I mind this, do it anyway. Go ahead. This is from Christy Arnett's blog. So, so back to how I lost $20,000. I met someone through poker who had an idea for mobile app that I thought was great. It was for on-demand mentoring. The idea was that at any given time, you could log onto an app and hire a coach for your needs. Let's say that you needed, you just ended a poker session and you had some hands to go over. You could log in, find a poker coach, and have a session through the app. Uh, The guy with the idea was uh, charismatic, flattering to myself, and excited about the idea. I got excited, too. He had given me the impression that there are already big investors who committed a lot of money. My family and I invested $20,000, and I began working for the company. It was by far the biggest financial risk I'd ever taken, but the thought of the possible return was thrilling. Um, But the dream didn't last long as my gut kicked in pretty quickly. I knew something wasn't right. Now, you know, for the record, I had seen her promoting this thing for quite some time, Um, and not just promoting it, like, you know, spreading it to other people that she knew, saying, hey, you know, get involved, invest, you know, kind of trying to get them on board. Um, anyway, for uh, for a while, though, I was in denial and I tried to make it work. It all fell apart after I confronted him for many discrepancies. And he admitted to taking nearly my entire family's investment as a personal paycheck. I would be so pissed. And... And she goes on to say, turns out there were no other investors except for one for $2,000. So so the only people that really invested any money in this thing was Christy and her family. And the guy just took it as a paycheck and said, yep, sorry, 
You're fucked. Yeah, that, that's the the other investors scam, which we've seen a lot actually. On things we talked about on the show, where there's there's some sort of thing that's uh, that someone is attempting to build, but they need a lot of money to build it, and they they don't want anyone to believe that they're the first investor, so they lie about the amount of investment into it. In fact, I think Alex Dreyfus even does this to some degree. So well, but but the interesting thing here to me is like this guy. I don't know if he ever intended to build anything because he took it as a paycheck. Like he didn't use this money. To try and build anything. Oh, He's really? just like, oh, sweet. I'll just pay myself this money. <laughs> That's funny. That's fucking horrible. <laughs> I mean, God. And so, it's, yeah, so I, I actually see this here. Most people would most people would label this as a pretty epic failure. I've been tempted to do as well. Or I've been tempted to as well. But then I thought, if I, could, if I redefined failure before, why can't I do it again? Oh, dear God. It, it's all subjective anyway. Why define anything as failure? As long as you can learn and grow, why can't it be considered success? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, nothing against Christy. I, I don't know her personally. She seems like a really nice person. But people that, yes, you should take every experience in life and try to make it a learning experience. And, and I think that failing is great, right? I think that most very successful people, I think they fail more than your average person because they try, right? But some things are just failures, yes. and you have to you have to be like, I failed, I fucked up. Yep. you have to admit that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's like, oh, well, I was thinking it's an epic failure, but you know what? What is the definition of failure? Maybe I can just redefine failure. Maybe failure can just mean uh, sure something that uh, you learn nothing from, and I learned something, so therefore, it's not a failure; it's a success. But yeah, this, the whole mention of Choice Center and David Williams kind of reminded me of this and just some of the naivete that I saw evidenced in, in you know, kind of what happened and what she got involved in. Yeah. Hey, here, here's a general rule of thumb for everybody listening to this show, and I'm sure most of you know this, but if, in case you don't, if you meet anybody through poker, especially through poker, even anywhere, but especially through poker, who has a great opportunity that is not off the ground yet, but they want you to be involved in. And all they want is an investment from you. Just say no. The answer is no. If the answer is always no, you will uh, just about always have made the right decision. And yep. the, the very few times you didn't, you still made the right decision because it was a fluke. Right. Right. So just about every one of those so-called great ideas, no matter how good it looks on paper or how convincing the person is who's seeking the money, just don't. Just say no. I can't do it. Because uh, they could be scamming you, or it could be one of these things where uh, uh, they're going to try to build it, but they have no clue how to actually make it work and be profitable. These uh, these things where they solicit strangers or relative strangers to invest in something is almost always a failure. Now, something that uh, like I thought about Full Tilt, and the way Full Tilt got going originally was that poker pros were – I'm not sure who the originator of Full Tilt was. I, I know – Howard was one of the very early people in it, but uh, and Chris Ferguson. But um, whoever was at the very, very beginning of Full Tilt were soliciting other poker players they knew for investing into this poker site that would be competing with poker stars and, uh, and party poker, which were big at the time. And that, at least, was understandable, investing in that. In fact, if you did, you made a lot of money. Some of it was later stolen money, but uh, you made a lot of money. So that would have been a good investment. But that I can even understand as something that would be worthy of being looked into. And I thought about, okay, let's say 
I was bigger on the poker scene than I really was at that time. Let's say I was one of the no names in poker in 2003, 2002, whenever this started. And it started meaning when they were seeking investments. And if they came to me and pitched this to me, would I have invested? And I'm not sure. I can't say yes or no. But I can understand how, hey, we're going to build a poker site that's kind of centered around the celebrity, the poker celebrity of us pros to compete with the existing poker sites. There, at least you see a business model that has been successful for other businesses right at the moment in, the, in, in an industry that at the time seemed like it had a lot of growth. So there, that type of thing I, I can understand, but not just like, hey, I've got this revolutionary idea that nobody else is doing. It just needs some money behind it. That, that's almost always a failure. No argument. And even if it seems good, a lot of times things can seem good in the way that they're described, but then just don't convert as far as turning a profit. Whether something seems good, sometimes there's even a product that people should need and should be interested in, but they just aren't. And uh, sometimes even that same type of product uh, does become successful much much later when, when the public's ready for it. In fact, do you remember the Apple Lisa? I do. Yeah, that, that was a very early version of the Mac, but it was rejected big time. The, the public hated it. It was well. It was ac- it was actually intended to be a business computer. Believe it or not, uh, I, I didn't know that, but I knew it was a failure, and I knew it was a uh, a predecessor to the Mac, and it was the first ones with those uh, the the point and click uh, interface for for home computers. And, yeah, uh, it, was, it was back in the day that. Uh, you know, Apple took off. They had the Apple IIe and Apple IIs and all those kind of things that were really popular with hobbyists uh, and home computers as well. But business was kind of ceded to um, IBM and some of these other companies. Uh, and this was the the Apple Lisa was actually their attempt at making a kind of all in one office appliance. Is really what they were trying to do. Hmm. See, I didn't know that much about it. That's interesting. Yeah. Believe it or not. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I, I've always heard of the Apple Lisa of something that the public just wasn't ready for yet. And I believe that was true as well. But, uh, it was expensive. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was expensive. like $10,000 oh, or that something. expensive too? Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that sort of – they just also weren't ready for that type of interface yet. It just was too foreign to people. It wasn't quite there. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay, so I, I have uh, discovered something. <laughs> You guys are going to love this one. The person who allegedly scammed Christy Arnett, I believe, listens or listened to this show. Uh-oh. Now, now I really wish that I uh, read the story at the time. And you like this, too. I talked a while ago about a guy who was, uh, when I was looking for Bitcoin quickly to deposit to Bovada some months ago. I think it was in May. And a guy responded to me saying that uh, he's willing to sell them to me but was trying to inflate the price way beyond what was reasonable mm-hmm. just because I was desperate for them and I was pissed because this wasn't just a complete stranger. This is someone who I knew at least somewhat listened to the show and, and uh, had communicated with me before and told me he respected me, blah, blah, blah. So I, I said, look, I'm, I even was willing to give him somewhat of a premium. I wasn't trying to have him sell it to me at cost, but I, I wasn't going to let him overcharge me to the extent he was. <laughs> I was buying big volume, too. I was telling him he was going to make a lot of money. Yep. Uh, he, uh, so I said, forget it, and I just didn't buy him. It's the same guy. <laughs> no. It's the same guy, yes. So who? 
So his name is Chris Swice, S-W-E-I-S. I even spoke yeah. to him. I spoke to him on the phone once because he hates MyCon and wanted to tell me some stuff about MyCon. But okay. what he said, like he told me a bunch of stuff about MyCon that was going to happen that seemed doubtful and never did. So I, I kind of took it with a grain of salt. Like even on the phone, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, he hates MyCon and, and I don't like MyCon, but I, I I don't really believe this guy, so I'm just going right. to let him talk and that's it. So this is what he said. His, his name is Chris Swice. I, I had no idea. But he's a big, he's a huge Trump supporter too. He's always tweeting about Trump, like obsessively tr- tweeting about Trump. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess if you're a huge Trump supporter, it, it does kind of make sense that. Uh, that you're going to attack this one with, uh, oh, sorry, it was just a business that went wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, anyway, this, this, this is what he wrote. This was sent to me by a, a listener of the show right now. And so the person hasn't read it yet, but this is the guy's response. And th- this is actually written by Chris Weiss. This is not me just uh, making things up on his behalf. Okay. He, he wrote June 14th. Every failure has lessons and every story has facts and truth. By, by the oh, way, aren't, fuck. By, by the way, aren't you guys happy that we're covering this story from June in late September? Isn't that very timely? Uh, so I find myself having to write an autopsy for a project that failed last year. <laughs> an autopsy? An autopsy? Come on. Okay. That's, that's, that's already starting off badly. I, I, I hate that first line. I hate it. An autopsy. The project was a mobile app called Mentor, which was going to use video on demand to create a way to bill out mentoring services by the minute. Like all startups, we had our challenges. Putting together a rock star team, raising a seed round, and delivering an MVP, minimum viable product. (laughs) Just like Christy redefined failure, he redefined MVP. No, MVP is an actual thing. Oh, is it? it I, di- I didn't even know that. Wow. It is. It is. So minimum vi- viable product is a, is an actual term? Yep. It's okay. uh, it, it's used a lot in the startup companies. Uh, oh. Basically, it just means like, you know, get the bare bones thing out and working. I so see. that and, and usually they uh, bring it out and try and do a dog and pony show with it to try and get investors then on board. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. I didn't know that term. Yeah. Wow. See, I'm glad you have you around here. We started with an executive summary and a plan. Define our goals and vision. I wrote it. I and saw I, it. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> I wrote it and shared it with some people to vet it out, including uh, some people that uh, Calwatt knows. Christy Arnett read it and liked it a lot. Being being a Choice Center member, uh, it was easy to trick. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. She is a passionate mentor already. Yeah, probably a Choice Center. And it seemed like a good fit for her. She joined me in building a team. I saw her and in many conversations made her clearly the future CEO and leader of the company. I thought she was perfect for this. <laughs> we had everything documented in detail. Term sheets, term sheets, use of funds, cap table, used Slack to share everything, even to the point where I overshared with her and everyone. Oh, he overshared. He was, uh, he was too Mighty open. Mighty nice of him. He's he, very giving. He was too open. He was too open with her. He was. He wasn't just open. He was too open. That's that's. Uh, you, can't, you can't be. Uh, welcome back, Trader Going on. We started the company in late September. She would plan to join in December or January. I assume this is 2015, 2016, as her time permitted. While I started assembling the team and to get the MVP developed, we had found a great group of people to join us, like Brad Booth, uh, along the way. After literally. After talking to literally over 100 people and looking for the right talent and people to join us. Notice he didn't say 100 wanted to join. He talked to 100 people. The team was small and passionate. We were building out the technical framework to develop the app and platform. 
In parallel, the tech work we had to close. In, in parallel to the tech work, we had to close a seed round to get to proof of concept, which is a daily task we took on. We had lots, and he put lots L O T apostrophe S. I hate when people make that mistake. I I hate it. I hate the I hate the apostrophe S where it's not supposed to be. And you know, let me just tell you something. I mean, I know quite a bit about the business. Um, the the twenty thousand dollars that he scammed from her. Yeah, you're you're not even going to get an MVP out of that. You know, <laughs> if you. I mean, you're really not. That's true. But that doesn't sound like very much. So we had lot apostrophe s of conversations with top tier people, like EKP Ellen Powell, former Reddit CEO and a perfect investor for this project. She liked our talk. We had a line open to talk to her in January after she closed. After she closed her 2015. Okay, but this this gets back. This drives me nuts. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Jeff. But this gets back to exactly what you were saying, which is that kind of bait and switch of other investors. It's a it's a common tactic that a lot of these guys use. As they say, we had talks with, and then they name you know some big, well known person, right? Yeah, but they just talked to well, him. You, and got ignored. Yeah, you talk to him. <laughs> And and sometimes they even make that up, but they they probably said you you know what your idea is dumb. I'm not investing yeah. it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know that's just dumb. We talked. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that. Well, and then they use that as some way to add uh, weight to what they're doing, right? Oh, I had a talk with uh, the CEO of Yahoo. Yeah, okay, great. Probably yeah, no, pass him in the I, elevator. If I was ba- if I was back in the dating world, like I could say, you know, I, I had a talk with Jennifer Lawrence to to go out with me and. Uh, you know, you it know? didn't quite happen, but I had to talk with her because because I sent her a fan letter and said, "Hey, will you date me?" Like it, it'd be the same thing, you know. Yep. Like if the talking means nothing. If the talk is one way, or if it's a a, a quick two way, and they have no interest, that doesn't mean anything. Trader Rusi, you still here? He just oh. came back. Yep. So. No, nope, I'm here. He I'm should be. You, you know what I'm saying, right? You, no, you, of course. You, you agree with me? I mean, this is just yeah, such 100%, bullshit. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, so he says, uh, Ellen and those, Powell, and those are specifically the things you have to look for, right? Like, there's certain like things where they're just trying to talk up the project without giving any substance to yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, and, and so he says, uh, like all startups looking for seed round funding, we had a cap table of people who said yes, I'm investing, and those who said yes, I'm investing, and sent their money in already. People and, that, take- and this this verbiage is exactly what they do, and exactly what Traderuski was saying. They use a lot of the the jingo and the terminology that outsiders may not be familiar with him like wow this guy really knows what he's talking about but it's all bullshit <laughs> anyway so I, I promise i won't i won't interrupt again <laughs> so so it says uh people change their minds it's their prerogative we, we did not close out uh we did not close our 500k seed round in december and uh and had to make decisions on whether to move on and present our mvp at C- at the ces launch event or not <laughs> so they they only fell a little bit short. They they were looking for five hundred thousand seed. They, they got twenty two thousand. That's that's pretty close. They got to decide at that point. Do we go on anyway? We got uh, we got what like four percent of the funding. And it sounds like I mean at least according to her, and I have no reason to doubt her. It sounds like they didn't even use that funding. Yeah. to try and build it. Yeah, it sounds like they, the just guy just paid himself <laughs> that money. We all talked. The decision was made by Christy to pull the plug, and I supported that decision. Without her as a key leader, it was much more than I could handle. Yes, we had expenses. Yes, we had payroll. Okay, who did he pay? There's the payroll. Yeah, who, who got paid? I don't understand. There we go. Well, we know who got paid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we spent money. No, we did not have enough to keep going, and that was when the rubber hit the road. 
I saw Christy did a podcast today, and even though I did not want to get into a public debate, I have heard from too many people asking me my side of the story to not write this post. I sent Christy an email when I heard her podcast, and here's a copy. I respect your public venting of the things you learned from our experience together on the mentor journey. While I will not debate the story you told, as we both know what happened, I wanted you to know everything I did was with best intentions in mind. You were the person I tried to mentor to be a CEO. This guy loves the term mentor. Which is why I tried to share with you so many things to get you up to speed on things all around the tech space. Maybe it seemed like too many calls, yet I wanted to share with you all that I could that would get you up to speed. My bad if it was too much. <laughs> there, there we go uh, with him. The over- money that you took was too much. Uh, all okay. we get, there we go again with the oversharing. Uh, again, best intentions in mind. From the executive summary to the cap table to the use of funds, I always put everything in writing to be clear at all times. Again, best, inten- best intentions in mind. The trip to San Francisco, which uh, – were you on that trip, Cal? What? I thought you always do that. No comment. It was, uh, was designed to meet people. Mm. He, he took a trip to San Francisco to meet people. Hmm. Maybe that could Wait be. a minute! He just he just achieved what your yeah, one step. One uh, what your subscriber was trying to do. Yeah, he got one, someone else to pay for his sex trip. No, wait, one step's going to be jealous. He, uh, yeah. he got twenty thousand dollars to go to San Francisco to meet people. Wow! Mm-hmm. So I think he misspelled it. I think he meant M E A T. And and we tried to meet with E K P. Is that uh, Reddit CEO? Who we had a phone? Who we had a call with? They probably found her cell phone number somewhere. Yeah, Stop they calling tried me. to meet. This, yeah. they, they, they tried to meet the same way that you know Colonel Nigel, Nigel Faberchamp tries to meet with people. Right? He just fucking cold call him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, Owen, we're here in San Francisco. We want to meet. Stop calling yeah. me. Yeah, Leave me alone. Calling me. They probably they might even use a fake accent too. You know. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to invest in this project. Stop bothering me. But I'm in. Ter- I don't care where you are. Leave me alone. How did you get this number? Yeah. <laughs> Who gave you this number? Yeah. Well, I, I paid 99 cents for Intellius. No! Leave me alone! <laughs> we met with some people and it started discussions. Yeah, like getting a restraining order. It was a process. Again, this was all with the best intentions in mind. I guess that's the theme here. I wear hoodies, and yes, the tech space is relaxed about what you wear. It's not something that changes my values, just my look. I guess I could wear a gray T-shirt every day. I guess she must have complained about him wearing hoodies. I don't know. What the fuck does this have to do with it? She must have said something about it at some point. I I, I took your feedback well every step of the way as life is about listening, and even now, I hear your pain from the failure. My best intentions (laughs) were in mind always. This is a funny response. We have a, we had a cap table full of prom- promises from other investors, some of whom you spoke to that did not close. It happens. You forget I did all the recruiting of your team, which you point out was great people. Thanks. We all have our faults and things fail, yet those failures are teachers along our journey. I, I love the, I love statements like that. The, uh, what a dick. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know this guy, but I hate him. I don't like this guy at all. I have always believed in you as a person and have nothing I can say about bad about you to anyone. Life's a journey. And I wish you all the best. Yes, things failed, and yes, we pulled the plug. Yes, we had to talk about killing the company as we were about to present at CES, and we're working on our MVP. You said one thing. I said that her. You said one thing that I heard that it made a lot of sense. You said if the company is going to succeed, it is going to be because of me. As supposedly Christy said this. Yes, that was why you were to be at CEO as we discussed. You were the leader, and I was trying to mentor you to be part of the success that was your first tech company. Yet when things fail, we are all part of the failure too. Yeah, unless you are the one spending the money. Uh, you. Uh, you, you talk about all the amazing people who I put together and forget that it takes a special talent to see the special skills inside of people. This is what I was doing full-time along with my other responsibilities. 
I know you had friction with Roe. I don't know who that is. And I and never I did I not support you. I was always there for you. Startups fail. We had one fail. Yeah, oh for one. That's easy. one fail out of one. Uh, it was never my design for us to fail. I did everything to get to a place where we could had a chance to succeed. Uh, this is okay. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to read this anymore. I've heard enough. I've read enough. So uh, yeah, this guy is is really into uh, the Bitcoin thing. And I, I just remember being put off by the whole Bitcoin negotiation I had with him, which, again, he wasn't forced to sell me Bitcoin at the price I wanted. If he wanted to quote a crappy price and I didn't want it, then that was his prerogative to do and mine to refuse it, which is what happened. But I was annoyed because I, I knew he had listened to this show. I, I didn't know if he was still a listener, but I knew he had used to be a, a frequent listener here. And, and I knew he knew me. And one time he even requested that uh, to speak to me on the phone about MyCon, and we had a long talk and uh, I, I thought that was enough to at least sell it to me for not a gouging rate and and he was actually like like he quoted me what he said was the bit infinix price which was uh or bit finex whatever it's uh which was uh, a false price he, what he quoted me was actually not even the price there at that time and then he wanted like eight percent markup above that and he was basing this upon the fact that if you that's the way they compute this on that local Bitcoin site, where you use the Bitfinex price and then mark it up by a certain percentage. But usually the eight percent ones don't make sales. Usually you have to make it about five percent, six percent, and there you're selling to strangers. But uh, I'll tell you, when I have sold Bitcoin to people I know, if it's someone that I at least know, like the only time I've ever marked it up was was uh, through one of those third party sites where you're literally getting matched with strangers. I've never marked up Bitcoin selling to anyone I know, even if they're not a friend of mine. I've, I've sold Bitcoin to a number of people at at the going rate, and I bought Bitcoin from a number of people at the going rate. Some are friends, some are just kind of acquaintances. That uh, hey, you got Bitcoin? Yeah, okay. Here's the you know the going rate on CoinDesk is this? Okay, and then we send each other the, you know whoever's buying it sends the money according to that rate. We don't mark it up to each other. It's kind of a so I, I was annoyed that not only was he marking it up, which I was willing to pay, but he tried to mark it up huge, and. And, and acted as if that was totally standard. So that that got on my nerves. And uh, so he tried to, you know, I mean, not really scam you. No, but. It, it wasn't a scam. I, I'm not going to say he was trying to scam me. He was just trying to gouge me, sense of right. desperation. And it was someone who I knew had enjoyed the show, and I thought would, you know, give me better than that. If, if he wants to make a profit, fine, but not a not a profit beyond what he would make selling to the general public. And you may ask, why didn't I just go to the local Bitcoin sign and buy it? Uh, the transaction it was on a Sunday, and. There was no way to get that transaction done on uh, on a Sunday in in the amount of time I needed it done, and uh, so it was either someone who could send it to me immediately and would trust me to send the money to them, or or not. So and it, it was never about the trust. He he knew of me well enough to know I wouldn't stiff him, and that was he never brought that up once. Like, hey, I think you may stiff me. Right. So anyway, that's interesting. A little side topic, but uh, interesting. But yeah, you're right. It, it had all the hallmarks of uh, of these. Uh, Scams where they uh, they quote, oh, we tried to meet with this person, or they throw in a lot of the terminology. Well, yeah, and and Trader Ruski, you probably, you know, I don't know exactly what you do, but you probably have at least seen some of these things. I mean, I, I have seen any number of prospectuses that are kind of put together to try and get investors to invest. And when you've seen enough of them, you know which ones are 100% bullshit uh, and which ones, you know, may, maybe they actually are legitimately doing something. Uh, but most of these are just really well put together sales brochures, uh, and they're intending to try and uh, get investors and get people on board. 
Yeah, uh, no, and I think a lot of them, that's all they're good at. Yeah. They can't sell the product they're trying to sell, but they're good right. at selling people to invest in yeah. like, <laughs> something that they haven't brought oh, in any that, money. You know? and, and that's a really good point because I've seen this happen where these guys are really good at selling this dream, and some of them even get money, right? I mean, in real money, not just uh, no – I'm not denigrating the twenty grand that Christie lost, but I mean real money like real money, right? And then they get the real money, and then they don't know what the fuck to do with it. Yeah, I've seen that. Right? Well, look, look at the app of Poker League. That was a good example. They they just threw away a lot of money they got. Yeah. They, they really had a lot of investment in that. They just threw it away. So, I believe it. So the, the, let me uh, throw – going back to that nitrogen topic we had earlier about the uh, the prop bet with Hillary and, and the color she was wearing. I just want to add to that. This is from the guy who originally posted about, not the caller who came in, who called in about the beginning of the show, but the guy who made the post on Poker Fraud Alert named Codizzle. He texted me. He said, I spoke to Nitrogen again about it in the live chat feature they have. Now, that's already the first mistake. You don't ever speak to live chat. But he says, they told me they would talk to me until I was satisfied. <laughs> that's that's kind of weird. What, what, what kind of satisfied? Sexually satisfied? That's kind of weird. I'll talk to you until you're satisfied. They also agreed that there was no way to determine if Hillary would wear red based upon the parking garage footage. Well, I don't believe I don't agree with that. Actually, like if you see her in the parking lot with red on, then it's a it's, uh, pretty high chance that's what she's going to wear. I then asked why the line was bad if the event had not occurred yet and nothing had happened to the effect. After I made the statement, they told me that they were tired and didn't address what I said. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? They're tired? That support is tired in nitrogen. They told me they talk about it with me tomorrow. <laughs> They're tired. That's great. Yeah, I so, don't feel like dealing with this right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. That's that's a great site that you're doing the live chat. And they're tired. No, but uh, now they definitely did wrong with trying to. So first the betters tried to roll them, then they tried to roll other betters back, and then they just decided to cancel the whole thing. That, that's that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust them. Bad guy twenty three posted that they tried to do. Similar crap with a three-point shooting contest at some point. Hmm. He said, uh, "I guess what happened was they let it run. Uh, they let the bet be made after the contest started, but they removed certain people who were ahead, so you can only bet on the ones who are going to be losing." But he said he actually got paid because he bet on it before it started. They ended up with the same resolution where if you bet after a certain time, they just uh, undo the bet. But uh, it looks like they try to pull this, and then if people complain, then they it's, – it's called a negative checkoff scam. Is, uh, they, they scam you, but then if you complain, they uh, they give you back and make it right. And Oh, so they're just banking on people enough don't. people just not bothering to make money. Well, no. What I mean by – in this case, if enough people complain, then they just give it back to everybody. But I'm saying they, they're hoping oh. that enough people don't complain, so then they get away with it. That's what I think is going on here. So they try this a few times. If they get caught, okay, no big deal. They just – Invalidate the bets; it doesn't hurt them. So, and that, that's uh, this is a little bit different. Most negative checkoff scams they only give back to individuals who complain. Where if you get scammed, you say, "Hey, you scammed me," and then they give you back the money very easily. But but they know most people won't complain, or a lot of people won't complain. So okay. Anyway, but moving on here. Uh, let's see what we have on the agenda. That was actually an off-agenda topic, but it was interesting. Uh, there's a another bill. That is attempting to uh, get through from certain politicians uh, a Senate bill that has been introduced. 
backed by Sheldon Adelson, surprise, surprise, to try to prevent the legalization of online poker in the U.S. And all sorts of online gaming, not just poker. Now, Sheldon Adelson had already tried with the Restore America's Wire Act. And the reason it was called that was that the Wire Act of 1961 is what was used for the basis of the UIGEA to make online poker and other forms of online gambling illegal. But in 1961, there was no internet. So how could they have passed the law about internet gaming when the internet had not even been conceived yet? But they kind of extended it because it is technically information traveling uh, over wires. So they, they kind of uh, extended the Wire Act to mean that uh, any kind of internet gambling is the same as betting over the phone. So in 2011, a legal opinion was written by the Department of Justice that, no, they actually don't think that uh, the Wire Act applies here. So as far as prosecuting based upon that, they, they really don't think that should be done. That uh, it should be that existing laws should apply, but that uh, when considering the legality of certain activities that you can't ever cite the Wire Act, they, they don't believe they, uh, that that should apply here. It just was written too early. It has nothing to do with the Internet, which is true, which is true. So Sheldon Adelson came up with a bill called Restore America's Wire Act, R-A-W-A, and that was to make the Wire Act uh, it was, it was basically an extension of the Wire Act to have it apply to the Internet and make all online gaming illegal in the U.S. However, the attempts to get this passed have failed, and uh, that is pretty much dead in the water. So now there's a new bill that has been introduced in the Senate in an attempt to do something similar. A senator named Tom Cotton from Arkansas, who I'm sure is backed by Adelson here, uh, has introduced a bill. It is entitled... <coughs> A bill to ensure the integrity of laws enacted to prevent the use of financial instruments for funding or operating online casinos are not undermined by legal opinions carrying the force of law issued by federal government lawyers. Now, if that sounds like a run-on sentence, it is. But what that translates to is it's a bill that is attempting to overrule what the Department of Justice said as far as their legal opinion of the – Wire Act. It's basically it's a bill that's going to uh, make online gaming illegal, at least funding of it. Funding meaning uh, deposits and withdrawals, which pretty much kills the whole thing. And that overrules any opinion the Department of Justice gave about the Wire Act of 1961 not applying to this. So there's there's not a lot of detail yet. They filed the bill. And uh, they, uh, you know, it got filed, so it could be technically tacked onto other legislation before the end of the year, kind of like the UIGEA was done in October. The UIGEA, when that was passed uh, in October 2006, that wasn't passed as its own bill. That was attached to the Safe Ports Act, and that's why everyone voted for it, because if you're voting against the UIGEA, you were also voting against the Safe Ports Act. And what politician right before an election, a midterm election in 2006, wants to vote against making our ports safe? So that's why everyone voted for it. In fact, a, mm -hmm. a politician from Nevada complained about this. She said, I'm voting for this, but I'm very, very unhappy. I don't agree with this this thing you just threw in here, but uh, I have to vote for the rest of it because the rest of the bill is so important. But I'm really angry about this. So 
That's that's the concern that this could be slipped in, and uh, you know this is actually valid concern. A lot of times these uh, Sheldon Adelson make online poker illegal attempts. I, I I dismiss them a lot more than others do. Others run around panicky about the sky falling, and I said no, they've tried this over and over and over, and it never works. It never works. So, really, the only law that worked was the UIGEA, and that was tacked on to another bill that had nothing to do with internet gambling at the last second. And that's the danger. That's the danger. The Restore America's Wire Act, that was by itself, that was never going to pass, and and no one liked it. In fact, uh, it was rejected by both parties. And uh, the Republicans objected to it based upon uh, states' rights. They said this is not... uh, this is taking rights away from states. We don't like it. We don't like the federal government telling all the states what they can do as far as gambling. That's a, a states' rights issue. F you. We don't like it. So they, he, Adelson couldn't even get support in his own party for this. So it was, it was a disaster. The RAWA went nowhere. So this is a. There's just some concern now that they're just filing this now and looking to attach it to something. So uh, we will see. Keep in mind that even though online poker may be important to you, when I say you, I mean the listener, I mean even uh, maybe the other co-hosts here. I know to me it's very important, but to the average American, it's not important. To the average politician, it's not important. To whoever wins the presidency, it is not important. doesn't matter which one of the two wins, it's not important. Hillary's not going to care about it. Trump's not going to care about it. Obama did not care about it. Bush did not care about it. They just don't care. So... Something like this being slipped in could easily be done. And since it has not done very well, the legalized online gaming, as far as how the revenue it's brought in, I'm not even sure how much the existing companies that are operating these sites are going to care. In California, it has some potential to make money, but they can't seem to get anything going there because of the ongoing controversy about poker stars. So we'll see. I'll let you know if there's any kind of uh, further developments with this. But the the bill got submitted. It was uh, Tom Cotton from Arkansas who submitted it. Uh, it has co-sponsors. Two of them. One of them is Lindsey Graham, who unsuccessfully ran for president at one point in this cycle. And also uh, another uh, Utah person, Mike Lee. So he's the... Uh, um, he's from Utah where they have no gambling of any kind. Do you know what the other state is? There's it's gambling in every single U.S. state except for two. One is Utah. What do you think the other is? District of Columbia. Nope. And that's not a I, think, I think it's Hawaii. No? You're right. It's Hawaii. Hawaii is very anti-gambling. And it's interesting because Hawaii is not a conservative state. Utah is a very conservative state. Hawaii is not. Hawaii votes Democrat every election. Uh, they have mostly Democratic politicians over there, but one thing they are obsessed with in Hawaii is gambling. They hate it, so they uh, they will not, they will absolutely not legalize gambling in Hawaii. Even when tourism was starting to slip there a little bit, and they were uh, struggling in Hawaii, the gambling was never considered as an option. And there's also a uh, Native Hawaiian movement there, and isn't there an island that's uh, it's only allowed for Native Hawaiians to yes, live on? Yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll they'll do kind of what the Native Indian American Indians did. Maybe they'll, <laughs> yeah, they'll, maybe they'll set up their own little uh, Kawanaki. They'll call it a Aloha Commission somewhere, and they can run the servers <laughs> out of there. 
That would be funny. <laughs> you can run out of, off of that island, right? You know, gambling in Hawaii actually would do very well. Think of the, all these resorts oh, yeah. in Honolulu. If, if it could be could, like Monte Carlo. Yeah, think if yeah. people could come there and both take a Hawaiian vacation for all the things that they go to Hawaii for now and, and at night gamble. Like that would just kick ass, but they don't want and, to. And not just, not just Americans, but, you know, all the, the, oh, yeah, the Japanese, rich yeah. Japanese and, and now Chinese that come over there. Yep. Hell, hell yeah. I'm so, hell I'm yeah. surprised they haven't, but they, they're super anti-gambling over there. Yeah, definitely would bring a lot of money to Hawaii. There's no question. Yeah. So that's, that's going on and not much more to say. I, I don't like harping too much on these make online poker illegal attempts, just like I don't harp, like harping too much on the, uh, legalize online poker in certain states attempts because most of these don't ever come to fruition and just a waste of time. And it's not the most exciting topic anyway. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> well, I, I kept it short, <laughs> especially by this show standards. <laughs> well, here's something that could be exciting if uh, if you were playing in it. There's going to be, I think, what might be the biggest buy-in tournament ever. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's going to be a one-drop charity tournament not at the World Series, but in Monte Carlo, where the buy-in is going to exceed... One million dollars. It's going to be a one million euro buy-in. And 35 players have already committed to it, according to a press release by the World Series of Poker. Let me, uh, let me get to this here. So it is a World Series of Poker event? Yes, it's related to the World Series of Poker. I got this. Uh, Seth Polanski actually sent this to me. and everybody... I've got the PDF here if you need it. Yeah, I think I have that too. Seth Polanski sent this out to, the, to anyone who's considered media, including me. And uh, it's he said this is going to be, let's see what date, uh, October 13th. It says, uh, OneDrop, one of the world's leading organizations dedicated to sustainable access to safe water, along with group Monte Carlo to Societe de Bains de Mer and Caesars Interactive Entertainment, which is the subsidiary <laughs> that was created that owns the World Series and uh, WSOP.com. So that's good Caesars. Yeah, that's that's one of the good, very good Caesars. Today announced announces the release of full tournament schedule and structures for the Monte Carlo one-drop extravaganza taking place at the Casino de Monte Carlo, Monaco, from October 13th to 17th. That's not a very that's not a lot of notice. <laughs> they're now nope. announcing this on uh, I got this on the 27th and they're announcing this for the 13th. That's what uh, what's more, 35 players to date are confirmed to play in the headlining event, the big one for one drop invitational, which will begin at noon on Friday, October 14th and will feature the largest buy-in tournament ever held, 1 million euros. And they're taking out uh, 111,111 euros from each entry. Uh, going to the one drop, and unlike what they do with the World Series, no other fees are being deducted for event operations. So 888,889 euros are going directly into the prize pool. Now, why can't they do this for the little one for one drop at the, at the World Series? They, they take uh, 10% out of the remaining prize pool for themselves. I've always asked that. I've always asked why do they – I understand the 111 they take from charity. See, the, the little one for one drop at, uh, at the World Series, they take uh, – 111 off the top of the $1,111 buy-in for the charity, but then take another 100 off the top for Caesars and for the dealers and all that. Why, why can't they just take nothing or just take the portion that's going to go to the dealers as the tip and leave uh, nothing for themselves? But for some reason, they, they uh, take that. But here, they're not going to take anything. 
That is a staggering 31,111,115 euros up for, grabbed, up for grabs with the expectation that these figures will grow when the final field is solidified and re-entries are tallied. Well, that's re-entries? <laughs> you can really re-enter this? That's crazy. So yeah. you, enter, you enter for a million euros and then you re-enter if you bust? Yeah, okay. Well, listen, if, if you can open euros. up your wallet and enter for a million, what's another? You know? That's insane. I, I, it's hard for me to picture no matter how rich I was. Drop, are you going to open up those purse strings and uh, <laughs> put that money down on the one drop? I mean, that's imagine that. I don't care how rich you are. Like, like, can you imagine <laughs> you you put down a million euros and you bust? Okay, rebuy. That's crazy. And where do you get it? I mean, I guess you just you get an arrangement with the yeah, cage. You must have. You to. know. But even that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would guess that with the. Uh, stature, shall we say, of the uh, the fiscal stature of the people that are playing in this thing, they may not even check. They'll be like, "Oh, you want to rebuy? Okay, you know." <laughs> yeah, I guess if they're super rich, they just know they're they're good for it. We'll send you a bill. Who knows? In addition, I don't I don't, I don't know though, Ruff, because I've I've worked with some like celebrity clients and stuff like that, and some some of those people are like the worst when it comes to actually yeah. paying the bills. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In addition, the winner will receive one of the world's most valuable sporting trophies of a ceremonial bracelet handcrafted in platinum by famed jeweler Richard Millet. As an additional resource, as of today, those interested can go to, you'll be interested in this, onedrop.ustake.com. They, they bought uh, uh, they bought Tasty I, Steaks, didn't they? I, I obviously already know about this. Yes. To facilitate the investment process, Ustake is the first online marketplace that allows fans to invest in their favorite skilled games and sports players while sharing in the winning. So I guess they have some kind of partnership here. Uh, and then uh, Guy Le Liberté is the you know the mega fish of full tilt. It's also the owner of Cirque du Soleil. He is the uh, one behind all this as usual. The Monte Carlo One Drop Extravaganza is fast approaching, and with 35 recreational players already confirmed to play. And many re-entries predicted. The big one is in real good shape, says Guy Le Liberté, founder of OneDrop. I want to remind players that there are still seven other tournaments and cash games, including a one mil- a one million euro cash game. Wow, to be played during the week at what promises to be the biggest charitable poker event ever held, with proceeds going to OneDrop. Now, you may wonder what he meant by thirty-five recreational players. H- how does he know that? How does he know you're not going to have uh, big-time? Uh, players that come in there that are, uh, you know, how do we know that Fedora Holtz is not going to slap down a million euros, as I'm sure he'd love to do, and play this thing? Well, this is, uh, let me get to this here. This is how you will know. Here, here's the video about the Monte Carlo one-drop extravaganza. How come it sounds, it starts out sounding like, a, like an old-time, uh, Movie. It's a thing. It's a thing that a lot of these crazy kids are doing these days. Now that records don't exist anymore, I see. They, they simulate the you, you know the kind of graininess and scratchiness I of see. a yeah. So you're seeing Guy Liberté walking up to the big Monte one Carlo. for one drop is back. This time at the iconic casino in Monte Carlo in a new reinvent format for recreational player only. Ah. One drop Monte Carlo Society de Benmar and the World Series of Poker, I've joined force to create a new ultra-exclusive week-long experience. The Monte Carlo One Drop Extravaganza, featuring the Big One for One Drop Invitational, surrounded by a full slate of tournament and cash game every day. So he's talking about the Invitational. I think that's probably how they do it, because you may wonder, how do they separate somebody who 
is a recreational or a pro. So obviously, you know, Daniel Negreanu, Antonio Asfandieri, Daniel Coleman, Fedora Holtz, they, they couldn't get away by saying I'm recreational. But what about some unknown online guy from Russia or something who is a, a very big winning online player, but nobody really knows his name? Could he get away with, with entering this thing? And uh, and the answer is he couldn't because it sounds like it's it's an invitational where they yep. where Guy invites people that he knows are super rich recreational poker players. Correct. And and that's who is in it. That's also why they're not announcing the names here. There's it's not going to mean anything to you right now of uh, these thirty five. They're probably well. Gonna... I mean, there'll be some of the guys that have played in the big one before, like some of the businessmen types. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But I mean, yeah. it's not going to excite people like these big names in poker are playing because there are none on purpose. Well, from what was that? Go ahead. Uh, play All it. over the world will come to this exclusive destination, October 13 to 17, 2016, with big one invitational starting Friday, October 14. The Casino Monte Carlo is delighted to welcome the big one for One Drop Invitational event and to take part in the organization of this new international poker tournament. This outstanding event contributes in positioning our group, Monte Carlo Société des Bains de Mer, and the Principality of Monaco as a... I like the little woo in the background. <laughs> the rest of the music sounds okay, but then woo, it's distracting me. I don't know about you guys. Global and attractive gaming destination. Thank you very much, and I will welcome you all. Once again, the big one will have the largest buy-in poker tournament at 1 million euros. This time, with no cap and unlimited re-entry during the first day of competition. The winner will receive one of the world's most valuable sporting trophies, a ceremonial bracelet handcrafted in platinum by famed jeweler Richard Mill. In a new twist, professional players will join as coach throughout the tournament, creating unique television content. One drop extravaganza, participant will be treated to a VIP experience with the finest in accommodation, entertainment, ambience, and unmatched networking with businessmen, philanthropists, and celebrities. I see. There, there's the there's the point there. They're hoping that these real rich guys get together and uh, network with each other, maybe uh, form new uh, business opportunities together, and, uh, and maybe it's worth uh, the million euro just for that. Yeah, I mean... You're correct that the way that they're handling this is uh, invite only, um, and it's in theory, you know, only recreational players that are being invited. Uh, but really, they can send the invite out to whoever they want. Yeah, right? and, and obviously, they want uh, a decent number of people uh, that are going to be playing in it. And I actually, I, I heard a rumor that there's a uh, someone that you might consider a name in poker. That well, let me ask you this. Drafty. So you you heard this that it's for recreational players only, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's say that you got one of these invites in the mail. Like, how would you take that? Uh, you... Well, if, if if I had to put up my own money, I would throw in the garbage. But uh, but no. If as far as like, would I be insulted that they're considering me a recreational player? Correct. I, I would. I wouldn't be insulted. I would just think that they're confused. I'm clearly not a recreational player. Uh, I'm not a big name player by any means, but I'm not a recreational player. And I think uh, if anyone Googled me, there would be enough evidence to show that I'm not one. Right. But, uh, so you're saying there's someone who, who's kind of similar that got an invite? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there's my, I mean, it's my understanding through the grapevine that there's a guy that got an invite that, um, you know, you would not consider to be a recreational player. Hmm. 
Um, and he's, you know, I'm not going to name names, but he's, he's worked on cruise lines and stuff before. So I think you can probably figure it out. Hmm. I'm, I'm surprised that, uh, I, I'm surprised that they would do that because they're just gonna bizarre. Piss, it's just going to be, yeah. I'm surprised they're going to piss off uh, the other players. Well, I think they're looking for, you know, people that they, you know, they don't want it to be like this kind of grinder game where you got guys in hoodies that, you know, they don't want like fucking Dan Coleman, right? Yeah. They, this might be like the Dan Coleman rule. You think it's the, they don't want to, they don't want a guy like, they don't want to play with a guy like that and they don't want a guy like that to win it. Yeah, you know? they especially don't, so he can go make speeches about how poker is evil and uh, free Palestine and all those other crap. Absolutely <laughs> not. They want to have guys there that are going to have fun. You know, they're going to be fun people to play with. And that may include some people that, you know, maybe straddle between, you know, uh, fun players and, and professional players. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you may, you may see a mix of in it, you know, maybe it's similar to, uh, how Durr gets to play with all these billionaires or millionaires, even though you know, he's supposedly chained in a basement somewhere. Um, but because he's fun to play with, because he's action, because he well, that, talks. Well, that's and, how that's how uh, Toby McGuire got into all these great uh, home games yeah. that he made all this money was that uh, because he was famous that these really rich businessmen wanted to play with him, and uh, even though he was good. So I don't I don't know who is actually going to be there. I I've not seen the list and. If I did, I obviously couldn't say anything about it. But I would not be shocked if there are some people in there that you're like, huh, you know, that's not who I would think of as a, a recreational player. Yeah, you know? interesting. Well, <clears throat> you, you had an insight here, too, because of the, the U-State connection. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So let's... Uh, Someone asked. If oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That someone. Yeah, that, that I should mention that though. On and I'm not promoting this at all. I'm just saying that if you go to that that link to that Ustake thing, Bill Perkins actually listed his million dollar euro package up there. So he, <laughs> he, he's ninety percent funded, and apparently one person bought some kind of piece of him. So apparently wow. you can get you can get a piece of Bill Perkins in that event. Wow. Let's see how much is someone. Someone is asking in chat if the guy who worked on cruise ships that is going to play there is uh, is Marty. No, no, no. I didn't say. I didn't. <laughs> but he did. He did work on cruise ships. That's true. I, I believe it. I, now, I'm not saying that this guy is going to play. I'm saying that he received supposedly received an invite. I will say, if Marty got invited, he would fall into the recreational player uh, heading, even though he likes to think he's not. Uh, I, he, he could definitely uh, prove that. In fact, if there's any question, he could ask uh, ref- for references on the site. He could give them. Well, he would be fun at the table if you know he had a couple bottles of Jack and just downed them. Can you imagine, <laughs> fucking Marty shit faced in the middle of all those billionaires? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the problem is he'd get kicked out for it pretty quickly. Well, but it would be entertaining as fuck until he did. You know, <laughs> I mean, it really would. Oh wow! It looks like you can buy as little as point oh one percent. So. A hundred, a hundred bucks. Wow! You you can buy a piece. I mean, you're not gonna, not gonna win anything, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's 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 happening very soon on like October 14th or something. I think it starts. Yeah, I, I wanted to go, <laughs> not to play in it, just to go. Yeah, that would be. I mean, yeah, you get to go to Monte Carlo too, which is that's why itself. I wanted to go. <laughs> and and not, not only that, once you're in Monte Carlo, you can also travel around other parts of Europe, and and it's a. a Pretty nice time of year to be there, uh, mid-October. 
Right. It's not like going in, in January where it'd be cold. I've been a decent number of places in Europe. I have not been to Monte Carlo. I so. was there a long time ago, but I, I didn't do any gambling. In fact, I, I was pretty young then. I was there in uh, 91. So I was I was not even 21 yet. I was This was 25 years ago. I was in Monte Carlo only for a night as uh, traveling around Europe. But I didn't even set foot in any casinos. I, I, don't, I, I assume I could have. I think it's probably 18 there, the... Uh, the age you have to be, but I, I didn't exactly have a bankroll at the age of nineteen. So, all right, let's let's look what else we got here. Um, the Revel Casino, which has been closed since two thousand fourteen, which was uh, supposed to revolutionize Atlantic City and be uh, really the new place to go over there. And was a complete fail. And it shut down. And everybody who went to it, I've never set foot on the property, but everybody who went to it, maybe you can have insight here as well since you're an East Coast guy, but everybody who went to it said that it was very poorly laid out, and that was the big problem. Is that? Have you ever been there to the Revel? I, I walked through it. I never played in there. But it was a nice-looking building. Yeah, I'll that's what that. everyone said. Yeah. But and the, was, the, the scuttlebutt all over the place at the, the other casinos was that uh, – it was pulling uh, a lot of the uh, the dealers and the talent from the other casinos in the area, hmm. like even from uh, parks and other casinos like like that. Oh, really? So, so even not right in that same, not not just Atlantic City. You're saying, yeah, yeah. So the Revel has been shut down since 2014. Uh, there were various attempts to sell it, to have someone else buy it, and rebrand it, whatever. It uh, it was very, very expensive, this property. Very expensive. It was really supposed to be a game changer, and it just didn't happen. And I, I think we had Brandon on here before and one other person who had been there and who just kept saying that the place was just laid out very, very poorly, and they just didn't think when they built it. It was beautiful. It uh, there had a lot going for it, but they messed up some very basic things, and uh, and that's why it did not succeed. That was their opinion. I've never been in there, so I can't give my opinion on it. But they are supposedly going to reopen this in uh, in 2017, and it's going to be called TEN, T-E-N in all caps. So it's, it's supposed to be depicting the name TEN, uh, the highest standard of achievement, and, and recognizes the benchmark of quality and excellence. So like it's a 10, almost like a girl who's a 10 that uh, couldn't be prettier. Uh, this hotel is a 10. Uh, the 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 owner of of the the Glenn Straub he had offered ten thousand dollars to anyone who could come up with a new name for the Revel, but uh, it's not clear if they came up with this on their own or if someone actually chose the name Ten. This kind of sounds like something that would be picked by a corporate. Not uh, I, I can't picture the name Ten being chosen by someone trying to win a contest. It just doesn't sound like something someone would pick. It just, it seems too out there. Like, I kind of see what they're going for, but I can't see someone submitting that as their idea. This sounds more like a thing where a marketing team gets together and decides to come up with it after a lot of uh, research. Here's a quote. Uh, in many ways, 10 is about a resurgence and commitment to the virtues of Atlantic City. What virtues? Oh, as a vintage East Coast destination while boldly redefining entertainment in today's society. 
That's from uh, Robert Landino, CEO of 10. 10 joined with our Infinity logo. Represents our mission to provide the highest rated amenities and our daily endeavor to offer an infinitely perfect escape for our guests, family, and businesses. I guess there's a logo of the Infinity for, for 10. I haven't seen it yet, but that's what he's saying. The property will be run by Landino, an engineer and developer from Connecticut, and also a guy named Alan Greenstein, who's a former CFO at Revel. So uh, Greenstein said, I'm keenly aware of what systems and strategic business processes are needed to make 10 a success internally and externally. I know what works and what did not and what would have and, – and, uh, and would not have returned if not for 10's for, uh, strong forecasted financial model and all-star executive team – it is my most spectacular resort that I have seen in my career, and I'm determined to make it a success. Uh, so, it uh, apparently the Revel, when it first opened, uh, to say it, put it lightly, did not meet, meet up to the state and local of, officials' expectations of being a game changer for the city. That's putting it lightly. So they're they're basically trying to rebrand it. Uh, by the way, the, the Revel has 13 restaurants. A 32,000 square foot spa, a 55,000 square foot retail space, and the parking garage has 7,000 spaces. So that's a pretty big place. Uh, Straub purchased the Revel for 82 million in April 2015 for from a bankruptcy court, which seems like a pretty good deal because it's a very you know big, big and beautiful property. Uh, but he he apparently is not part of the statement about rebranding the property. Oh, so you, say you own an apartment. When I'm trying to read about this crap, this just pops up out of nowhere. I hate when it does that. You're just reading a, a, an article. It just pops up. So we will see. It's supposedly going to open in early 2017. We'll see if this actually happens, and we'll see if it's uh, still a fail. A lot of times if a property fails, no matter what name you put on it and no matter what you try to do to change it, unless you actually blow the place up and rebuild it, it's never going to succeed, and sometimes even not then. So I'm, I'm very skeptical if this could actually work. And uh, I'm trying to remember – I seem to remember some kind of scam involving some kind of – or scandal involving a, a promotion they had. Let me see here. Let's see if I can find it on Poker Fraud Alert. It was something in Atlantic City. It may not be the Revel, but I seem to remember the Revel. Yeah, it is the Revel. See, I, I did remember. It's from three years ago. Uh, this was actually posted on Poker Fraud Alert in July 2013 by a guy named Fatty Matty. <laughs> So, so basically, uh, I remember this. Uh, what they were what they were giving you was a loss refund all the way up to a hundred thousand. So, if whatever you lost there, they would give you back in twenty weekly free play payments. So, whatever you lost when the when the period was over. In, in, it was in July, the July of uh, 2013. Then whatever you lost that month, they would give you a weekly free pe- free play voucher for 20 different weeks that when you add up all 20 is equivalent to what you lost. So let's say you played and lost $100,000, you'd get a 5K free play voucher for 20 different weeks in a row. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to break even necessarily because you have to convert the free play into real money, 
But on average, you're going to come very close after you play it through. So they were a little bit worried that advantage players might take advantage of this because this is a, this is a huge thing where you're, you're almost free rolling. It's not quite free rolling, but you're really giving yourself a huge edge here. And they capped it at 100,000. So if you lost more than 100,000, they wouldn't match that, but, but they'd match up to 100,000. So they took out a $25 a credit Jacks are better machine, knowing that that's almost an even money machine. It's almost an even paying machine. It's 99.54% return if you play perfectly. So they took that out. But still, uh, more than 40 players went and did this and uh, and had already lost uh, more than 10000 in the first week, but figured, hey, I'll get it back in free play, no problem. And then the Revel decided that they're revoking the entire promotion Retroactively And we we talked about it on this show before And that's what they did They said, sorry, we, we think you're an advantage player And we're banning you We're banning you from the promotion So they uh, They were They're actually banned from the slot club Not, not from the promote. They can't ban them from the property due to uh, New Jersey law But they banned them from the slot club Which they are allowed to do so once you're banned from the slot club, then you can't get the promotions, and so they didn't get their uh, their free play, what they were promised, which is really awful. Because if people are playing, believing they're getting this very large perk of playing, and then you take it away from them after the fact, that's horrendous. Like if they wanted to end it there and say, okay, from this day forward, you can't do it anymore, that's fine. But they retroactively took this from people. It was really, really shady. So... Uh, that that was uh, and as far as I know, this uh, the, the players never got anything back for that. They had no recourse. So really crappy. And I guess there was some controversy over a bad beat jackpot of the way they handled things in August of that same year. So they they did a lot of things wrong. They were wrong over there. That's not the reason it failed. It's only affected a very small number of people. But you just see the general attitude over there, man. That may have contributed as well. They just uh, they didn't design it right. It looks like they didn't uh, get customer service right. So there it went. And in, in 2014, it was gone. So if anybody wants to call in here, I will take some calls. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Let me check the text. You can text that number, 775-372-8355. Um... Let's see here. This is from the 505. Hey, Jeff, what was what sportsbook was Bad Guy speaking of last week? I don't know. He says, Bad Guy is the biggest piece of shit in North America. Rather than use video poker to hustle drinks at the LVH, I would bet a $10 ticket and get two drinks at a time until they set the minimum of a drink ticket to 50 That's interesting. So, yeah, you get uh, – when you bet – Anything that's uh, when you bet at sports books, they will give you two drink tickets. In fact, I have two drink tickets sitting around for Caesars that I haven't used. Uh, but this guy was saying that what he used to do with the LVH is he'd make a ten dollar bet and get two drink tickets, and then they finally wised up to this and they would uh, set the minimum bet to fifty to get the drink tickets. He said it killed my desire to go all the way to LVH, and then he said clearly Daredevil has never been to a foot massage par- parlor in Vegas. He must think Daredevil's on here. What's he talking about Daredevil? Weird. 
You guys still here? Yep. Okay, what about you, Calwatt? Uh-oh, I think we're missing Calwatt. That's why he's been so quiet. That's all right, we got you, Trader Risky. You've somehow stayed awake. Uh, 303 says, Cosmopolitan and Mirage did the red light, green light thing first in July. Hmm. Um... I guess uh, Scott from the East Coast is texting that I met. He said I met F- Jose Fernandez one time, and would love to talk about it. I guess you can call in during that segment if you like. If you're still up, it is pretty late in the East Coast. It's three thirty. Uh, I guess that's it. Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the text number. You can also call that same phone number. Uh, here comes Calwood. Here he comes. Okay, let me uh, add him here. Calwood, hello. Hello. Okay, we lost you, but you're back. And my whole internet went out. Wow! So it's not. It's I not, may sound a little. I may sound a little different because I'm on a different headset and I'm on a uh, one of those uh, jetpack type things. Hmm. Well, I have to say, uh, at least I can say this one's not my fault. It is not your fault. Your whole internet died. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was just silence, and I'm going. Are you guys here? And Trader Risky popped up. He's still awake. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought you guys were giving me the silent treatment. Sorry I, about that. Maybe I did something wrong. Okay, so uh, so JSTAT is saying in the chat, the non-smoking policy of the Revel destroyed it. Do Jens love to smoke? I heard that. Yeah, that could be true. Uh, Loot Father's complaining. Caesars never gave him a drink ticket. He bet hundreds just to get one ticket. <laughs> well, I, got, I, I bet like 500 on a game. I got a ticket. I don't know what their level is at Caesars. I got two tickets. And let's see. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, final t- uh, gambling and poker topic, then we'll move on to the general topics. DraftKings is investigating possible collusion in their Sunday Millionaire Maker contest. So this is uh, kind of disturbing. Uh, given their history, that's just shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's never been any kind of, you know, insider collusion, that kind of stuff going on there. Yeah, so I guess what happened here was that uh, a guy who had won it previously, his brother won it this year. And they looked at this year's lineups and they noticed that he and his brother both played and had lineups that were set to where they did not have a single player in common. And it really seemed like that they were colluding. So they're investigating this. This is reported on at the Wall Street Journal. The weirdest thing is that, like, sometimes you click on this Wall Street Journal article and it will come up for you, and other times it will make you log in or subscribe. I don't understand it, but, like, I just came up with log in and subscribe. I I went and Googled it, clicked through on Google, and it's letting me read it. So anyway, it's the exact same URL. But they had what they call the Fantasy Football Millionaire Contest. And a player who was named uh, Papa Gates is the brother of another player who won uh, a previous millionaire contest last year. And uh, the lineups everybody submits are publicly available, and it seemed very obvious that these two brothers shared information to avoid any kind of overlap in players, which is smart. If you're, if you're both playing on the same bankroll, then the smartest thing you can do is have completely different players. So, it, so anyway, this by him 
by them sharing information like that, that technically circumvents the rule that you can only have a, a, <coughs> a maximum number of entries. Because if you think about it, if you enter more entries with somebody else's name, that's giving yourself more entries. So, that appears to be what they did. I don't know if both brothers were actually playing or if one brother was just using both accounts. But that is what occurred, and they're still looking into it. The Papa Gates username is affiliated with the name Martin Crowley, and he's only 23 years old. He's from Chicago. Uh, He said he's very confident he'll be cleared. Yeah, good luck. He said he provided DraftKings with records showing that he conducted his own research and didn't collude with his brother. (laughs) So what, did did he provide a video camera in his home showing that he and his brother had no contact for the last week? Like, how do you you prove that you did your own research? That that means nothing. Uh, His brother, Tom, Tom Crowley, is Chipotle addict on that site, which uh, that's bad enough being a Chipotle addict. I'm surprised he's even still alive. But he he, uh, he won the millionaire contest in October of last year, and uh, so I guess the 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 two of them don't live in the same place. Uh, Martin Crowley lives in Chicago, and Tom Crowley lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. But that doesn't mean they can't talk. So Martin Crowley said that he and his brother often discuss general strategy. But barely talked at all last week and never divulged specific lineups. <laughs> Come on. That's convenient that they barely talked last week. Very convenient. So, DraftKings officials said the site's internal systems flagged the possible issues in the contest before the issue blew up online. They said the company's response shows the site's commitment to fair play and the value of making lineup information publicly available. I have a question then. How come it did not flag it, if it's a computer doing this, how come it didn't flag it before awarding them the prize? How come it didn't just flag it and say you're disqualified or we're, we're investigating? Why Why award them the prize and then flag it? And they say before the issue blew up online. So does, does that mean no one online discussed it? I, I have a feeling that there were complaints and they're just trying to claim it was flagged. Because you think, why, why does it need to wait till after the contest to flag it? They have all the data as soon as the contest starts. The computer should flag it just as easily then as it should three days later. So this is BS. I don't believe it. I, I believe they cheated, but I don't believe they DraftKings caught it. I think it was brought to their attention. I think someone knew that the two of them were brothers and go, what the hell? How did two brothers win this a year apart? Then they looked it up, saw that no overlap in the lineups, and put two and two together. And then DraftKings is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we were on it. We caught it. That was, that was our doing. We figured it out, not you. See, we, we, we're committing to security. We're very secure, very fair. By the way, if, if with these with a massive number of people entering these contests, if, if one brother wins it last year and one wins it this year, that should really tell you about how much chance the average player has to win on these sites. So unless you are using all these automated tools and unless you uh, are really a, a fantasy, uh, a daily fantasy sports expert, and you'll know if you are, not if you think you are, if you know you are, then don't play on these sites, uh, at least not in these tournaments. You're never going to win. You're just throwing money away. So this is what uh, company spokesman 
Jason Alderman said, he said, we really value our community members and their ability to self-police. We're going to stay one or two steps ahead of anyone with ill intent. Well, no, you're not. If it's the community self-policing, it sounds like that they caught it for you. And uh, so that's, they said we're in the process of an ongoing investigation. So they have not actually disqualified them yet, but they very well might be. I think they will. I think they, and they don't like this. They they don't want to have to disqualify them. They're probably looking for for ways to not disqualify them, and that's another reason that I doubt they're they're catching them on purpose because this is bad press for them. You you don't want to think that there's brothers out there who are colluding and, and and each winning a year apart. You want to believe it's all fair. You want to believe everyone's playing fairly with you. So I'm sure DraftKings didn't catch this. And when they said the term, uh, we, we caught this before it blew up online, that's not even saying they caught it before people online mentioned it. So I don't like this whole thing. I don't trust DraftKings. I haven't in a very long time. So let's see here. It seems like Druff and maybe I'm wrong. I, I never really cared about DFS to begin with, but it seems like some of the hype has died down around that. It has. Or is it still, or is it still going strong? Yeah, it's still going strong, but they're not advertising as much. They, they're still advertising, but not as much as they were before. And the scandal has kind of died down. They're, they're kind of laying low a bit and waiting to get more states legalizing them. And But they're, they're still going. Are they still making good money, or do we oh, have any yeah. idea? I think so. I don't know for sure, but I think so. And there's some people who swear by it, some former poker players who are really into it now, that if, yeah. if you dare mention that uh, these sites uh, are shady, they get furious. They say, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, get educated, stop being ignorant, stick to poker. I get those things said to me. If I dare well, say I'd it. imagine that's where their livelihood comes from. Yeah. So Yeah, they get so mad at me if I say that. If I even make a joke about it, like even forget like a, a serious essay bashing daily fantasy sports. Like if I just make a little joke about it, they get mad. So here's something that is definitely not a joke, and it'd be better if it was, but uh, superstar pitcher Jose Fernandez is dead. And you probably know about this by the time you've heard this show. He died on Sunday, early morning Sunday in Florida. On his boat. His boat, uh, which uh, was traveling very fast at about 3.30 in the morning, so it was completely dark out there, slammed into a jetty that was uh, a rocky jetty and flipped over. At this time, it's not clear exactly what killed them, if it was drowning or if they were just killed on impact from uh, slamming into rocks and the boat turning over. But all three people aboard are dead. It was uh, Jose Fernandez and a friend of his and a friend of his friend. So the third guy, Jose barely knew. Um, what's interesting about this, and a lot of people aren't talking about it, is that, and this is of course just circumstance, but he was scratched from his start on Sunday before this happened. He was supposed to start for the Marlins on Sunday at a day game of like one twenty-five p.m. He would not have been on this boat at 3.30 a.m. if he was pitching on Sunday at 1.25 p.m. If he's not pitching, then he, you know, he doesn't matter that much if he shows up to the ballpark tired because he doesn't have to do anything other than sit there. But if he's pitching, he's definitely not showing up tired and going out on a boat at 3.30 in the morning. So if they hadn't moved to start, which I believe they only moved because they were facing the Mets and that was a more meaningful game 
because the Mets were a uh, a team vying for the wild card. And I, I don't know if it's because the Marlins were still technically not mathematically eliminated or just because it was a more meaningful game because the Mets are very much trying to stay in the wild card race. But whatever it was, they wanted Fernandez to face the Mets. So they moved him to Monday. That gave him the freedom to go out to do this on Sunday. And if they hadn't moved him, he wouldn't have died. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying it's one of these weird circumstantial things where something so seemingly inconsequential of moving a pitcher's start from Sunday to Monday uh, meant the end of his life, even if it was his own fault that it happened. Uh, Jose Fernandez was uh, from Cuba. He made several attempts to defect to the U.S., including some under dangerous circumstances. In fact, one of the times his mom was said to have fallen into the water during one of the defection attempts, and he had to jump in the water and and rescue her. Uh, He worked very, very hard to get where he did in Major League Baseball, was one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and lived up to it and pitched very well. And then it was actually a game against the Dodgers. He hurt himself and, and needed surgery and was out for a very long time, like a full year he was out. And some wondered if Fernandez, Fernandez would come back and be effective. Or if this injury was the end of his career. And sometimes it happens. A, a pitcher suffers a major injury, has surgery, and comes back and they're just not the same, even if they're still young. And it was thought maybe that was the end of Fernandez's career. But it actually was not. He actually came back and uh, he had a very good year. So this year, in uh, 2016, he had pitched 182 innings. He had a 2.86 ERA. He had a 1.119 whip. He had 253 strikeouts, which is a career high by far. His career record, 38-17. and 2.58 ERA, both of which are excellent, and 1.054 whip. So very excellent numbers already in his young career which, of course, is not going to uh, go any further. So he, he could have been a Hall of Fame pitcher. He was only 24 years old. And uh, the Marlins canceled their game on that Sunday. Now, you may wonder, why, why was he out there at uh, 3.30 in the morning on a boat in the dark? It's always dangerous to boat in the dark. I personally would never want to take a boat out in the dark. But, uh, but he did. And uh, his one of his friends had warned, not him, but had warned uh, one of the other guys going out with him that this was dangerous, that they should stay close to the shore. The friend was very worried. In fact, the friend was invited and didn't go, but was telling, you know, this is the friend of the friend was telling, hey, hey look, you know, one of the guys who died, he was telling, look, don't go. And in fact, the guy, in an eerie text message that was shared, one of the guys who died before he went said, don't worry, it's not my time yet. Mm. Apparently it was. So... They actually stopped. They, so they went out on the boat at midnight. They went around for a while, and then they actually stopped at a restaurant and bar where you can pull up your boat there and dock your boat. So it's actually a restaurant you can travel to by boat. It's on the shore. They went there. It's not clear if they drank there. They left there at about 2-something in the morning, and then at 3.30 is when they had this accident. There is one picture of the accident that probably a lot of you have seen of the boat completely turned over, like just sitting on the rocks. You don't see any bodies or anything, but it looks pretty bad. And it's not a very large boat. So I mean, to have a, a relatively small boat out 
on the ocean when it's very dark outside. And what time do bars close, Ruff? I'm not sure where they when they close uh, there. Yeah, I mean, my guess is probably two when they left. Yeah, you know, and and I heard something about how he was upset about something involving his girlfriend or broke up with his girlfriend. So something upset him. And mm-hmm. I know other Marlins players were saying that he wanted to go out and invited them, and they said no. They said, and they tried to talk him out of it. I know Marcelo Zuna tried to, you know, he was invited and told, uh, told Jose, don't go out. It's dangerous. You know, I don't think this is a good idea. Just go back home and go to sleep. You'll be fine. Like, he was upset about something and wanted to go onto the boat for, like, stress relief. <coughs> and uh, he went with one of his friends. That friend had them go pick up another friend of, of that guy's and the, those three are all dead now. So there is another boating accident involving major league players. I believe it was 24 years ago. And in fact, one of them was a player on the Dodgers. Uh, this was, uh, it's occurred in March of, of 1993. And uh, it involved Tim Cruz, who was on the Dodgers, Bob Ojeda, who was also on the Dodgers, and... Uh, uh, and Steve Olin. Uh, sorry, actually, I, I guess uh, Cruz was technically on the Indians at that point. He just signed with them two months ago, but he hadn't played a game yet with them because this is the off season. So Steve Olin and, and uh, Tim Cruz were on the Indians. Bob Ojeda was uh, on the Dodgers. And Cruz was on, played his entire career on the Dodgers because he never got to play a game for uh, the Indians because he was killed. But uh, this boating accident, it was on. It was also in Florida. It was it was on a lake. And uh, it, it also was dark. It was an hour after sunset. And Tim Cruz accidentally drove the boat at high speed into a dock that was not lit up. Mm. And Cruz was later found to have had a blood, blood alcohol level of 0.14, which is way above the legal limit everywhere. And uh, so Steve Olin died, Tim Cruz died, and Bob Hojita was severely injured. And uh, he he did come back and pitch, though. He pitched for the Indians. I guess he was on the Indians at that point, too. Though he had just been on the Dodgers as well the previous year. So he he came back and pitched for the Indians and the Yankees. And he's still alive today. But he was really injured badly on that uh, boating accident. So just driving boats dark in the dark or drunk or both is a very bad idea, even on a lake. And at the time that accident happened with uh, Tim Cruz, that was actually the first death of an active Major League player since uh, Thurman Munson in 1979. So it had been 14 years. Now I'm trying to remember who was the last... There were some... I I know there were some... uh, Not big-name players, but I I know there was at least one or two players that have died recently, at least semi-recently, that are active Major Leaguers. And then, of course, there was uh, the weird one, Corey Lytle, I think it was in 2006, where he flew his plane accidentally into a building in New York. Not like as a terrorist thing, just he just accidentally flew the small plane into a building and died. Another small plane. Yeah. Yeah, don't you, don't you have an aversion to get, getting in one of those? Uh, did I? Well, no, I, 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 I don't. Do I have before? Uh, I, I prefer not to. I think it's you know there's much more of a chance you would die in one of those than. Uh, That's how Thurman America. Munson died too, right? He's uh, flying his Cessna and he just crash landed it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, 
Yeah, he had a broken neck as a result of that crash, and then uh, he died actually of asphyxiation, which has got to be pretty brutal. Mm. So, so yeah, so everyone is. Uh, baseball was really uh, saddened by what happened to Jose Fernandez. I think what really got to people was because of his youth and and because of what a promising career he had. And I think that really affected people to think about that. Uh, here's a pitcher you just kind of pictured was going to be around for another 15, 17 years, whatever it's going to be, and maybe end up in the Hall of Fame, be one of the all-time greats, and then just he's gone. 24 years old, he's just gone. Uh, it's, not det- it's not determined yet whether alcohol or drugs were involved. None were found uh, on the scene. Oddly enough, four baseballs that he signed were washed, washed up on the shore later in a bag. Must mm. have been in the in the boat for some reason, but uh, no alcohol or drugs were found. But that doesn't mean that they didn't get drunk at this uh, place they stopped at around two in the morning. Yeah, I mean, hearing the surrounding circumstances, I mean, the guess is you know he's upset, something with his girlfriend. He goes out, he has some drinks. They get in the boat to blow off some steam, and you know, tragedy happens. Yeah, and. It, it is confirmed that they were driving very fast. So the boat was moving at a high rate of speed when this occurred. So that, that's, that was already a mistake there, even if you were sober. So, but right. Definitely there were was, was some mistakes made. But uh, let, let's be honest. You're more likely to get on a boat in the middle of the night and drive it at high speeds <laughs> when you're drinking, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Uh, and, but things, but everybody involved, uh, I don't know about the third guy, but at least two of the three on board were, were warned to be careful. The, the, one yeah. of the guys, you know, the, the friend of Jose Fernandez, there's, I saw the text message exchange where the friend keeps telling him to warn him and, in fact, asked him to put on his Find My Friends app so he could track him and did. Right. And then he got a little worried when it just stopped at around 2 in the morning, but then he noticed that it was, uh, it was in front of this restaurant, so he figured that's where they had to be. Then he actually went to sleep, and that's when, when the accident occurred. He was actually sleeping, figuring this, you know, he couldn't stay up any longer and the friends were okay. Mm. So... Uh, I, I just read that this uh, this Tim Cruz crash in '93 that that Steve Olin pitcher was actually decapitated. Oh man! Yeah, that's that's especially tough. So I guess if you're killed instantly, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's, it sounds worse. But if you're killed instantly, no matter what way it happens, you're, you don't. Yeah, know. That, that's the kind of thing that's worse for the people that have to to see it than yeah. it is for them. Right? Yeah. So. Uh, so that's – now, the next day – it's funny. I was considering betting on the Marlins the next day against the Mets just because I thought they would uh, be – it was only a minus 110, which means you just have to bet uh, $11 to win 10, so it's almost even money. They were against the Mets. They were at home. Now, the Mets, they had a lot more to play for because the Mets, uh, they were the ones seriously vying for the postseason, and the Marlins are pretty much done. But I thought they'd be so emotional about this. They kind of like want to win one for – Jose, in fact, they all wore Fernandez number 16 jerseys, every single player. Uh, D. Gordon, who was former Dodgers player and now in the Marlins, and he was suspended for 80 games this year for steroids. And the opposite of a power hitter, he's a skinny, speedy player who is uh, not the type you'd picture hits home runs and doesn't. Hits a few, but... Not very many at all, and in fact, I think he hadn't hit one yet this year. Uh, first at bat of the game, first he 
batted right-handed. He's a left-handed batter. He batted right-handed just as a tribute to Jose Fernandez, who he was good friends with, apparently. But so he did that, took one pitch right-handed, then switched to left-handed, which is his actual batting side, and hit a home run. So everyone got so excited, and it turned out the uh, the Marlins easily won 7-2 to two in the game that they dedicated to Jose Fernandez. And uh, another friend of Jose Fernandez who was on a different team uh, on Tuesday, I think his, his team didn't play on Monday, his name is... Uh, Aldemus Diaz on the Cardinals, who really hasn't had a very uh, uh, well, he hasn't done well recently. He's had a good year, but so recently he's been struggling. Uh, he had a, a very big day on Tuesday. He was good friends with Jose Fernandez, hitting a grand slam. So it looks like anybody who was uh, really close to Fernandez, including the entire. Miami team where he was very popular uh, did well. So, yeah, baseball still kind of shocked by this. Uh, someone texted me saying, uh, mentioning Oscar Taveras of the Cardinals. Yeah, he died too uh, last year. And uh, here's another text. I'm reading other texts here. This is back to David Williams. Hey, Druff, who do you think would win in a heads up match? David Williams or William Rock, Rockwell? That's the guy who plays with his feet. We always get these real William Rockwell jokes. And do you think Williams would say nice uh, nice foot if Rockwell won a foot instead of a hand? Come on. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, it sounds like Williams might actually get excited by them. Yeah. <laughs> might actually distract the hell out of him if someone was up there. You know, good-looking woman. Yeah, that's, the only, that's playing, the only problem. Playing cards with their feet. Yeah, that's the only problem with this William Rockwell is the guy. I don't think David Williams is gay or bisexual, so I, I think that wouldn't work. I think he'd only be excited if it was a female playing. But I think if it was a female playing with her feet, that might be a good tactic to distract him. Okay, uh, I want to talk about the debate that happened on Monday. First of all, it was the most watched television program ever. Ever. There is no television program in history that's been watched more than that. And that, that's pretty amazing by yeah, itself. I, I tried to be a good parent and get my kids involved, you know, civics and all that stuff. Tell them it was important and try to have them watch. They lasted five minutes. Yeah. That's, I, I was like, it. either I'm like, either you stay down here and watch or you go up and go to bed. They're like, after five minutes, they're like, can we go? But how, how old are they? <laughs> Uh, five and seven. That's what I thought. Uh, almost, I thought almost six. Well, that years. makes sense. Of course, they're not going to want to watch that. I, I didn't even try with Benjamin. I knew he wouldn't care. Yeah. I I, I explained to him who the two people were debating, and that was about it. <laughs> I knew he was not going to have any interest. And to be fair, I wasn't interested in this stuff uh, when I was six or even eight. Uh, when I was eight, that's when uh, Reagan was elected, and I was aware of the election. Right. Uh, but I was not uh, interested in any of the issues. And I, I was saying this to someone the other day. There's a uh, there was an outrageous talk show host named Wally George who was popular in the Southern California area. And it was he was a conservative talk show host, but it was different than what you'd think. It was an outrageous program where he'd have people on there and they'd shout and insult each other and, and, and all kinds of shenanigans would happen on there. It was, it was like they were debating over serious issues of the day, but they were doing so in a crazy and uh, – uh, 
uh, entertaining fashion. And, and uh, this actually helped me get interested in politics as a 12-year-old because it took real issues of the day that I might have otherwise found boring as a 12-year-old and, and packaged them in a way where people are insulting each other, calling each other names, throwing things at each other, and like, yeah, that... It actually was more interesting to me that way than if I just saw a dry debate. Whereas a 12-year-old, that, that just isn't all that interesting. So I, I gave Wally George credit for that, that I, I happened to find him kind of right at the right time of my life to uh, to watch it. And I actually got both sides out of it. Like I, I enjoyed the, the antics and shenanigans on there. In fact, some of it was kind of staged, but as a 12-year-old, I didn't realize that. But I, I also learned about all the different issues, the serious issues they were talking about. But anyway, back to this debate with Trump. Um, yeah. can, we get, can we get one thing out of the way, Ruff? What? what? Both of these candidates are just awful. Yes, that's true. I mean, and they're and they're they're awful in their own unique, yes, awful way. That's and, true. You yes. know, and I, I I think that I saw it mentioned once that uh, Trump was everything that's wrong with American culture, and Hillary is everything that's wrong with American politics. <laughs> Right? That's a good, that's Which a good, is a pretty good. That is a good statement. That's of, a good statement. You know, I agree. That's a good what's statement. Going on there. That is a good statement. And they're they're both awful. And it is kind of you know I I, I don't know anyone, and I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know anyone who is enthusiastically bo- voting for either one of them. Lives. There are a few people on the forum that are doing this. That are well, a, I know there. I know people. There are people that are enthusiastically voting against the other person. No, there's people right? on the forum who are really like. Uh, Especially on the Trump side, but there's even some for Hillary. Like on the there's a there's a thread that started by Marty of all people in April of of this year. It has right. 289 pages now on Poker Fraud Alert, and uh, I I think it's our longest thread ever. Uh, and I think the sports the sports betting thread is longer, but that one has no controversy. That's just people posting picks. Right. So this, as far as a discussion thread, this is the longest thread we've ever had. And 289 pages here of people going back and forth about Trump and 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 Hillary. And I, I mean, okay, I guess, but you know, the majority of the people that I talk to, you know, it's always who am I voting against, right? It's not yes. the, most of everyone that I talk to. It's not that they're enthusiastically voting for this person. It's that they're enthusiastically voting against this, this other person. Yeah. And, and then, there's, it, then there's I, people... I look at it and it's, it embarrasses me. Like, yeah, honestly, what... like, you know, out of this country, all these great people, this is the best we could do. I mean, really, it is I mean, sad. And, and I, there's come people on. like me who are actually just not going to vote for either one. And I may not even vote in the. In the I mean, I'm going to vote in that election because there's some propositions and other stuff which interests me, which I think are important to vote for. But uh, the as far as the, I may leave it blank for the president because they're the, the third party candidates. I, th- I think are also going to fail. And, yeah, because, yeah. Even those people that are enthusiastic for one person or the other. I'm sure that that person is not their first pick. You know, like if they had the ideal person that they could choose that would be running, it would not be that person. For most of it, so with Trump, he really does have a following of people who are really into him because he's so different than the typical politician. Hillary's more of that way where people were just kind of begrudgingly accepting her as the Democratic candidate because uh, she's the, the best one they have left as far as uh, for their views. But but it's almost like a carnival. It's almost the same kind of interest that people have in you know seeing carnies at a freak show. Well, that's you know? and that's why and that's why it was such an immense of uh, ratings extravaganza. With uh, now right. this was on several stations, but if you add up all the stations that were showing it, it was estimated that 
80 million people watched this debate on the stations that were airing it, plus they said another 4 million online. And I, I think that's just in the U.S. I don't even know outside of the U.S. what they got. But as far as in the U.S., the U.S. only has like 315 million people or something. So, and, and a lot, I think you know, some of them are kids. So you, you take out the kids, or at least the kids yeah. that are too young to be likely to watch this. I'm not talking about teenagers, but the kids 12 and under. Take them out. That, that's a pretty high number of people watching this. Now, it didn't have the ratings of like the uh, the percentage of people watching like of the of the John F. Kennedy funeral. I think uh, 81% of the TVs were turned on watching that. But that was different because uh, there were a lot fewer TVs back then. The population was less and there were especially fewer TVs at the time that Kennedy was killed. So that's why... Yeah, and, and different ways to watch things these days, right? Yeah. So, But, but there, this one was the, the most watched uh, television program ever. And and everybody was anticipating this. And coming into the debate, and I talked about this last week, Trump had the momentum. Hillary seemed to have it almost locked up in August, and then she okay. started to slip. She 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 got too arrogant. She made uh, when I say arrogant, I mean she just was uh, she got kind of careless and believed she was going to win, and, and did some things you never do. She insulted the voters who were supporting Trump. You never insult the voters if you're running for an office. You insult the other candidate, but you don't ever insult the, the people voting for him or her. You know, you don't you, you don't ever attack the voters ever. That's a huge mistake. Nothing to be gained from that. She did that. She had the, the health issues, the the fact that she hid the fact that she had pneumonia. People were starting to turn on her. And enough people turned on her where states where Trump looked like he was uh, not going to win and had to win it looked like it was done for him uh, prior to that. And then he started to catch up in those states and in some cases in some polls went ahead. And I mean like legitimate polls, not polls that always seem to be skewed to one side or the other. I mean legitimate polls were showing him ahead or tied in states that he needs to win where before he was way behind. I'm talking about states like uh, Colorado, Iowa, uh, Florida, Ohio, North Carolina – uh, th- those were the states where uh, he need Nevada too. Uh, th- these were states he needed to win because there there are certain states that are pretty clearly going to Trump and, uh, and certain states that are pr- pretty clearly going to uh, Hillary, and that encompasses most of the states. There's only a few true battle battleground states at this point, and then of those battleground states, there are some that are leaning so far to one candidate or the other they really aren't battleground states anymore. But there are those that really are very close, and if Trump takes all takes them all of the ones that are very close, then he wins the election. And I'm talking about Florida, Ohio, North Carolina, uh, uh, Colorado, Iowa, and Nevada. Those are the ones that uh, are extremely close. And if he takes them all, and if no other real upsets happen on either side, then he wins. So... That's not even like far fetched. Yeah, you know my my wife asked me. She said, "Who who would uh, you know? Who do you want to win?" And I said, "Well, you know, would you rather put the baby in the garbage disposal or in the microwave?" You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, neither one. But I, I I said to her that you know if I lived in another country that wasn't influenced by the U.S. at all. I would like to see Trump win for the pure 
comedic value. <laughs> like just, you know what I mean? Like just for the the pure entertainment yeah, value. There, there would be. That's for sure. But the problem is, you, you know, obviously I do live in this country, but also there aren't very many countries in the world that you can live in that you really are not affected yeah, <laughs> by the U.S. What, what I said a while ago about this election, I said no matter who wins this of the two of them, we're going to have four years of, of constant scandals and controversy. Yeah, you you we, really are. We lose no matter. We lose no matter who. Yeah, wins. there's going to be four years of scandals and controversy. I, that I can say for sure at this point, and that's the yeah. that's that's the sad thing. So, uh, so anyway, and people say, oh, you know, it's it's not going to be that way. Trump will take it seriously. He, uh, Hillary will will stop doing some of the shenanigans she was doing before once she's the president. No, these people are around seventy years old. They're not going to change. They're, they're, they've 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 lived the way they've lived their entire lives. They're not going to change. What, what you see of them now, all the problems you've seen, all the baggage they have, it's going to continue into the presidency, or maybe it could even get worse. So this debate was very anticipated. A lot of people were waiting to see what would happen. Now, Trump, to some degree, uh, got his success through the debates in, in the primary where he was tagging his Republican opponents with names, which on the surface seemed childish, but managed to stick and really were hurting these, these opponents. So you had uh, low-energy George uh, or Jeb Bush. You had uh, little Marco Rubio. You had Lion Ted Cruz. And you may say, oh, this is juvenile, but it, it worked. People got to know Ted. Oh, that's Lion Ted. Oh, little Marco. Oh, the, the, look, Bush is being low-energy again. Like it, it really did uh, get into your head. And and it got into your head because you you could th- these little names he came up with they actually kind of uh, stuck in like you could see what he was referring to with these candidates and it it made them seem much less presidential and more like a kind of uh, cartoon characters you're like oh yeah I don't want to vote for Bush he's low energy like uh, this that type of thing was happening and Trump was very good at exposing the weaknesses of these candidates. And uh, and pretty much soon he was the only one left standing, especially because he had a very, very vigorous support base, base uh, a certain portion of the Republican Party. Not not me, by the way, but a certain portion of the Republican Party loved him. And didn't a lot of the Republicans like a lot of them d- hate- disown him? Yeah, a lot of them. Hate- yes, a lot of them despised him. Yes. But I don't even mean, I don't even mean the voters. I mean, like the establishment. Yes. Right? Yes, they yeah. did. And uh, and but but he managed to win. There was even talk about trying to screw him out of the winning the primary in some way, but they ended up not doing that. But uh, So anyway, Trump was uh, – he became the nominee. Hillary, uh, she had that contentious uh, battle with Bernie Sanders and the followers that were really uh, uh, anti-Hillary there. And then they really got angry when they found out that uh, the Democratic oh, Party yeah. was, was, was helping rig the election, so uh, d- doing certain things to benefit Hillary, which the party's never supposed to do, so they got even nope. angrier. Which party do you think has been damaged more in all of this? Right now, the, the Republicans have been damaged worse, but 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 whoever loses is going to really suffer damage here. The truth is, if if Hillary loses, this is going to be much worse for the Democrats than just when other candidates have lost. This I is, think there there were a lot of pissed off people when they found out about you know what happened to to Bernie. They were, they were, and so there's definitely damage on both sides. I think the Republicans yeah. is worse, but 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 uh, especially because since then. And it's been amazing to see this because on my Facebook, I have a lot of Democrats as Facebook friends, and I see a lot of them. I watch some of them go from hating Hillary, bashing her all the time, Bernie, 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 and then they slowly started to change. And then 
now they're yeah. posting these pro Hillary articles, basically saying that all right. the all the charges against everything that's being said against her is just a conspiracy by the right, and she's she hasn't really done anything wrong in the last twenty five years. It's it's all I in saw, our heads. I saw the greatest bumper sticker. It was like a this car, and it had a Bernie Sanders bumper sticker, yeah. right? A feel the burn or whatever yeah, the yeah. hell it was, and then to the right of that, it had a Hillary Clinton bumper sticker, and then it, in parentheses it said, "I guess." Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, that's great. that's what that's what they're doing. But some of them are like deluding themselves into believing. Okay, like all the stuff we used to say bad about Hillary, uh, we were wrong. It turned out. Uh, it turned out she's totally yeah. fine. We sorry about that. We just we uh, uh, we've read some things since then and we're wrong. Or they'll, they'll just argue non-points. They'll say, well, she's really qualified for president. Look how qualified. I said, but that's not that's what people are discussing about her. They're not talking about her not being qualified. It's that she's uh, uh, Richard Nixon was qualified the day before he resigned. That doesn't mean that he should have still been president. Like you know, you be, just being qualified for it uh, doesn't mean that you should have the job if, you, if your personal behavior, uh, if your ethics have not been up to uh, presidential standards. So, yeah. so anyway, that's uh, I, I watched that go on, and the, the Trump people, they're just a lot of them are just in denial about all his issues, and there, there's just a lot of denial going on on both sides. So, people were waiting for this debate because they were kind of expecting Trump to be the same Trump they saw. In the Republican debates, and that he'd probably go off on crooked Hillary, as he calls her, and just, uh, you know, even if it'd be somewhat of a circus, that you'd see him really on the attack, and maybe even being as effective against her as he was against the Republican opponents. And of course, people were thinking that Hillary is going to try to beat him on the front that she is much more knowledgeable uh, about all the different issues at hand, which she is. She's been, uh, this is what she's been doing for, for so long, and uh, she's been involved in politics in one way or another for, for decades. And uh, and she uh, so so it, it was going to be seen like uh, maybe Trump's going to be at- attacking her and her character, and maybe she's going to be uh, trying to make him look stupid or, or at least uninformed and 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 unpresidential. It kind of looked like that was going to be the showdown there, and it looked like this was a must-win for Hillary because of the negative momentum that was plaguing her campaign that she was really having a hard time reversing. And the debate came. And I was very surprised at some of the things I saw. I was very surprised in that Trump, I, I knew he wasn't going to prepare for it. He didn't like preparing for debates and all. And the fact that he did well in these Republican debates without preparing just reinforced the idea you don't need to prepare. So it, it, it's kind of like the, the poker way of if, you, uh, if you're playing against fish all the time and beating them every day. Then you're, you know, you're about to go play in a game with several good players, and someone says, "Hey, you know, maybe you should watch some strategy videos or read some books." You go, no, 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 I, I've got this. I win every day. And you go, no, these are different types of players. You're gonna, you know, it's gonna be different. No, no, that's fine. I, I just, I'm, I'm sure it'll work. What I'm doing, I'm sure what I did before will work against these good players. It's, it was a totally different opponent that he was going to be facing here, and he needed to appeal to a different crowd than he appealed to before. But I knew still he wasn't going to prepare, and I was right. He didn't. That part was not a surprise. What surprised me about this debate was that Trump missed so many opportunities to call Hillary out for legitimate things to call her out for. I'm not talking about juvenile names or or fringe accusations of things that are unlikely to be true. I mean legitimate things to hammer her for that, that she is vulnerable and that she really needs to answer to, to the American people. And that uh, here he had the ability on stage to make her do that or try to make her do that or at least show that uh, if she won't do it, that she won't do it. 
And he didn't. He passed up so many opportunities. And at the same time, he said a lot of stupid things that made himself look really bad that he didn't have to say. Now, sometimes at a debate, something is said about you or to you or a question is asked of you that is very difficult to answer, especially if they're bringing up something that from your past that you did that was wrong or either wrong or something that's kind of difficult to explain to the public and without looking wrong. And sometimes there's no good way to answer it. But what you do in that spot is you try to avoid it. You try to change the subject. But Trump, Trump's approach was everything that was said, he just gave an answer. And sometimes it was a mind-boggling answer how he thought this would go over well with the American people. For example, yeah. uh, when it was talked about he was accused of not paying taxes. And the funny thing is that wasn't even completely true. There were like a few years he didn't pay taxes, but other years he did pay taxes. Instead of, instead of even saying that, he says, yeah, because I'm smart. Well, you don't. When you want to be president of the U.S., you don't say you're smart not to pay taxes, even if you feel you were, even if you feel that you gained from being able to uh, avoid paying taxes. You that's the last thing you want to brag about to the average American that's uh, that's going to vote for you. That's something you, you, if if it's thrown in your face and you have to address it, then you have to find some creative way to dance around it. But you don't say because I was smart. And yeah, one of, one of the talking heads on there said something that I think was really true, which is that in a debate like this, when you're explaining, you're losing. And he spent a lot of time trying to explain a lot of this stuff. Um, and I, I, I tend to agree that, uh, with what you're saying that, you know, he had no reason to get into that and be put on his heels and have to explain that stuff. Yeah. And, and they also, he would throw in things that, like at the very beginning of the debate, where he did better at the beginning than, the, than at the second half, but. I agree. At, at the beginning of the debate, one, one place he, he again said something stupid was when Hillary said that he was rooting for the 2008, uh, financial and housing crash so he could make money. That he, that he was saying that, uh, I can't wait for this to happen so I can swoop in and make money off of everyone else's misfortune. Now, I don't know if he ever said anything like that uh, publicly to where it could be proven, but still, all he'd have to say to that, there's actually a good answer to that. The answer could that be, no, I wasn't rooting for it. I wasn't hoping for it. I was afraid this might happen, and if it did, since I'm a businessman, I, I, I believed enough that America would recover that I thought if I uh, invest now that it'll, it'll pay off for me later, and, and America did recover. That's, that's not a bad-sounding answer. Instead, he just interrupted her and said, that's called business. Well, when, th- when you're accused of rooting for the country to fail for your own personal gain and you come back with, that's called business, that makes you look like a cold asshole. Yeah, especially mean, after you've just spent a bunch of time talking about uh, how horrible it is that all these businesses are, are leaving and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. So, so that, that was a, that, that was a, now that line, for some reason, people aren't repeating that much, but that got me immediately. I'm like, I can't believe he just said that's called business. Why would you ever say that? You and he didn't, it's not like he was told to respond then. She was in the middle of the statement. He could just sit there quiet and, 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 and hope that he isn't forced to answer to that. Yeah, but instead he answers with like one of the worst answers he can give. So there were a number of those instances during the debate where he would uh, you know, another one where he said about what she's said in 1973 that he owned uh, some uh, real estate where there was a federal lawsuit having to do with racial discrimination. So he said, "Well, yeah, but we we settled that without admission of guilt." And I go, "That's a terrible answer." You. Settled without admission mm-hmm. of guilt is a legal term to where you can avoid uh, future liability 
by settling without admitting guilt so others can't sue you and say, oh, look, you admitted guilt here. That's the evidence against you now. That, that's not a way to make yourself look innocent. It's, it's like being a, a – it's like a criminal trial where you plead no contest. That doesn't mean that you didn't do it. It means that uh, it's just a, a, a legal term. Anytime you plead no contest, you're usually guilty. So, uh, so, so he didn't have to say that. He could he could have easily said, and he pointed out that a lot of other uh, landlords were sued in the same area at the same time. He could have said, "Look, this was forty three years ago. Why are you bringing up something from forty three years ago? That's crazy." Uh, I, I was in my mid twenties then. Uh, there were there were people that were going around suing every landlord they could find and, and alleging this and uh, and and I, I determined the smartest thing to do was just settle and, and, and avoid a very expensive legal battle that in my mid twenties I couldn't afford. Like that that would have been a good answer. Yeah, you don't say, uh, "Oh, well, we settled with no admission of wrongdoing." That's that's uh, again, it sounds like <laughs> it almost is admission of wrongdoing to say something like that. So, and this is from back in '73. I mean, he's actually answering to these charges from from '73. It's still sounding bad. So, on the flip side, he had the problem of letting Hillary off too easy or not bringing up things that were obvious. So they 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 asked about why uh, about about uh, cybersecurity. So this is like underhanding a pitch to him to bring up the email thing again. Say, well, you know, how's Hillary going to handle uh, cybersecurity? She can't even uh, – uh, she's using her own server and uh, and uh, putting the country at risk for, for her own cybersecurity and, and uh, sending confidential emails back and forth with people. And then when uh, she's caught doing it, deletes 33,000 emails and, and won't let us see it. What was she covering up there? She obviously was doing something she didn't want us to see. The only quip he made about the email the entire time was his one line, which is a good line, but then he dropped it after this. He, he had one good line saying that I'll release my tax returns when asked about his tax returns. When you release your 33,000 emails, he deleted. That, that was a good line, but then she quickly said back, well, as far as the email is concerned, uh, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I would have done it differently if I could do it over again. Uh, let's move on. I'm like, what? No, you've, you've got to keep hammering her and say, wait a minute, Hillary. Why did you delete 33,000 emails? Because she did. Why did you delete 33,000 emails beyond recovery? Why did you actually make sure – why did they make sure that to wipe the hard drive in a manner where the email cannot be recovered even if they attempt to recover it? Why were you trying to prevent the American people from seeing these 33,000 emails? What, what were you hiding here? Why would you ever do that, especially when you were uh, – when the government asked, please turn over your emails? Uh, and, and, and just keep hammering that and make her give a response to that. Make her answer – or show everyone she's refusing to answer, why did you delete 33,000 emails? That, that's a very big question. And then he could also uh, go over the different things that, even though she wasn't charged with anything, she could go over the different things that the FBI director revealed that she didn't tell the truth about and, and hammer her on those. But he didn't. He just dropped the email at that. He, uh, they, they asked her why he said she doesn't look presidential. What about her look that isn't presidential? You, this would be the perfect point to say something about uh, her health. Didn't say that. He well, he tried to phrase it as or pass it off as his her stamina. Yeah, yeah, I heard that, but that so didn't... he's trying to allude to her health. Yeah, but know? he's just got to be clear. Say what, what was and, and talk about the pneumonia thing. Talk about how she wasn't honest with the people about that. You and he didn't, and really, he didn't the whole time. He didn't keep to his own theme of crooked Hillary. He did not push that she isn't honest that she has that there's been scandal after scandal following her that she's constantly getting herself into into these uh 
Yeah, I agree with you that in the beginning he he definitely did better, uh, or maybe the first third. Uh, but the rest of the time he was on defense. And yeah, you're not going to win. You're not going to win when you're on defense. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not even a good, he wasn't even playing good defense. It was, it was yeah, like, a, yeah, like, fumbled, like, like yeah. a bad defense. So, so he, he missed so many opportunities to bring up, to make her answer to things where she's vulnerable or at the very least bring them up. And if she doesn't answer, it also looks bad. But so Hillary, I, I, you know, so she obviously prepared for the debate big time. She must have gone through mock debates where someone played Trump and she got used to already responding to like the, the fake Trump that was playing him. And, uh, so a lot of the things that were brought up there, it's not like Trump was caught with his pants down. He should have been prepared for just about all of these things that were brought up to him and had answers prepared. And, and Hillary had answers prepared. But some of these things are hard to answer. Some of the things she really did would be hard to answer to, like the 33,000 email. You, you just can't explain and sound truthful of why after you're caught using a private server you're not supposed to use for classified material, they say, hand over your emails. You go, oh, okay, hang on, and then you delete 33,000. Okay, here it is. Like there's no way to explain that and sound good. Yeah, try try you know – Put the wife test on it, right? <laughs> so let's say you're caught, you know, doing something, and it's documented in these emails, and then you go in there and you delete them all. Yeah, is is that going to fly with your wife? No, and if no. not, then <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So so they he let her off with with so many different things, and they're also uh, uh, often he'd make kind of weird references that uh, you'd have to know a lot about the subject to know what he's talking about. Like when he talked about he kept talking about the Iran deal, but he made some kind of weird reference to the, the to the payment that was made earlier this year uh, to them having to do with a, a case stemming way back to 1979, but the U.S. just hadn't been paying what was uh, said to be owed to Iran. And whether they really should have owned it, owed it or not, Iran had hostages of the U.S., so the Obama administration stupidly paid the, uh, the first installment of it, $400 million, at the same time, the hostages were released, which makes it look just like a ransom payment, even if it wasn't. And mm-hmm. predictably, the Iranian officials then clowned America by bragging that the U.S. just paid them 400 million ransom. They, they really did this. They went to the media and said, guess what? We just paid. We just got paid 400 million ransom, they said to the Iranian media. So uh, it's unbelievable that that could have happened. They should have, at the very least, since they're making one payment of several, they could have said, okay, we're making this payment. But first of all, uh, you know, the... The, the hostages have to be released uh, beforehand or a little bit after or something like that. And, the, and, and also, uh, you are not to make any statements to the media implying this is a ransom payment or stating it's a ransom payment or you don't get the rest of your money. So, nope, they didn't put any of those conditions on and they just uh, they got clowned and it made it look just like a ransom payment. And the people of Iran really believe that, the, that $400 million was just uh, extorted out of the U.S. through hostages. That's a terrible precedent to set. Mm-hmm. So he didn't bring this up. He he rambled something about 1.6 million and 400 million. No one knew what he was talking about unless you're really familiar with the situation. And the people he's trying to you know, get to change their minds here are probably the ones who aren't super familiar with the situation. You, you've got to get across things like this that uh, that just the average person who knows little about politics can understand and, and not like when you explain it about uh, – about Hillary and Hillary wasn't involved in that, but uh, but he was trying to make the case of, uh, of you know about why you shouldn't be dealing with Iran. So that that is relevant, and uh, and again with the, the, the crime discussion they had, I actually liked the theme he was trying to put out, which he was trying to say, uh, oh, we need to you know the big the big problem with the. Uh, Law enforcement in this country—it's it's all the racism, it's all the the, the white cops shooting black people who uh, who shouldn't be shot, and the, the excessive force, blah blah blah. 
And and so he was trying to say the answer to the problems of the crime in this country is law and order. We have to clean up the, the these inner cities that have such a terrible murder rate, like Chicago. And he was. I liked where he was trying to go with it, basically saying that the big problem with crime in this country are not the very few cases of uh, of cops who use excessive force and end up killing someone that they shouldn't, which which I agree has to be dealt with, but that is not the major cause of violent crime problems in this country. The violent crime problems in this country are from uh, criminals uh, killing uh, killing people. It's from murderers killing people and, and committing other terrible crimes, and mainly in the inner cities. And so he should have said, look, the, the deaths that have occurred to black people at the hands of, of uh, cops using excessive force, it's, it's a tragedy, but it's a very low number compared to the number of black people killed every day in the inner city by, by, uh, by violent crime. And that's where we that's where I feel we should put our resources in to take care of and lock up the repeated violent criminals to get them off the streets and stop this. And and that's where we should be putting all our focus and not uh, not get all obsessed over uh, not not get nationally obsessed with a, a few bad apples in, in the police department, which should be dealt with as well. But but that's not our biggest problem. And by numbers, you can look at it. It's not nearly our biggest problem as far as crime is concerned. And it's it's something that should be handled, but it's not that shouldn't be our main focus. And that he tried to say that, but he, he ended up kind of sounding like he was too much rambling about it. And and when she kept bringing up the race card, there he kind of played into it and didn't uh, respond very well. He was saying, "Well, I that, agree." But... Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think he took the bait every th- single time she laid it out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and uh, and that's. He he definitely did, and and they, you know, you know, in preparation for the debate, that they knew what to say to get him to respond from yep. watching his behavior previously, and he said, oh, "I don't need to prepare; I'll just do great." So that so he screwed himself here. And now, there, fortunately for Trump, there's two more debates left, and people's memory tends to be pretty short. So if if he performs decently in the second and third debates, uh, the first one will kind of become a footnote, and no one's going to care about it that much because they'll, the last memories of him will be having better debates later on. Uh, I will say, you know, there's some criticism of the moderator that he put out. It's funny, was right after the debate, he actually praised the moderator strangely, but uh, at, but then the next day he criticized the moderator. I actually agree with him about criticizing the moderator. The moderator, for whatever reason, asked the tough questions to Trump and did not ask the equivalent tough questions to Hillary. So he asked Trump about the tax returns. He didn't ask Hillary about the email. The email thing came up because Trump mentioned it, not because he did. Uh, he asked uh, uh, he asked Trump about uh, – what was it? He asked a number of things of Trump that were tough to answer and that would likely make him look bad, but didn't ask anything to Hillary about any of her various scandals. He didn't ask her anything that was going to put her on the spot. And there's a lot to ask her of. So – I felt that wasn't fair. I felt if you're going to go there with those sort of questions, you have to do it to both candidates. And he didn't. I don't know why. I, I even heard this moderator is a Republican, which is weird to me. But maybe he's a Republican who hates Trump. But I, I thought that wasn't fair. I thought you, if you're going to have these questions, you know, whoever – I know the candidates don't get to see them beforehand. But there, there should be someone maybe on each side – that uh, or not necessarily each side, but to, there, there needs to be someone who can look at these questions that are going to be asked and and uh, without any kind of bias for either candidate, just determine are you being fair? If you're asking a tough one for this one, you have to you have to ask a tough one for the other one, and uh, 
that wasn't being done and that was a bit unfair. I, I don't believe this nonsense about his microphone being tuned, turned down. I didn't notice that at all. But uh, and, and did you notice all the sniffling? Because I didn't notice it. I heard later of the sniffling, sniffling. I didn't notice sniffling. Did you notice it? Not really. Yeah, I, I mean, the one thing my wife pointed out to me that I, I mean, I sort of was aware of it, but it didn't really click with me is that, uh, well, he, he did a really bad job when he was not speaking, but he was on that kind of the split screen. Yeah. You know? Um, but one of the things that he was doing was, uh, quite frequently taking a sip of water. Yeah, and I saw that. She noted that that's typically people, you know, behaving semi-deceptively. Um, in other words, they're using, uh, a mannerism or a physical object to kind of you know, distract from, you know, yeah. subconsciously what is actually going on. It's so, you know, same thing at a poker table. If you see people, they pull or trying to pull off a big, big bluff. They'll take a sip of water or whatever. It's funny. You know? I I take sips of water at the poker table, but it's usually to stall. That's usually like uh, if if I if I bet and someone says I'm all in, I'm thinking to my head, crap, I have to fold. And I go, well, I I don't want to insta fold, or it looks like it 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 gives away what my hand was. Right. So that's when I'll grab the sip of water, sit there, and then throw it away. That's, that's typically my sip of water. But I know what you're saying, and I now with Hillary, I I think really. Uh, her only major mistake in this debate was I felt all the laughing and grinning and and, and uh, uh, things like that that she was doing while Trump was speaking kind of came off as uh, condescending and bitchy, which is the last thing she needs at this point as far as uh, her likability goes. She, I, I thought it was more like just over-practiced or almost like a robot or a mannequin was up there. Like, if you know, if there was a if if someone an alien race made a robot to kind of <laughs> imitate uh, the way a human would react to things, you know that would kind of be the way I, she I, was reacting. Like, I kind of <laughs> thought that at first too. Like oh, she, they told her she has to smile, she's forcing herself to smile. But then I was also yeah. seeing like she's she's smiling like when he says something that she uh, thinks is stupid, and like 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 almost like almost like laughing in his face without actually audibly laughing. Though she did audibly kind of chuckle a few times, and I just felt that. You, this is not a good thing to do, especially if you already have an issue with likability like she does. You want to look comfortable when the other person's speaking, and Trump definitely didn't. But you, you don't want to look like you're condescending or looking down on them or looking, you know, in her case, bitchy. Uh, Al Gore, a big moment that really killed him in his attempt to become president in 2000 was that he would sigh when George W. Bush would speak. When he didn't like something, he'd go, <sighs> And I, I would, I heard this on the radio. I remember I, I was driving somewhere. I couldn't watch that debate. I was driving somewhere, and I remember hearing him sigh. I'm thinking, what is this? Why is he doing this? Like, like I, I noticed it just over the radio. And I'm sure in person, when you watch him sigh, it was when th- that really turned off a lot of people to him. They, they, they basically saw him as a jerk, and made yeah. people not want to vote for him. So, you, you don't want to come off as. Uh, like you're you're looking down on everything the candidate is saying. You can show you disagree. You can disagree with them, but you don't want to like like act like you're laughing at them or, or being condescending. So, I I actually spoke to some people after the debate who I expected to just be roundly criticizing Trump. And what they the first thing they said to me, and these were not uh, big Trump supporters or big Republicans. They they said that they were really put off by the way Hillary was acting when he was speaking with all the, the grinning and, and laughing, and that they. They just kept thinking, "What a bitch!" And I said, "That's that's interesting." I, I noticed it too, but some people really were put off by that. So that that I felt was her her 
main mistake. Uh, I've also seen some analysis from people that she did come off too much like a politician and too robotic and didn't come off as warm at all. And uh, that anyone, anyone she's trying to get to like her, that it, it was not accomplished at that debate. So, but definitely she had a much better debate just because she prepared and she's used to doing this and she has a lot of experience and Trump does not have experience in this area. And something I found was that he did well on those previous Republicans' debates because he was more in the character that he developed for his reality shows. But he pretty much abandoned that character for these debates, probably in an attempt to look more presidential, but he didn't replace it with anything that was useful. Right. So that uh, he was kind of left with uh, this bad combination of, of not really having much edge out there, but at the same time uh, saying stupid things about himself and, and, and failing to attack her in areas where she definitely should have been attacked if you're, if you're trying to get across her true faults. So I'm sure that someone made a statement, someone who's close to the Trump camp made a statement about him anonymously that with Donald Trump, you can't just tell him that the stove is hot. He has to touch it himself and get burned before he reacts and agrees that the stove is hot. So I th- what they're trying to say there is that trying to tell him what's going to happen if he doesn't prepare for the debate and the way Hillary's going to be there and how it's going to affect him. Like, he wasn't believing any of that until he had the debate and things didn't go well. And They said they think now that he's learned and he'll probably try differently in the second and third. And Wait, I, wait, wait. So he doesn't learn... The stove is hot until he burns his hand? Yes, that's, that's what someone close to him uh, said. I can't wait till he's got the nuclear cruise. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so, oh, shit. I didn't know that was going to happen. All right, next time. No problem. You know? So he's also been unhappy that certain people in the Republican Party have been criticizing his debate performance. He was hoping that they would try to spin it in his direction, even if they didn't really believe that he did well, or, or at the very least keep their mouths shut. And he's I, mad. I, I, I thought, again, for the first third, I thought he did a good job. For the rest of it, he was on defense, uh, and he spent way too much time explaining. And I don't think that uh, – I think it was more – he missed more opportunities than she did. Is really way kind more. of what he, it he missed like. tons of opportunities. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And then there were just kind of the weird comments about like the 400-pound fat guy in his room. And I even understand what he was trying to say with that when he was saying, you know, we don't know who's behind the cyber attacks. It could be Russia. It could be China. Or it could be – he was, he should have said it could just be some uh, – a lone wolf individual that likes causing trouble, but he's yeah. a, a 400 pound fat guy in his bedroom. <laughs> well, man, now he's not going to get the 400 pound fat guy vote. I mean, come yeah. on. So, <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, and I came upstairs afterwards and my, you know, I told her I was going to watch the whole thing, even though I wasn't enthusiastic either way about it. And she's like, well, did you learn anything? And I'm like, yep, I learned <laughs> that I still don't like either one of them. Yep. <laughs> you know? Well, so well, uh, it's too early still to see the polls since this debate. I have to imagine Trump's going to slip some, but maybe not. Maybe the people that were put off by Trump already weren't voting for him. Well, here, let let me ask you a question, Drew. So let's say that you have the choice between Hillary or Trump, and and you can't not vote. Okay, you got to do one of these, or Barack Obama gets to stay in another four years. 
That's it. There are three choices. That's it. What would you pick? Um, that's very tough. Um, yeah, it's 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 very tough because I, I think about uh, all, all the reasons I wouldn't want any of these three, and uh, I didn't say it was a good yeah, choice. Yeah, see, I, I don't know because they're, they're, all, all of them are, are so unappealing. It, it, it is very hard, and it was. I've thought I have thought I haven't thought of Barack Obama because you know, I know he's leaving, but I, I've thought about if I was forced to vote for one of the two. Uh, who would I vote for? And and every time I think I've got an answer, I go, no, I can't because of this reason. Like there's, there's a, every time something comes to my mind, no, 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 I can't. Like I, there's, a, right, right away I stop and go, nope, I, I just couldn't vote for this person. And then I go, well, wait a minute, could I vote for the other? And go, no, I, I couldn't do that either. Like I, I it's just like a uh, an infinite loop of uh, going back and forth. Of I, I rule out one and say there's no way I could vote for them. And then, let's see. I'm giving you a third choice here. Well, no, but I, but then, uh, <laughs> e- even with the third choice, um, Can I the, tell you, I I would I would snap take Obama for another four years over either one of these guys. I'll tell you the thing that have pissed me off about Obama the most is is that uh, the this weird obsession with with not saying that there's a, uh, when a terrorist attack occurs on the U.S. soil. Even just a lone terrorist doing it, he just does not want to say it. He doesn't want to admit that there's a, a attack as a result of radical Islam. He, he finds every way possible not to say it, and it's it's just so frustrating to watch this to me because this is a growing problem. And Look, I'm not I'm not saying all three of these are not yeah, flawed in one way or the other. I'm yeah, just I know. Saying, I'm just I'm just saying what bothers me. Like I think back, well, yeah. okay, you know, these two are two so terrible. So even though I, you know, Obama isn't a candidate I like, you know, maybe maybe. Still, he's the lesser of the, of the three evils to me. But then I think of the things that have pissed me off over, over time with Obama. And then there's also I, I feel he gets too involved in these these uh, race discussions, uh, and I, almost like he feels he has to because he's half black. And uh, and then this just further divides the country more. The, the country is is getting right, more you're, and more racial. You're stalling. Divided. You're going for your <laughs> sip of water. You're going for your sip of water right now. You have to make. I, I can't. I, I don't know. I can't do it. I. I it's it's so hard. I can't. I, I. I really can't do it. It's, it's, there has to be a least bad option in that. I, 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 you know, I couldn't even do it now. I, I would have to really think so carefully about what is the uh, the option that would bother me the least to, to continue with. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I said, for me, it's not even close. For me, it's not even close. It would be Obama again over either one of these idiots. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're Obama could be more. Uh, Appealing is that you, you're used to having him here for eight years already, and that uh, and that there haven't really been many scandals. There's been, been a lot of things people don't like and did disagree with and, and and are frustrated with, but there haven't been like scandals. It's it's something that right. the, the next eight the next four years would be more predictable as far as what's going to occur uh, versus uh, with with either Hillary or Trump. But Trump is just totally a wild card. You never, you don't know what the hell's going to happen. I was going to say I think <laughs> Hillary will be. Fairly predictable, but but there's going to be so many scandals and so much BS going on, and and oh, also sure. she, she yeah. so doesn't like she so doesn't deserve it. And you know what bothers me, especially with Hillary, is that so if she, let's say she wins, she'll be the first female president. It's going to break a gigantic gender barrier in this country, as far as uh, the presidency. Yep. And in 200 years, even if she doesn't do a good job, even if she's unpopular, in 200 years, is anyone going to remember that they're going to read in the history books or? whatever they use as books in those days, they're going to learn 
first president, uh, first female president, Hillary Clinton, she'll be celebrated. She'll be uh, honored all over the place. It, it doesn't matter what she does. It, she will be a historically revered figure just for being the first female president. She doesn't deserve that after all the things she's done. She just doesn't deserve yeah. that place in history. That's what bothers me so much is that Duvall, uh, I, I'd like to see a, a female president get it who actually deserves the office, even one that I don't agree with. Even, even if it's a Democrat that wins, uh, a Democratic female who wins the presidency, and I don't agree with her politics, but I think, okay, as a person, she's, she's not bad. I just don't agree with her political views. Fine. Then at least uh, I don't mind in 200 years that she will, no matter how she does as, as, as president, that she'll be a revered figure in history. But I, I just don't like this. I, I just know because these things are going to be forgotten over time. No one's going to be talking about her emails in the, in the year 2016. Yeah, yeah, and I, I said the same thing to my wife. I said, I think it's great. I think it would be great to have, you know, a female president. I got no problem with it. I just wish it was not her. Yeah, you know? and, and even even my girlfriend says that. and you know, She says that that's, that's not what she wants to see for the first uh, female president. She absolutely hates Trump, but uh, she's, she's so bothered that, like what I'm saying here about Hillary, that that's not what she wants as, as the first female president. Is also afraid that if Hillary gets it and there's just scandal after scandal, everyone's going to go up. Oh, see, this is what happens if you elect a woman to president. <laughs> we're done with that. We're done yeah. with that experiment. We'll have to go back to uh, the. Yeah, I mean that's true. That could that could screw it up. I didn't think about that. So, so that uh, it's just it's hard for me to believe Hillary can get in there and say, okay, I'm here. I'm at the presidency now. Now it's t- now it's time to do everything on the level. Now it's time to stop all the shenanigans. It's time to be honest. Uh, I'm going to change. I'm turning over a new leaf. She's she's almost seventy years old. She you can't just change after after being this way. At that, you age. know what the the other the other part of this that bothers me, and it actually bothered me about uh, about Bush too, was you know I don't I don't like the kind of uh, feeling that we're in a uh, a dynasty. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it, it shouldn't be that one or two families have the leadership role in this country for any length of time. Yeah, it shouldn't be. I don't like that either. I mean, that that, that just kind of rubs me the wrong way and feels very, uh, you know, more like a more like a dynasty than yeah. a democracy. It, it is. Know? It is. So uh, after the election, whichever party loses, there is going to be probably uh, a lot of turmoil in whatever party does not win. Uh, with... with Trump, it's it's obvious why that will happen. They already don't like him. And then in uh, on the Democratic side, if if Hillary loses, you're going to have all the Bernie Sanders people saying basically, uh, "See, we told you so. This is right. what, this is what you get for rigging the election." Yeah, we we tried to put out our voices out about this, and you know, your response is to rig the election, and you know they're going to be furious. So I think especially if Trump somehow wins this, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a bonanza for the media. Because can you even imagine, like, <laughs> it's, it's going to be like some new, you know, gaff or crazy saying or whatever, you know, every week. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There's, there's still a lot of time. You know, look at how much has changed between August and, and uh, September. And, and we have another month and a week before the election. 
So I'm, I'm still in denial, Druff. I'm still hoping like something happens and and somehow neither one of them can get elected. Yeah, I've I've thought of that too. Like I've thought about things that are not that far away that are coming. Like, up. Is there is there any way that neither one of them could get no, elected? No, no. So is there I, any possibility? I I, I only if they're both dead. So well, what ha- what happens then? Then there'd have to be like a quick. Uh, nomination of other uh, candidates, like an emergency nomination or something. I'm, I'm sure there's a contingency somewhere, yeah, but I don't is. know what it is. No, that's not, not going to happen. So, so I, I, I never I, know. I, a meteor might come down in the middle of the debate. You never know. <laughs> so, there's a, about a month and a week left, and it, I, I've been in denial too. Like I've thought about like things, upcoming events in my life that are not very far away because they're in November or December, and uh, and. I think all oh, these things are coming soon. I go, wait a minute. When these things happen, we'll already know who the next president is, yep. which is weird. But I go, yeah, I'll be – when I'm doing these things, I will think about who the next president is, whether it's Trump or, or Hillary, and think, wow, this is such a fail. I, I said this last year on the radio. I kept saying, I hope that's not the choice. I hope that's not the choice. I really, I'm really concerned this is the first time I'm just going to really totally dislike both candidates, and then it, it happened. So. I – you know, I, I in the beginning, I didn't really think – Trump had a shot at all. I rarely kind of felt like he was just fucking around. Um, and I also was, I mean, I kind of thought that Hillary might have a shot only because of how entrenched in the politics she is. Um, but I really was really hoping that these would not be the two choices, just as you were. Yeah, well, I, I knew Hillary was going to get it. I just, as far as the Republican side, I didn't. I just like you. I thought Trump was just messing around. I, I think even he thought he was messing around. <laughs> and, uh, then well, he, in the be, in the beginning, yeah, the beginning, you know, yeah, yeah. in the very beginning, I think it was reasonable to think that Hillary might not, because I mean, she blew it big time uh, when she tried it before. Right? Yeah, but there just wasn't a. It didn't seem like there was a good uh, alternative. I didn't seem like Bernie was a realistic alternative, even though some people were really obsessed with him. He yeah. didn't seem to think he had, and he especially in the Democratic base, he, for whatever reason, he had an awful time appealing to minorities. Minorities did not like Bernie, and which yeah. is weird because he was. You yeah, know, I didn't get it either. <laughs> that's but bizarre. I don't get it either. But but every well, place, they just saw him as an old white guy. Yeah, every yeah. time, every every place that uh, where he did really well in the Democratic primaries, anywhere that uh, was white and rural, that's where he did well in the primary. Really? Yeah, the white rural yeah. Democrats loved him. I'm surprised. Yeah, that's that's where it was, and and also the of course the the college towns that goes without saying, but the but things like white and rural that that's that's where he did best. Uh, any place that has uh, a lot of minorities, he did terribly. So like all these southern states with a lot of black. That's surprising because he was involved in a lot of the civil rights stuff. Yeah, I, mean. I, I was surprised too, but for whatever reason, they couldn't connect with him. They just <laughs> didn't find him appealing. So. Anyway, that's, uh, I'll, be, that's, I'll be shaking my head either way, you know. Yep, I will too. So let me. This is the last uh, topic. This is not uh, a huge topic in the grand scheme of things, but it's something that uh, I have a little bit of a personal connection to. So I wanted to mention. Uh, have you ever taken Uber before? Many times. Okay. This won't apply to you as much. I've never taken it, but this won't apply to you as much because you're a guy. But uh, I th- I feel that a female by herself should never take uber i think it's uh, a dangerous thing to do and you may say well why why is that dangerous compared to a female by herself getting in a taxi cab you know, just because someone has a license what does that make yeah you know, has that make them a better person well the problem is uber is a side gig for a lot of people so they didn't put a lot of effort to become uber drivers they they haven't dedicated their life their lives to being uber drivers and if they lose the uber job it's not 
life-changing for them. Those who drive taxis for a living put a lot of time and effort into getting their license, and that is what they're expecting to do for a living for quite some time for most of them. So most of them take it pretty seriously. I'm not saying there aren't bad cabbies that I've had a lot of them before, but, but most of them are not screwing around that much because, and if they are, it's something more of just like taking you away that they're not supposed to. So they get more of a fare, things that are relatively minor compared to uh, really bad things happening. So someone who's taken the, the time and put in the effort and believes this will be their career is much more careful about the way they behave, especially when it comes to major behavior violations when they're driving a taxi cab versus Uber, where people just anyone can sign up and become an Uber driver without any kind of real qualifications. So if you're a female and you're uh, – would you ever just uh, hitchhike? Would you, would you just stick your thumb out and uh, just let any random person pick you up and drive you somewhere? Of course, of no. course, of course the answer is going to be no. Now, what if, what if you said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hitchhike, but I'm not going to go anywhere in, until the person shows me their ID? Well, still no, because that's uh, even if you, it, it's still not uh, that safe for you. You're still just it, that doesn't make you safe just because you see their ID. So the problem is Uber is kind of in a way almost like the hitchhiking. You just you're basically being picked up by anyone who signed up on the app to be an Uber driver, and anything can happen to you. And uh, especially if you're female, there's there's much more is much higher likelihood that something bad is going to happen. First of all, from the sexual predator standpoint, uh, it's very unlikely a guy is going to pick up another guy and uh, try to rape him or something. It just this this is very uncommon where there's a a forcible stranger rape of, of a guy and another guy. At least uh, in prison, maybe, but not uh, outside of prison. It's very uncommon to have that happen. Uh, but but you know, male to female, that's uh, that's not uncommon, of course. And then. There's uh, and then of course there's a lighter version of it, kind of like a sexual harassment sort of way, where they're not raping you, but they're uh, saying and doing inappropriate things. Or again, a guy doesn't have to worry about that as much. And, and of course, uh, just the, any kind of violence, a often predators, even ones that aren't sexual predators, they will go after the more low hanging fruit. That was actually the case uh, at Hollywood Park in the L.A. area, which used to be the most popular card room before Commerce passed them. They had a lot of follow-home murders where people would be followed home from the casino and murdered and, and have their money stolen. But something that that was uh, a common factor, and this actually applies to commerce too where a few of these have happened, but they're, they're much more at Hollywood Park. The follow-home murders tended to be – the victims tended to be either very old or female. They didn't go after guys like me, for example. They, they wouldn't follow home of the, a guy in his 40s. Now, you may say, why not? If they pull a gun on you, it doesn't matter you know, if, if you're a guy in your 40s or if you're a, you know, a really old person or a little female. But the truth is they, they still just feel more comfortable doing this to someone that they're sure is not going to fight, be able to fight back. They, they don't, so they, with so many different choices of victims that they can go after, they, they go after the ones that they feel are uh, at, least, uh, at least a threat to fight back. So the same with, with Uber, that... Uh, even if a guy is going to mug you, who's going to be, uh, uh, you know, driving an Uber car, he's less likely to, to even want to do this to, to another guy he picks up than, than a female. So a female by herself, 
with just a strange guy in the car. It's, it's never just it's, it's never a safe situation. Some some guys are fine, and uh, a lot of guys are fine and would never do anything wrong. But uh, it's never a situation you really want to be in as a female. So this is this is the story of what happened to uh, a woman named Mary Beth, who uh, her name is Mary Beth McMahon. She, she's uh, the ex-girlfriend of Hollywood Dave, as some of you know. Uh, I, I knew her personally and I, you know, I still know her personally I Last time I saw her was about five years ago Strangely enough uh, We were uh, I went to a Dodgers game With my girlfriend and, and Mary Beth And Hollywood Dave who were together then Were at that same game We didn't plan to go but we did And we, you know, I talked to Hollywood Dave and he told me he's going too So we uh, th- I think they moved over to Next to our seats during t- towards the end of the game And then we uh, Agreed to go to dinner after the game It turned out that was the night that the Brian Stowe beating happened So They were like half an hour late behind us going to dinner We couldn't understand it and they said that they couldn't get out of the stadium There's some weird traffic jam they'd never seen before So I guess I got out just before the fallout From that Brian Stowe beating And they didn't But anyway that was the last time I saw her But she's she's always been very nice when I've seen her Always uh, very kind of like Positive and energetic and, and nice And uh, it's a very pleasant girl To be around And after she and Hollywood Dave broke up, which I think if, I mean, two, three years ago they broke up, and shortly afterwards they both got with somebody else who they're both married to now. So it's funny that they, after they broke up, each of them got with someone they ended up marrying. And she has a child now with her husband, but anyway. This is what she wrote on a Facebook. At 1.50 p.m. on September 21st, I ordered an Uber car to take me home from Sacramento Airport. She lives in the Sacramento area. I had... I had been away for work for 14 days and was incredibly exhausted and excited to see my family. The driver that was scheduled to pick me up did not have his license plate information listed in the Uber app, which I found odd as all my rides have this listed so I can identify the driver when they arrive, but he did have his photo and name, Donovan. Donovan assisted me with getting my bags into the trunk of his white Nissan and then told me that he just cleaned his back seat and the fabric may still be wet so I could sit in the front seat. Again, my radar went up, but I was anxious to get home, so I got in the passenger seat. Almost immediately, he began to tell me of his run-ins of the law in Southern California and how he was brought up on phony money laundering charges and did six months in a federal facility. He said he waved to the investigative unit as he was leaving to, to move to Marysville, which is Marysville is near Sacramento. Uh, he, he told me he checks to see if there are warrants for him on a daily basis. Then he told me how he was in a gang and his first few prison stints were easier than federal prison. Note, this man had tattoos on his entire head, neck, and parts of his face. I was immediately uneasy and began to send my husband text messages telling him to be sure to, quote, watch my ride through the Uber app. Now, of course, when she saw this guy, she should have just made an excuse of, oh, I changed my mind. I'm sorry. I can't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not taking the ride after all. Some, some BS like that. But she got in the car with him, which was a mistake. So he said – he noted the – so the Uber app, you can follow, you know – the progress of the ride so her husband's watching her on the app and seeing what's happening and he sent her a message that he noted that the driver missed the exit on the freeway that he needed to take and was texting me to be certain I was okay I just wanted to keep this guy focused on driving but he kept looking at me and not the road telling me everything he knew about prison how everyone has to pay a percentage of their commissary to the quote boss how people make billions of dollars off the inmate store funds I was truly petrified as we missed the exit three times before I finally forced him to pay att- to stop to pay attention by asking him about his cigarettes in the console and if and if he wanted to smoke that was okay, so he could focus on where uh, where where he had to go and turn the navigate the way the navigation was prompting us. 
Once on the correct highway, the conversation changed from his past to vulgar sex stories. He told me he ran an escort service out of his tattoo parlor in L.A. He said he was a dancer in a, quote, size 13 shoe, I'm very well endowed, and then showed me his hands and laughed as he put his hand on my leg saying, look, this is, my hand is as big as your thigh. I'd clearly break you if we fucked. He told me his girlfriend is always so worried that the women that women give him blowjobs as a tip for driving them with a wink and a nod toward me. I responded by telling him my husband wouldn't appreciate this conversation, and he said, good thing he's not here. He seemed to get agitated by that comment, so I made the decision not to make him mad and focus on my exit strategy. I started texting my husband that I could not have this man take me to our house, and he needed to leave me leave to uh, meet me somewhere public. We agreed on the lo- location, and my focus shifted <coughs> on getting to that place and out of the car safely. Meanwhile, Donovan continued with his disgusting conversation and touching my leg throughout for emphasis, telling me he smokes meth when he's high, he has trouble ejaculating, and has left women cowering in the corner of the room in pain after nine hours of rough sex. He went on to tell me that he put marbles on the top of his penis for women's pleasure and that he'd be happy to show me. (laughs) Marbles on top of his penis. That's weird. Donovan continued this putrid conversation by telling me that he picked up a woman the other night who asked him to take her to a sex shop where she purchased a, quote, double-headed dildo and told him to watch her masturbate in his back seat. And for some reason, I doubt this is true. Uh, He told me that I, I, I was welcome to do that if I needed some stress relief. Again, I told him I w- this wasn't going to happen. I needed to get home to my family. I was truly petrified that if I didn't listen to his putrid conversation and his disgusting advances, I wouldn't make it home. So I tried to listen without listening, which didn't work as was evidenced by the emotional breakdown I had once I was out of his car. I was trapped and completely powerless. Finally, after over an hour of, of, horrific, of this horrific conversation, we pulled to near a Target parking lot to where my husband and I secretly planned to meet. I told Donovan that I needed to buy diapers for my son and asked him to take me to Target. He, he he began telling me how unhappy he was with his girlfriend and how he, quote, didn't want to ever go home again. I thought I might have to jump out of the car and leave my belongings at this point, which I was fine with as long as I got out of there. When pulling into the lot, my husband was parked at the entrance, so I directed Donovan to pull into the space next to his SUV. My husband immediately jumped out and walked over to him to shake his hand and distract him from getting me out of the car. Uh, for me getting out of the car. He then told him to pop the trunk and he got my luggage. He continued to talk to him about his tattoos while I got into the SUV and finally we pulled away. I know I'm a lucky one. I know that had he taken me to my house or if I made him mad, I would not have made it home. I know that is true in my gut. I feel it in my bones and throughout my entire body. That man is a danger to women and he works for a company where he has the ability to pick up power, a powerless woman and take her anywhere he chooses. After speaking about Uber with – what was that? I didn't say anything. Okay, I heard something. After speaking with Uber about this experience, it is clear that they could care less who's driving for their company. I reported this to the California Highway Patrol, and they were horrified at this story. Uber has refused to cooperate with the CHP, stating that their drivers are not employees, they are independent contractors, and they cannot release personal information due to a privacy clause in their contract. It's a terrible response on their part. I mean, this is, the, this is the CHP asking for it. It's not uh, just some individual. Like, I, I don't think the contract could possibly prevent them from providing information to law enforcement, even without a warrant. Uh, in general, that's that's how it works with uh, if law enforcement requests something, the company has the option to provide it. They don't have to, but they have an option to. They, they uh, Cooperating with law enforcement, uh, I, I don't believe, is ever enforceable from any contract. You, you can't really sign a contract saying you won't tell the police anything unless they have a warrant. And I doubt that's in the Uber contract either. They went on with their canned response of, we will be looking into this issue, and they refunded me the fare for this trip. 
A woman tells you a story like this about someone who's driving for your customers. The response is sorry, and, and the response is sorry you could have been raped by someone who's clearly a danger to society. Lady, here's your money back. And in the same breath, refuse to assist in getting this person out of their platform or off the streets. I'm beyond disgusted, beyond angry, and beyond scared that this can continue to happen to somebody else. Please, please, please tell all the women in your life that they should never, ever use Uber for a solo trip. Uber does not care about the safety of their clients. After some investigation, it has been proven that they do not do actual interviews or accurate background checks. This happened to me at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. It could happen anywhere at any time. Uber is not safe. Please tell those of you that you care about. Think about your drunk girlfriend getting into a car with someone like this. Fuck you, Uber. You have a responsibility to use your power for good, and you choose not to in light of higher profits. You're too busy protecting yourself with independent contractors, knowing that employees bring liability. Fuck Uber. I hope the CEO gets a long ride with Donovan on a bad day. Actually, no. I hope they make the right decision and fix their hiring process so no one ever has to endure what I did on Wednesday. So I read this, and I go, wow. The first thing that jumped out at me of all this was that Uber wouldn't cooperate with the CHP, which is horrendous. Horrendous. I mean, the the police ask, we want to know about this guy so we can investigate what happened. You, you, you tell them. You don't say, no, he signed a contract. He's an independent contractor. We don't want to violate confidentiality. What the hell is that? Uh, and It's called bullshit. Yeah, and, and they do hide behind the independent contractor thing in a few ways, and that's one of them to really avoid liability of anything that these people do. Basically, they're almost acting like they're, uh, they're eBay or a dating site. So it's much like Match.com. You can't sue them if you meet someone on there who rapes you. Well, they they do that also so that they don't have to pay, uh, you know, benefits and yeah, all that kind or, of or stuff, or have to worry yeah. about wrongful termination or all that other stuff. Yeah, everything. But yeah, everything, so, so they yeah. Gain, they gain that way. And they also gain from lack of liability, where they just say, look, look, we're hooking up two people who are going to, you know, one's going to pay the other for a ride. Uh, we're, we're not uh, we're not actually the company that that person's working for. We're just just like, almost like a dating site matching people up or, or Craigslist matching people up or things like that. But it's not. It's different. And, and most people who ride Uber don't even realize this. Most of them who ride Uber almost see these people as employees. And if they knew that Uber takes no responsibility for what happens, they may not use them. So, uh, so I've, I've been with Mary Beth many times in person. I can assure you she didn't do anything to bring this on from what I know of her. And, uh, and I don't believe she's exaggerated or made up any of this. Uh, when I've been around her, she, she's always been very sweet. And I, I've never seen anything that would give me any reason to doubt this story. And... Uh, this this whole thing disgusted me. So I actually shared it. I, I usually don't share people's posts on Facebook. Like someone posts something on Facebook, uh, uh, I, I rarely share anything. I think it's kind of lame to do that. But this one I actually did share, and it actually had a an impact because a person, a friend of mine who actually listens to this show, who's from Sacramento, he read the story, and even though he he actually is a fan of Uber, he actually likes Uber. Despite that, he was also outraged by the story and said, yeah, I think people need to know. I think that uh, Uber needs to answer to what happened here. So he actually had contacts in the Sacramento media and contacted uh, two stations, one being Fox 40. The other one is a ABC station over there. And I know they were both interested. And uh, so he told me, you know, they're interested and can I put them into contact with her? So I did. I, I got her. I gave her phone number with her permission to. Uh, to uh, the stations, and this interview then ran on uh, the 24th on Vox 40. Is it going to come up here? I should have had this ready. 
question is going to be a commercial. Fox 40 News is on the street and in your neighborhood with more <laughs> journalists in more places, bringing you breaking news, what's happening right now, and what you need to look out for. Well, Zika is now a global problem. Watch the Fox 40 News team tonight. Tonight. After a long work trip, Mary Beth McMahon landed at the Sacramento International Airport Wednesday and wanted one thing. Let me just get home. Her Uber back home to Napa was anything but easy. McMahon says from the moment she got in the car, her driver made her feel uncomfortable. This man's talking about prison and commissary and crazy gang stuff. As the ride went on, McMahon says the driver named Donovan kept missing exits. I'm completely in panic mode. Then the conversation got more graphic. Just really lewd sexual things that made no sense and kind of came out of nowhere. Driving down I-80 with no way out of the car, McMahon says she felt trapped. I'm texting my husband, I'm not safe. I'm petrified. Please help me. Her husband was able to track the trip on the Uber app. McMahon says she told Donovan to stop at a parking lot in Napa. Her husband was waiting for her. An Uber spokesperson tells Fox 40 Donovan has been with the company for one month and has had no previous complaints. In a statement, the spokesperson says, quote, Upon receiving information about the allegation, the driver was removed from accessing the platform. The driver is suspended while we investigate the allegations made. The allegations are still being reviewed. McMahon finally made it home safely, but wants her experience to be a warning for other rideshare users. You have to be very diligent in your own safety. In Napa, Sarah Zendanam, Fox 40 News. Yeah, so that uh, that ran thanks to me sharing it. This would that that definitely would not have run if it was not for me sharing it because uh, that was then uh, it got read by somebody in Sacramento who had some contacts at this station, and there it went. So. At least Donovan is uh, suspended from the platform there, but it sounds like they're not completely firing him. They're still looking into him. But it's, you know, it's it's something you have to understand with Uber that the drivers are not being vetted very well. A lot of them have criminal records or could have criminal records. And if you're a guy, it's it's not as much danger. And the reason it's not as much danger is that there's still a record of who they are. So if a guy holds you up at gunpoint and steals your wallet or whatever, you know, they, they'll be able to track down who he is so that he knows that. It's not like uh, he could do it anonymously. But something that's a lot harder to prove, like sexual harassment or rape, things like that, uh, they can try to you know, believe that they're going to get away with it. They could just deny it. Well, rape shouldn't be that hard to prove, right? That's true. I guess, I guess rape shouldn't be that hard. But... Uh, Something that's short of that, that's still, uh, even something like this where there wasn't any violence, right. so he was just you know, putting his hands on, on her legs and, and making well, he scared the shit out comments of and scaring her a lot. I mean, I understand why she was so uncomfortable here. And, and this is, you know, the, you don't expect this when you get, you get a ride back from the airport. You just expect to be in the car, the guy drives you, maybe says a few things to you, and that's it. So this, and also the guy was so distracted with uh, hitting on her that he was missing the exits over and over. So... And she only got out of it because she made up a story that she needed to stop at Target and get diapers for her baby. And then the husband was right there and uh, and said, "Okay, you know, I'm I'm here too. I'll just pick. Up, I'll, I'll take it from here, right over." So I wonder why, if she's been gone for two weeks, why didn't the husband just pick her up from the airport? Like, you think that would uh, wouldn't he miss her enough to just show up at the airport and pick her up? That's that's what I would have done. 
It might be because he's watching the kid or he's working or who knows, you yeah. know. But anyway, that's not, that's not the main point. The main point here is that for a woman uh, alone, I don't think Uber is a safe option, even if it's cheaper. I would suggest if you need to take some kind of transportation from the airport and you want it to be a, a car that's just you're going to be in, I would suggest a, a taxi cab where you, you don't hear many of these stories of taxi cabs where there's actually this type of thing happening. The, the taxi cab stories you hear are the, the driver takes a route he's not supposed to or he's rude. It's never, never anything too terrible. So I, I would watch out about this. I've even heard that uh, actual rapes have occurred as a result of Uber. At least she didn't have that happen to her. It was just a scary experience. But I'll tell you, I mean, I've, I've used Uber quite a bit. And for me, it's not even that it's cheaper. In fact, sometimes it's not cheaper. Sometimes it's more expensive, but it's convenient as hell. What's more convenient about it? I mean, it's convenient as hell. You can be anywhere. You don't have to fumble around to try and figure out how to call a cab. You open up your app. You press a button. You can see on the screen. You can see where the car is. You can see it pulling up. Okay. And you can just immediately go wherever you need to go. It's it really is like on demand transportation. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I can understand. And, and Lyft that. and Lyft is the same thing. Yeah. So Lyft is a competing service. I and I've heard. I don't know if this is true. Some people have said Lyft uh, vets their uh, their drivers better, and that this doesn't happen as much with them. I'm not sure if that's true, but it's just something to know. I wouldn't have a whole lot of female listeners here, but. I thought that's something I should bring to your attention, especially even if you, I don't have female listeners. You know, maybe if your girlfriend wants to take it alone, your wife wants to take it alone, you should say no. Because after reading this, I, I would never want uh, my girlfriend taking Uber alone. And what's funny, though, is I remember one time when we were on a trip and I suggested taking an Uber to the airport. And she said no. <laughs> she said uh I don't feel comfortable, especially with, with Benjamin here. I, I don't want just some stranger working for a service like that picking us up. I want a cab. So I said, okay, I'll get a cab. I, I actually, they actually had the uh, kind of the opposite, opposite experience in that I had my whole family out in L.A. And I was able to get an Uber that uh, we went to a buddy of mine's house for a party. And we had a ton of stuff because, you know, we're traveling with the kids and we're going to Disneyland after and all that stuff. And uh, we just kept all of our stuff uh, loaded in the car because we weren't spending the night at my friend's place. And uh, you know, he just hung out and waited for us while we were hanging out at the party, came back. We actually, he left for a while. We arranged for a time for him to come back and get us, and it was it was awesome. Like, I would not have been able to do that with a cab. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, with, with, with the guys, it's uh, it's different. You. Yeah. You you have uh, there's a lot less danger to the whole thing. And yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about getting raped, Russ. Yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> so that's it, it. is it is different. It, it was you know similarly like when I was uh, when I was dating and meeting girls off online sites. I, I was never worried about going to meet them if something happening to me. But I was think I've thought before like if I was a girl just going to meet some dude, especially sometimes late at night or at their house, I would, I would have been uh, very scared. But since yeah. it's me just meeting a woman, I didn't. I, I didn't think of the fact that it could be a setup where I get there and then two dudes pop out and uh, you know, and then you and know, either attack me or pull a gun on me. But I, I just didn't think of that sort of thing. And I guess it's not that common. It has happened. You know, I've even covered a few of those stories on this radio show of things like that, where the whole thing's a setup, and then the guy shows up, and then the girl's boyfriend pops out with a few of his friends, and. Uh, 
something bad happens. But I didn't think of that. I always just thought, hey, you know, meeting a girl, I don't, I don't care where I meet her. I don't care if it's at her house. I don't care if it's, right. a, it's a place late at night. I don't care. I'm not scared. Where I thought if I was a girl, I, I would be a lot more concerned about this. In fact, if I was a girl, I might have been like afraid to do online dating, period. So Sad, sad but true, you know? So that's... It's the same thing with these these rides here, and and, uh, and in general, a lot of times, really, the criminals like to uh, go for the easier prey. So that's yeah, I mean, and that's the same for everything, right? Yeah, in fact, that's actually why, like, you know, when I've gone to Commerce and other casinos, which aren't in the best areas, and and my mom knows, and she gets concerned. Oh, I watch out in the parking lot, and I, I said, you know, I, I do, I do watch out in the parking lot. I don't dismiss this i always am very aware of what's around me and i'm always looking around and i'm always making sure no one's going to pop out from somewhere and uh well especially at somewhere like a casino yeah and so and especially when you're a regular there and you're known to have a decent amount of money i mean really the only smart solution is to have a box there well that's what i do i have a box and i'm hoping anyone watching me is going to see me putting it going to the box and realize i'm not carrying much money out but right. uh i and i, I even have a, a contingency in the boxes there that when I go in there, there's a note on there that the the box cannot be opened as long as there's somebody in the room with me, which would kill anybody's attempt. Even if someone pulled a gun on me and said, "Okay, we're you know you're going to go in with me and uh, open the box," they wouldn't work because I couldn't open it because there's a note that I can't open the box unless uh, I'm alone. And if I'm alone, obviously I'd say, uh, "Hey, this guy, this guy's trying to make me open the box here with a gun and go arrest him." So here, let me let me take a call here. I think this is Larry Laffer. It is. It is. So, Larry, you said you wanted to uh, tell us about uh, something? I did? Well, no, you guys are talking about Uber and taxis, and uh, my job as a bike messenger, obviously, I deal with both of those. How do you deal with them as a bike Um, messenger? Well, they're on the road with me. And uh, I will say that they are all terrible sometimes. a little bit of like a messenger adage that we have is that you really can't mess with the cabs because they don't do a lot of background checks for the cabbies at all, really. And we always say that, you know, you never know who you're fucking with when they cut you off and you start yelling at them and stuff. You could be messing with the town moon from wherever they came from. So, you know, uh, I will say though that downtown it's, it's bad because at least the taxi drivers downtown, like they know what they're doing and they've been down there. But then you get these people who come in from like the suburbs just to drive Uber downtown and they don't know how to drive. And they're the ones making like all the mistakes. Yeah. I, I can believe that. Driving terribly. How, how do you separate them though? The Uber drivers, how do you know they're Uber drivers and not just bad drivers that happen to be in downtown? Oh, Cause they, they all have Uber tags in their windows. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a, it's actually a big thing here with the, uh, the unions actually, uh, they're trying to crack down on Uber here because they basically circumvent all of the, the taxi unions and it costs a lot of money for a taxi medallion, a lot. And, uh, there's a lot of training that you have to go through and a lot of like background, you know, well, that, that's, I that's what I was saying earlier about a lot what? of background checks, but. They do a lot more than they do for Uber, obviously. Well, that's why I'm saying it's, it's much. It's that's much much like, less likely that uh, you're going to have something really bad happen with a taxi because of all the effort they have to put into getting those. 
Yeah, but I'll tell you this, man. I've seen some crazy taxi drivers. I mean, yelling at you out the window. I, I had a guy one time a few years ago. He cut me off, and I started getting into it with him, and he had a fare in, his, in the back seat. And you know what this guy did? He pulled out a, a pair of scissors and tried to stab me out the window with them. <laughs> I mean, these are the types of people you're dealing with. I, the worst I had was I, I had a, uh, a taxi driver in New York who went, didn't listen to me, went to the wrong place. And then when I when I corrected him and he got me to the right place, I told him I only want to pay the fare of, what, of what's, uh, where I was supposed to go, not where he went the wrong way. And he got really mad and we had a big argument. And I you know, got out of the car and we we're both sitting here argue, yelling at each other. And then uh, uh, the police actually saw it and came over and I, and I explained it. And I said, I'm not trying to stiff the guy on his fare. I, I don't want to. I only want to pay what I should have to pay for uh, for where he was supposed to go. He clearly didn't listen to me. I, I said it a few times, and uh, only after he drove, you know, some time did I realize he's going the wrong way. And he just did. He just oh, they pull that. He just wouldn't they listen to the address, the and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to pay for that. He, I said it several times. So, so the the police actually agreed with me and told me you should just accept it. And he took wait, wait. The, the guy yelled at me, "You're a fucking asshole." He yelled at me like out loud on the street. But uh, I, I didn't. Uh... Well, I mean, like, like I said, like they're some of the worst drivers, and it's because they're not used to being down there all the time. You know, like downtown Chicago is very congested. You know, like in between, it's just congested everywhere, and these people, like, they're not down there all the time, so they don't know. And that's that's at least where I have encountered Uber drivers. I've never been in an Uber before. I, I don't do it. Well, maybe but, maybe what you should do is you should uh, have a side business of uh, put a passenger seat on your bike and also be a, a bike taxi. <laughs> well, actually, that's, we have those. They're called pedicabs. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's should... actually, a, and that's another thing. That's another big business, and we was trying to get in on that too. We were trying to get in on the messenger business, if you could believe that. They're actually they're going to have bike messages wow. around the city. They're going to have bike messages. Amazing. They are actually, and they're undercutting everyone, and they're basically they're basically making it so messengers can't make money in the city anymore, or any city that they're in. And they do this all the time. They they just circumvent everything. Now, by the way, you know that there's a marketing partnership with Uber that Caesars has. Caesars. Uh, has partnered with Uber. In fact, at the Rio, by the right next to the parking lot, which is next to the Ipanema Tower, there is a sign that says Uber Stop, and it was it's a, an area they designated for Uber drivers only, not taxi cabs, to park. Yeah, well, they're just now being allowed at airports here. Only some of them are allowed to go to the airport. They actually have to have a special tag in their window. Yeah. Now, one one criticism I've heard of Uber that I don't agree with is that is that the surge pricing, or you know, they charge a lot more for high profile events whenever you know, like at a concert or something else, where there's a lot of people are going to want to go to the same place. Oh yeah. I, I, people are saying like ninety bucks. For yeah. A pe- two mile, yeah. Two mile so ride. people are saying yeah. this is awful. I'm saying, look, that's understandable. This is nobody's forced to take their service. They're not a public service. They're a private business, and if people. If they want to charge more and people are willing to pay that, it, it sucks. I wouldn't like that situation myself if I was one of the people who needed the ride. But but you have to understand when there's demand for this, uh, this is different than something like uh, 
price gouging and a disaster. Like you know, if, if there's an earthquake, yeah, and, and, and it's very and, clearly listed. Yeah, and if it's very clearly listed, exactly. Then 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 that's fine. It's not it's not like price but gouging. That's the with, thing. Yeah. Oh, keep going. I said it's not like price gouging if there's a, a disaster and people need to buy uh, supplies at, at the store and the store says, "Oh, there's been an earthquake. Everybody needs supplies, and I'm going to raise the price by ten times." That's that's taking advantage of, of, of a uh, of a disaster. I'm talking about where there's a high demand and, and just like hotels raise their prices way up when there's uh, something big in town and it goes way down when it's, there's nothing happening on on, uh, on an off night. It's kind of the same thing, and no one's forcing you to take them. You, as long as you're understanding when you sign up for for the ride, what the pricing is really going to be, and it, it is clearly laid out. So I don't, I, I wouldn't like it as a passenger, but I, I understand why they do it, and I, I'm not faulting them for doing it. Yeah, but but that's another thing that's not fair to the rest of the industries, like the taxi industry, because they can't do that kind of stuff. But that should, but in another, in another way, you could say the taxi industry benefits because then people will say, "Screw this! I'm taking a cab. I'm not going to pay the surge pricing." Yeah, but like you just said, a lot of people see the surge pricing and and they don't notice it till the, I mean, or you didn't just say that, but like this does happen with people. They don't even know it's surge pricing because they're like they're really drunk or it's New Year's Eve or something like that, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be so, opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to something that's that's even even further redundant to just make absolutely certain that the person understands it like a few times uh, ju- just in case. So there can't be. And if you're that drunk, where you you verify it like three times that you know it's surge pricing, and and still then that's your fault. And that, at that point, I have no. Well, I agree with you there. Uh, I just think that it's it's time for, at least in Chicago, for these Uber drivers to, like, I guess sort of, like, get with the taxi drivers, being that they should have the same rules. Yeah, I, I, I understand that argument. the same space. I, I understand that argument. It is a little bit weird, and I, I agree that it's weird that they set up all these rules for taxi drivers, these very strict rules of what they have to so adhere to. Rules. They have to so adhere to and, and it's such a complicated licensing process. And then something that basically does the same thing, Uber, uh, because they're technically not a taxi, they get to just ignore all of that. And that, that I agree that isn't fair and that does have to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, for instance, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I think the last number I found was like, to get a taxi medallion in, in Chicago, it's over $100,000 well, for one medallion. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. it, it definitely has to be addressed. I, I see how that's unfair. I, I do fault the taxi industry somewhat for uh, not changing with the times and for keeping a, a model that uh, wasn't uh, consumer-friendly and eventually uh, this was able to pop up to compete with them. But still, that doesn't mean that they should be under a different set of rules, and I think there has there does have to be... No, they shouldn't be. There, there, there does have to be some reform with this. I'm not exactly sure what it should be, but... There, there should be they're something. They're trying to reform it, but unfortunately, Uber has ties to our mayor here. Well, and yeah, I know Chicago has super corruption, so that, <laughs> good luck with that. Super corrupted, so they're they're doing whatever they want here. It's like fuck everyone else. We're in the pocket of the mayor. Yep. But and and to go back to the the topic we were on here with with the, the girl in the car with the creepy Uber guy, that happens a lot. A lot. Yeah, and I can believe it. I can believe it. Like, like when I saw this story, I was like, well, this is, I've seen this before millions of times, like, creepy people, like, or, or if you read, if you read uh, articles about breathalyzers in cars, 
interlock devices. You get into an, an Uber, and the guy has an interlock device, <laughs> and they say something like, oh, like, can you blow into this? Oh, wow. This is not my car. This isn't my car. This isn't my interlock device, something like that, you know, like, or they're blowing into it because they're sober, but to try to, like, play it off, it's not their car, this or that, like, that happens. Like, they don't screen any of these people. How could you let someone with an interlock device in their car drive people around? Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. You know, every Uber that I've taken has actually been awesome. Yeah, I, I, you may have heard no, of and, and, and I've got, and for every one of these stories we hear about someone getting assaulted or, or, or messed around with an Uber, there's a hundred other stories of people taking perfect Uber rides, right? I have friends that drive for Uber. They're not creepy rapist people, but come on, there's literally thousands of these people out there. So there's got to be a percentage of them that are just not good and should not be there. Yeah, and there definitely is that problem with the different set of rules for taxi drivers and Uber. It's it's a big mess, and that it does need to be addressed in some way. And I think eventually it will be. It, it, this is all still fairly new, even though it's been going on for a few years. And well, like I said, my my problem is that they undercut every industry. They're already moving into a dying industry, which is the one that I'm part of. You know, I don't do food delivery. I just do like regular, you know, paper package delivery. But they're doing that too. They started just doing food, but now they're doing, you know, on-demand package delivery, and that that hurts us. Yeah. Well, that like hurts everyone. So we're just out there hurting every industry they can. See, but for what it's worth, I mean, there's more than one angle on this stuff. So, I, I mean, from my point of view, I think it's fantastic, and the reason I think it's fantastic is the experience of getting a cab in just about any city, unless you're at an airport, is horrible. It's absolutely horrendous. And I, you know, what they've done to, to modernize this stuff with Uber, I think is, is amazing. I love it. Um, so I, yeah, I kind I of mean, view this I'm as sure. an industry that is, uh, you know, it, it had a essentially a monopoly on it. Uh, and it was lazy and it didn't get modernized with the times and, was inefficient and awful, and I'm glad to see something good come. I think. Along. I think now, what they need. Yeah, I think what they need is like an in between, really, something that uh, to where it's it's better vetted and with more uh, control o- over the product than Uber has. But uh, you know, but but uh, at the surface, not- these these industries are great, right? But then you look up into the higher parts of it, the corporate parts, and they're really really sleazy. Like another example would be. There's a thing called the Bicycle Messenger Emergency Fund, which is a fund that's funded by couriers that if you get hurt on the job, you can go to these, they're a nonprofit, and you can go to them, and they can give you money to help you through your injury. Well, in New York, Uber has a messenger service, and they promise to take a dollar out of every single delivery they've done and donate it to the fund. Well, they didn't do that until someone actually, like, made a public outcry about it and then they shipped like $150,000 to it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see these things happening. But you have to like sort of like call them out on their bullshit. Yeah, no, I can, I can see these things happening. I can see these things happening. But really, the, the, the thing that needs to be done, I believe, I think the ultimate solution is to have a not have relaxed res- regulations compared to what taxi cabs have to deal with and yet tougher regulations compared to what Uber has to deal with and put them more in a level playing field and really reform it on both ends. Reform it that Uber cannot be so lax in their background checks and their responsibility when when problems happen, and uh, and and 
to where taxi drivers are uh, not under as many restrictions and pretty much that they're going to have to be forced to get into the present or go out of business. So that's well, that, well, that's the thing, Druff. Like if if Uber doesn't come along. You know, for the for the next hundred years, taxi drivers are going to be the same old shit. Well, yeah, and, and so I don't, <laughs> and so I, right? So I don't, I don't mind so much that competition has popped up. I just don't like in the yeah. way that it, it's it's been here. I think it's, a, I think there's a, a big problem right now, and uh, much like uh, daily fantasy sports, which again I'm not opposed to in in concept, uh, it's something that needs more regulation and it, it needs a lot more examination by the government than has already existed. You can't just expect these things to self-regulate and do the right thing uh, w- when they're in a position to where people can be put in danger, in some cases financial well, you, danger. You mentioned something interesting about Lyft and in that they are supposedly vet uh, their drivers a little more thoroughly. I mean, I, I think it's interesting from a uh, competition point of view that if that ends up being the case, then Lyft is going to be the one that... Uh, uh, that people are going to be preferring to take. Well, hopefully, think. but there have to be enough stories like this getting out to the mainstream because, like, like look at your experience with Uber. Yeah, so it's, all, it's all been good. Your experiences have all been good, so you don't have a reason to go to Lyft because you haven't had a bad experience yet. And if the, if the people having a bad experience are a small percentage but a, but a high enough to where it, it shouldn't be happening, uh, then you're going to have this situation where it's not going to really affect their business that much, but, but it will. Th- there will be too many incidents for what there should be. With with uh, too high of a percentage of, of bad incidents, and and that's something unfortunately I don't think the free market can take care of unless there's a, I mean, a scandal. No, one of these stories should be enough to make anyone who uses Uber not want to use it anymore. Well, yeah, but you can see, like, like I don't think Calwatt's going to be uh, talked out of using Uber because of the story. He thinks, okay, I, you know, no one's going to rape me, no one's going to put his hand on my leg and say, well, yeah, I mean, and if say you got that guy to keep his luggage for Disneyland for a day, I'd go back as well. <laughs> So well, and 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 not just that. I mean, I also have used it quite a bit and had positive experiences. So, and, and I also. By the way, I need to. I want to ask about that, Calwat. You had the guy just take your luggage. You trusted that. Whatever uh, yeah. you had left in the guy's car. That is a good question. Yeah. How do you know he wasn't going to drive off with it? He would have been really disappointed if he did. Why? It was just I, clothes or something. Yeah, it's just clothes and. Okay. Some, you know, stuff for the kids. and Yeah, but you don't know that. What if he goes and parks his car somewhere and goes through all that shit? You want some random guy going through your stuff? Like, yeah, you know, I, I, I actually agree with Larry. I, I'm very sensitive about my luggage. I don't let anybody handle it. And uh, and it's not always so much going through it. Like, there's two reasons, like, I don't use the, the bellman at, at hotels. Number one is I just hate waiting. I just hate sitting and waiting and waiting, <laughs> waiting for it to come. I just I want to have control of when my luggage gets up to my room and I go do what I want to do. But But the other thing is... I, I just don't You're like the idea. Tip, right? I'm just kidding. I, well, that, that's well, that's a little third thing, you know. That that I the, the second thing is I just don't I don't want them having access to it when I can't see what they're doing with it. And and uh, and then third, and then third, I have I have to tip for the privilege. So it's the same thing like loading luggage in my car. I never let them load the luggage in my car because they don't do it the way You're I'd want to do it. You're in direct view of them. Yeah, I, I want to do it I the way I want to do it. I understand the bellhop thing, but like, you don't want someone to load your luggage in your car? No, I want to do it a certain way that I like. I have a certain way I want to load the luggage, and I want to do it. And then, and then not only that, if they do it, I have to tip them. Whereas if I do it, I do it the way I want, and I don't right, have to tip Now anybody. we get the truth. No, but it's listen. Even even if there was no tipping, table. even even if I was at a place <laughs> where they, and I've actually been to a few places like this before. I've been to some resorts where tips are included, and you're actually not allowed to tip the the, the people at all. So. Even there, I don't 
let them park my car valet. Even there, I don't let them bring my luggage. And even there, I do not uh, let them load my car. I still do it all myself, even though it's included, and even though I cannot tip the person even if I wanted to. So it shows you it's not about... Now, do, do I like tipping them? No, because you, I'm tipping them for a service. Do you your car after that last fiasco you uh, talked about on the radio? It's exactly. interesting you ask that. Uh, it, uh, so I hated valeting my car. I only did it at, at this airport parking place just because I'm, you know, I'm in a rush and... Uh, um, and it's a pain in the ass to park up at that structure and drag all my luggage down. But um, I've decided after this whole mess that, no, I'm not going to do that anymore, and what my new policy is going to be is I'm just going to park at a self-park place that's cheap and uh, and then just take a ta- take their shuttle. Usually the shuttle going to the airport is fine from these parking places. It's going back, you have to wait an eternity. So I, I decided my oh, new man. strategy. My new strategy you is just love it here. My new strategy is right over here. My new strategy is just going to park in a cheap place myself, uh, self park, and take their shuttle over to the airport, and then on the way back to take a taxi cab to the parking place, and not sit around waiting an hour for the thing to show up. So that's all because some guys took your car out for a ride, huh? Well, I was considering this. See, I, I, I was using this parking spot place because at least their shuttles have a pretty good reputation with, with uh, showing up at the airport and getting you in, in a timely fashion, but but not if they're going to mess with my car there. So, and I have a feeling Have you ever I, been to Chicago? Uh, I was in Chicago uh, last 16 years ago. Oh, okay. Because you'd like it. I mean, if, if that's your problem with the airport, you could just get on a blue line train and you're right there. It drops you off in the airport. Yeah, I mean, I, I might like that part of it. I, I, I was in Chicago actually in uh, it was in like early June of 2000. I think was when I was last there. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. The CPA, uh, the train conductor on that train going into O'Hare, she fell asleep and she jumped the tracks in the O'Hare uh, oh, wow. uh, uh, train station. Yeah, they had a train crash in there. You know what's so weird but, about about Chicago to me, and I know it's like this: the other cities with Great Lakes is looking at that lake and it looks like an ocean. You you can't see the end of it, and it really looks like oh, you're, yeah. it looks like you're on the shores of an ocean. And it's so weird for well, someone from the west, for someone from the west, because there's no lakes like that in the west. Even like Lake Tahoe, which is a huge lake, you, you still see the other end. I live my, well, one mile really from a lake crazy. like that. Which lake do you what's live? Really crazy is if I'm making a delivery in a building that's really tall, like say the Hancock Building, which I make deliveries to all the time. You can see to like Gary, Indiana, from there. Yeah, that's true. You didn't see all of that. But yeah, you're right. You look east, you look out into the lake, it is like an ocean. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's a, I live exactly a mile from Lake Ontario. Oh, okay. So like, so I, for, go hiking, I go hiking up to it all the time. See, so, so for you, it's, it's no big deal. It's just normal to you. But for, for someone from the West, you just don't see that. So you live by an ocean. No, but, I, I'm, but I'm used to the ocean. ocean? I, I'm not used to a lake looking like that. Listen, our plan is to wait until you fuckers run out of water. And then to sell it to you yep. really, really expensively. Okay, uh, you can That's get in line. You can get in line behind Oregon and Washington. They'll be the ones <laughs> to do it. There, there's actually some discussion that that could occur eventually. That uh, Oregon and Washington, of course, get a lot of rain. That they can. Uh, they there could well, be a pipeline. Instead of building these oil pipelines, we should have built a water pipeline. Well, there might be one eventually. Pump all this water from the flooded places to the drought places. I mean. There, there might actually be a, a water pipeline. It's not immediate, but there, there's been discussions that at some point there might be a water pipeline from Oregon to California. We're going to wait until your your throats are parched, Drew. Yeah. Until you're really eager for it. It doesn't it's matter. Gonna like, Oregon's going to take. Like Mad Max over there. No, or, Oregon is going to take care water. of us. It's Oregon's going to. You, you guys are going to get nothing. It's Oregon's going to do it. We'll see. We may be supplying Oregon too. You never know. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. Oregon's got to water those crops that they're growing. And if they run out, then there's Washington, they need too. water. I mean, I was in Seattle. Think of how much it rains there. Rains a lot. You know, there was one weird year, I think it was in 95, that there was more rain in Los Angeles for the year than Seattle. That you're not going to see very. You're not going to see that very often. But aren't, aren't there parts of uh, Washington that are desert, though? I, the eastern parts of Washington, but uh, by by the coast, they get like Seattle gets a lot of rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I know they get a, a lot of rain, but they don't have bodies of water like we do here. Yeah, Seattle is fine. I, when I was there uh, last year. I showed up in the evening, and it was a very nice, warm evening, and uh, very nice. And then the next day was predicted like uh, thunderstorms uh, throughout the day, just kind of scattered thunderstorms, partly cloudy. That's not what happened at all. It was a massive rainstorm where the entire – and I looked on the map. The entire Seattle metropolitan area was covered with heavy rain for the entire day. And I go, how does it go the day before – the night before claiming it's thunderstorms to that? How, How can that be that wrong? In this day and age, I've, I've, I'd never seen such an inaccurate weather forecast because, you know, I, I've seen it before where they say no rain and instead you get a little bit of rain instead or something like that. But I've never seen where it's supposed to be just thunderstorms and then the entire city, large metropolitan area there is covered with heavy rain for from morning till night. And that, that's what it was. So that was that was a weird experience. I, I didn't expect that. And it, it rained so hard. Like it, it rained so hard you get, you get out for a few minutes to uh, – you know, to run into the store or something, and, and uh, just running from your car to there, you're just soaked. So, Seattle gets the. Well, and this is like middle of the summer too. I mean, we get a, a bunch of rain here, but it's uh, at this time of year, it's the worst. It's like that that fucking cold rain where you know. But sorry, it's already I'd getting, have, it's already I honestly, cold. As a person who works outside all the time, I'd rather have negative two and dry. Right, then fifty-two and raining. Well, here's a question: Is it uh, is it already cold in in uh, Chicago and where you are, Calwood? Is it cold in these it places? Just, it got cold here today. Like fall came on pretty quick, but we'll probably have some nicer weather coming up. It won't really get cold until November. No, yeah, it was beautiful today. Nice and sunny in the, in the low eighties. Because Southern California is. Oh, wow, I wish there's, there's been a heat wave. We just had a hundred a few days ago, and. Uh, in the 90s, it was in the 90s today, 90s tomorrow. And it was 67 degrees and raining here. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah but fall fall is definitely coming pretty soon. It's actually my favorite time of year, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you guys just both have the you, you guys both have a very brutal winter, though. The winter's terrible <laughs> well, in both your cities. Well, uh, where, where there's are you no at, denying uh, that. You say you're in upstate New York? Yeah. Oh, you get a way worse winter than we do here. I don't know. Chicago's pretty bad without the wind and the cold. It's terrible there. Well, I mean, it's bad, but at least the lake takes a lot of the weather, you know. Like, like well, that's, does, that's what but, happens here, actually. The how bad the weather is going to be in terms of how much snow we're going to get depends on how quickly the lake freezes over, right? Yeah. So uh, if it gets cold here, really quick, correct. yeah. If it gets cold really quick, then that's good because it basically caps the moisture that can go into the atmosphere, right? Well, but if it doesn't get cold really quick, <laughs> then we're going to, and if it's like a slow freeze, then we're going to get tons of snow usually. And it's true. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, like, I think it was in May 2011 where Chicago had a huge blizzard. People began getting stuck on Lakeshore Drive. 
It's mad. It snowed four feet in three hours, something like that. It was insanity. <laughs> I rode in that. I worked in that. Oh, you, you rode the bike. You rode the bike in that. And, wow. Yeah, I biked in it. I'll never forget this. I actually had to hang out in an apartment building while all the like snow was like coming down. I tried to leave and I got blown off my bike into the street. <laughs> but I rode home, and my. The whole ride home, my tires did not even hit the ground. It was all snow everywhere. It was four feet of snow. So, yeah, we can get it pretty bad. But then last year wasn't bad at all. We barely got any snow. It was just cold. Well, I'm, I'm glad. So I'm you're not you're lucky, Joe. If you're lucky, you don't have to I do know. It. I'm glad I'm not in either of those places. Shit. Like, well, you, know, you're glad, you know, I'm glad you don't have to deal with shoveling snow, man. Well, I'll say this. Look, we're going to um, at least maybe we'll have Calwatt indoors more to do the radio show with us because it'll be so cold he won't he won't want to go outside well i'm not usually yeah. running outside at one in the morning so yeah I, no not is that what time it is it's pretty late there right where you're at it's way later than you that. know honestly i just like I, I like to think of like what the listeners are doing when they listen to the show and i, I try not to picture the sleeping thing but I, I like to picture like we have a certain segment of our listenership that they do live in cold places and that the weather is so bad that they're they're basically forced to do nothing but listen to the show. That that's their option. So they they're just trapped at home and they go, oh, this sucks. I can't go anywhere. The weather's so terrible. It's so freezing. It's so snowy. Like, oh, I know. Poker fraud alert radio. I can turn that on any time. So in, in your dream, rough, are they huddled in a in a little room? And burning garbage and sitting in front of it, trying to keep warm while they're listening to the show. It doesn't have to be garbage. Yeah, they, man, they're, they're, they're ice fishing. They, they could be sitting. In so, they could be like in front of like a wood burning stove or something, and uh, just l- listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio and just. I, I imagine that's what the cabin in Mount Charleston looks like. Yeah, well, that's that's not too far a off. Wood burning stove and. I, I just, I just. I like, almost called that number to call you, but I didn't. You could have; it would have gotten through. I mean, it's it's it's, no, a, know, it's a valid I have number. This one saved in my phone, so I went the lazy route. Well, it's, a, it's a valid number. Yeah. So okay, uh, I, I may have. <coughs> I, you know, I got a praise from someone recently. Uh, some random listener, I don't even know. Praised me actually through Brandon. He sent he messaged Brandon and said to give it to me also. Hey, where did Brandon go? Uh, I think I, I, I think he's just sleeping. <laughs> the whole time. I think he's still sleeping. <laughs> I think he never woke up. Did Trader Risky leave too? Well, he always leaves at this time. But uh, I mean, I've been listening basically all night, except for like fifteen minutes during the David Williams segment. But uh, yeah, Brand, Brandon went. Yeah. To, he went. To, he got in bed at around four forty-five, and he actually said he's about to. So I, I can imagine he was about to, and then something else came up, and maybe he was watching some sports he bet on, and then you know maybe he. He just went to sleep right around when this radio started. Whatever it was, he just never responded back to me after that. He responded to five four four at four forty five, and then he didn't respond to me after that. So I'm, I'm sure this is like a rough. If you if you like to imagine what people are look like when they're listening right now, Brandon, he's sprawled in his bed. His hair looks like a chinchilla, but he's not listening. And he's drooling all he's drooling all over his pillow, and softly in the background, PFA radio is playing. PFA. On the radio. I think he fell asleep before we even started. He's not even aware there is PFA radio right now. Like he's just. He's what, just was the, what was the phrase he got? What's the other? I wouldn't be surprised if we get a call like in the next few minutes. Hey, is this the fraud show? I just woke up. <laughs> what what, what fraud topics you talked about? Did you get through the intro yet, Drew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who's this on the phone? Is that is that uh, Sisop? 
Yeah, that's that's what we're going to get. But we're actually going to end this very soon, and we want to hear your praise. Yeah. Oh, the praise. Oh, yeah. So the the praise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This 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 actually is important. So this guy uh, praised me for not taking any sponsors, saying that it would uh, corrupt me if I took sponsors, and that he's he's very. he admires me very much for doing this show at a loss. Of course, Calwa can say that too. He's taken a loss as well. But uh, that I, I do the show at a loss. Don't try to take sponsors, and, and it doesn't affect my ability to just talk about what I want and say what I want and criticize what I want. So he says it just the show wouldn't be the same if it had sponsors. So of course, with that in mind, I'm in discussions right now with having a sponsor. I was about to say. So I was about to say. Little does he know, you would snap take a sponsor. So. Yeah, but, or but, has you listened to the archives? But but here's here's have a sponsor on the show. Here, here's the truth, and and it's, it's it hasn't been fully agreed upon yet. But here's the truth about the sponsor. Uh, it's only going to be a short term sponsor, a very short term sponsor. Uh, I, I, at first, I was believing it was going to be something much longer term, and then it turned out it's, it's for something that's ending soon. So I I understand why it's very short term. Uh, what's also sad is it's not one of these like little operations it's not one of these mom and pop operations that uh has low a low budget this is a the sponsor if it does come to pass uh, either way you'll hear it or i will explain what it was going to be if it doesn't go through but it's a a large company that with very deep pockets that uh, that i was sure was uh that, that i was going to be able to hit for a lot of money because just because it's a large company with deep pockets. You know, usually when people wind to sponsor here, I try to keep in mind what can the person possibly pay, you know, according to the size of their business. But if they, if they have a, a very, you know, if it's a large corporation that can afford it, then I, I, I want to ask for more, not, not to gouge them so much, but just because, uh, um, I, I don't, I feel I don't have to give the discount to them. Like I would a, a, a smaller operation that, that just, Absolutely, could not afford to advertise here otherwise. And we we've have very, we have well, I'm not going to say it right now, but but so I, I but but here the, the final joke was on me because this was actually a small department within that corporation that has a low budget and could not spend very much on advertising. <laughs> so so like I was about to say, Druffy, even if a company has a big or deep pockets. Usually, there's someone who's responsible for where, where that money. Gets yeah, spent. but I didn't go crazy. Like I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Ask, I wasn't asking for two plus two hundred thousand a year money. Like I knew that that was totally out of reach. I asked for something very reasonable for what like a corporation would pay for for the is, advertising. Is that, that two plus two figure? Is that real? Is really I, I don't. I don't know. Here. We're just kind of guessing at it. But they they were doing very well. But I I don't know. That's not an exact figure. But well, look, they were renting out a studio. They had were they really. Yeah, they were renting. Out oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw the studio. A, they had a producer, and they had two guys that, uh, well, at least for a decent amount of the time, didn't do anything else. Okay, yeah, that'd be great. If I if I could just I do this show for a living for a while, if I could just do this show for a living, that would just be amazing. But uh, so the the point is that uh, there is a good likelihood I will very soon be running ads for this sponsor. And uh, it's it's not of course it's, you know being a big corporation it's not nothing like a little shady poker site or something it's uh it's something that everybody can trust and believe it or not I think the everyone actually will be interested not everyone but a lot of people will be interested in what they're advertising so it's Zach Link's beef jerky almost yeah I was but, gonna say I'm interested but in but that. but sadly they 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 like they're playing hardball with the rates like I, I was shocked of how it's 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 worse than the small places that uh, how much they're trying to negotiate with me for the rates it's uh, so anyway I'm going to uh, 
provided we can come to terms, maybe as early as next week, you will hear from this sponsor. And if it falls through, I'll tell everybody the real story of what happened. And uh, But I, I hope it goes through. And you know, as far as sponsors here, I, I'll tell you this, though. I will never take any kind of sponsorship that restricts what I can say on here. I will never take any sponsor that would uh, be uh, any kind of product that would be harmful to the listener, meaning like that it could cheat them in any way. I'm not going to uh, do that. I, I, I'm not going to advertise shady casinos that are probably never going to pay you, shady sports books that are not going to pay you, or any kind of, uh, you know, the, this guy who scammed Chrissy Arnett, I wouldn't be advertising his thing there to invest with him. Like I, I wouldn't even if these people paid me a lot, I wouldn't do it. I, I would think, do I trust this person or this company that's advertising? And if the answer is not yes, then the uh, then it, this it's not going to happen. And I've had many offers, both for the radio show and for the just banners on on Poker Fraudulent Forum, to advertise or or put links or the, I, I could have made a lot of money just saying yes to all this stuff. Please don't do that though. No, but I'm not like, going to. Two is just unreadable. Sometimes well, I, ads. well, there's there's those awful uh, ads that you know, I was talking about that they were popping up that were just of scams <laughs> that were popping up. They had no problem with that stuff well, running. That, that tells you how much the poker world has changed in terms of the fact that they kind of have to do that in order to make money. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's these there are these ads that were well, they don't make enough money off those I don't, I don't know how much they Never make mind. anymore, but yeah, they just it's they just not anymore. yeah they they just seem to be uh, taking anything, and I, I was I was laughing at some of these things that were popping up on there that were just uh, outright scam things. Uh, remember, I was well, pl- what's, what's most likely, Druff, is that they signed up to an ad network. Well, yes, that's exactly what and happened. They, yeah, and they don't even know what. It no, is. I know, but the, but they can look down and see what's popping up, and say, like if I let's say I signed up for an ad network for poker fraud alerts, and I, I thought it was just going to be kind of generic stuff. If oh, I start seeing if if I if I start seeing ads popping. up, up on that network that I don't approve of, I, I'm taking it down. I'm not leaving it up. Yeah, but Mason looks down and he just sees dollar signs. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. That's exactly what the problem is. So, so I'm saying I would never do that. Like I'm never going to uh, sell out the site in that. Uh, I'm never going to advertise something that that I wouldn't want people here utilizing the services or to put people at a risk to get uh, scammed or ripped off. So. And I'm not going to ever advertise with something that's going to try to control what I say. I'm not going to let someone buy my silence where if I've been criticizing them for something that the, the, they've done or or, uh, or that they – even something for the future that they might do that I that I feel I can't say anything. So that that's something important to me that with taking any ads. But at the same time, if there's an ad I can take that's not going to affect any of this stuff and it's nothing that could be harmful to anyone, then, yeah, of course I'll take it because – uh, I put a lot of time into this thing. I I do have expenses of uh, of the server every month, and you know why I shouldn't I get paid something? And if it you know if basically the way the this would go if you know, if if I get paid something and Brandon you know he has been, his uh, involvement here would get paid something if it was a radio related thing if it was a forum related thing it would just go to me. But uh, uh, it's it's important to. You know, get something if you can. It would be stupid to turn that down. It was kind of like wearing patches on TV. I was, I was happy to wear patches as long as it wasn't a scam poker site. I, I, I'll wear, I was, I'd wear a patch on TV. It, I, I was fine with that. It's, well, not just that, Gruff. Um, I mean, accepting sponsorship could help you grow the audience for the show as well from the point of view that you could then justify putting in time to plan certain things and putting an effort to, Get certain guests on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah that's and that's that's true too. And I and I, you know, I, I, 
I'll tell you, when I hear some of these fail shows, and I'm not talking about two plus twos, I don't consider that a fail show, but uh, I know that has a, a good following. What was that? Texas Texas fail show? Idea? There, there was, there was that, uh, there's that Kate Hall and then whatever oh, right. that guy's and name, fail gone, show. Right? Yeah, it's gone for the, it may come back, but I think it's probably just gone. But like, there are these fail shows that I hear that are just like new shows that, that are very short and it's kind of, Nothing that interesting about them. I can't imagine they have a big following. And then I hear all these sponsors they have. I go, what the hell? How are they pulling this off? Like, I understand, like, if a big-name like poker Mark player... Like show? Uh, well, Mark Hoke probably... I think he put a lot of work into it. I, uh, he, at least he's been around a while, and I think he's put a lot of work into into hustling for these sponsors. So, you know, good for him. But, but he, he's a good example, too. I... He has so many, I saw so many sponsors he has, and I get jealous of that. I, I do get a little jealous of how many sponsors there are out there. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I was, when I was pitching, this sponsor that we may have next week came to me. They, they, they emailed me, and, and then we started talking. And I was actually surprised, like, when I got it, that it was actually, at first I had to check that it wasn't some sort of trick or scam, but it really was that corporation wanting to talk to me. But, <laughs> but, uh, anyway. I was pitching to them about the site, and I told them very honestly that this show actually has a very dedicated following of people who really enjoy the show, who make sure to catch it every single week, and and people who also trust that if if I'm promoting a product or something, that I'm not BSing them. And and I said this this could be very valuable as far as uh, as far as advertising here, versus in, in other places that you just pay, have people who will shill for anything and. And that, and that there really is, as far as the uh, percentage of our audience that is extremely loyal and dedicated and, and really, really looks forward to the show every week, I think we have a higher percentage of that than, than most of these other shows. Even if we, even if some of these other shows have more listeners, I think the percentage of, of really, really dedicated listeners that we have is, is, is surprisingly high. And it even surprises me sometimes how dedicated some people are to the show. And I said, this is, these are the type of people you want hearing your ads. If, if they love the show so much, anything advertised on there, that especially if the ads are not run very commonly, that uh, that that could be very bit of beneficial. They're taken a lot more seriously. So I, I, I lay it out all honestly to these uh, potential sponsors the few times I've, I've communicated with them. But I think, wow, I think I, I bet a lot of these potential sponsors could like advertising on this show uh, if, if only they – kind of could just get to talk to me about it. It's just somehow all these other, I don't know how they find all these sponsors that they put a lot of time and effort. Well, well, Druff, I mean, here's the thing. They're, they're people that all they do for a living is sales, right? And same thing with people who are, yeah. Yeah. Or, but you know, really like it, it is actual real work to, uh, collect the metrics, to put together a sales package, to put together, uh, you know, and to canvas and to actually look for sponsors. So you shouldn't feel jealous of other shows that have them. Just understand that you could have that too, but you got to do a bunch of work to do. I still feel you jealous. Know? I don't care. Well, all right. I, I feel jealous, jealous anyway when I, when I see, uh, that, uh, that's, but that's like being jealous of, you know, a guy walking off with a, a girl and you just never make the effort to go talk to one. You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not even that jealous of that. I'm just jealous of other radio shows and more sponsors. That's, that's <laughs> you can't. You got to work to you get know, it. You know, I actually have a question, and it actually goes back to the uh, the debate topic you guys were talking about because uh, I didn't call in during that. But uh, has anyone tried to guilt you into voting for Hillary Clinton? Nobody's tried to guilt me into it. I, well, I, I shouldn't I say had no. a guy today. Well, I had okay, a guy okay. Today. You know what? I, I shouldn't say I said nobody. I. 
I, I've had some people who have tried to convince me more. You know, when they do it is because. What's oh, been this ir- guy was not trying to convince me. He was trying to make me feel guilty. Oh, no, I, I haven't had that. But what I've had is on Facebook, there's a lot of people, as I mentioned before, these converted Hillary supporters who just started doing it because Bernie dropped exactly. out and they felt like they had to. And then they just brainwashed themselves and just ignoring all the issues with Hillary. Exactly. So they'll, they'll post these like ridiculous articles that uh, they're like spot on. And I click on the article and it's like, all of Hillary's problems are just uh, an invention of the right wing, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So, like, I, re- I read the whole thing, and I go, this is such BS. So, like, I call it so, out as BS, and then they, they just jump all over me, and then they – so then they go off on me exactly. about, about – then they assume I must be a Trump supporter. Then I clarify, no, I'm not, and, and just, you know, tr- try very hard to hammer so, that home that I'm not. So, well, then, so, then they, so then they started saying to me, well, if you recognize all of Trump's issues, how could you not vote for Hillary at this point? So then we get into that whole discussion, and – well, what happened with me was, you know, I think the statistics were like Hillary lied four times and Trump lied like 39 times, right, during that debate. It was something like that. And I I had said, my comment was, you're really proud that your candidate lied less than the other candidate? Well, I also I heard a lot more like, than That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard more than four lies or misleading statements out of Hillary's mouth, too. I heard some, I heard some things. I'm like, no, oh, I, honestly, honestly, the articles I've read from both sides were there were 39 lives said by Donald Trump and only four by Hillary. Well, I believe, so I, believe I believe, I believe. How could you be proud that your candidate yeah. lied? <laughs> yeah, they lied at all. Times. Yeah, exactly. Oh, because that's said, the reality well, of four politics. Times, <laughs> four times is just as bad as one time, which is just as bad as a hundred times because you're running for public office. I, I did hear so some. This person says, this person says, and, and it makes difference to me that they are they are a person they are a, a, a person of color they said well what do you want to do about it then what should we do about our broken system and i said well first of all there's nothing we can do because we're, we're basically just overrun by it and i'm just going to exercise my right my my right not to vote which is a right in this country and this person said enjoy your white privilege <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I said, is white sure? guilt supposed to? I said, is white guilt supposed to make me forget that these two people up there are lying sacks of shit? Because it doesn't. Yeah, what the hell so does I, race I, like, have to do with this? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I, I, I really hate this exactly, white privilege term. Right? I, I, well, I, because this person said that if in Trump's America, black people are going to be just. It'll be like the, the Jews in Germany. That's and I was the, like, uh, no fucking no, that, that, way. I know, I've heard all that crap, too. No way. First of all, it doesn't matter who gets elected. The cops are still going to be going crazy killing everybody. And that's a, a city, that's a municipal thing, not a federal thing. The army isn't going around killing anyone, are they? No. But not just here. the fact this, try, this guy tried to guilt me. Well, I, I, I hate I hate the uh, the white the white privilege thing is something I I've hated that's popped up in like the last uh, two years or so. That's one of the terms I just hate the most. It's it's just uh, oh, it's 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 terrible. It's it's uh, well, like I said, like I said, is white guilt supposed to make me forget that these two are just terrible people? What if I'm just sick of voting for the lesser of two evils? And you know what's stupid is that even if even vote. if there is a even if there is a privilege that one has, if there's certain advantages one gets simply for being white over being black, and I, I can see in some ways where, where in some cases that's true, but everybody is born into a a certain situation which is advantageous 
uh, for them compared to other people. You, you're born in the U.S. right there. You have a big privilege over people born in the third world. A big oh, yeah. privilege just right there. Of course. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's born good-looking versus someone who's born average-looking or ugly has, has the good-looking privilege. You, you do. It helps you a lot. Uh, the, there's a lot of different ways that you can be born into some sort of privilege. Some is, is related to your genetics. Some is related to uh, what you're born into. Or, or you could say also financially, uh, uh, a guy who is black and born into a rich family has a lot more privilege than a white guy who's born into a poor family. So there's it's it, – it's stupid to say white privilege. There's no, absolutely no well, way to make it where everybody is born with the exact same think, equal opportunity in the world. There's no way. It can't happen. Well, my, my whole problem is this is how does this, how, how does this political discussion, how does race enter into it at all? I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it shouldn't. Well, because, because this person was afraid that if I don't vote, Trump is going to become president. And it'll be like, like I said, it'll be like the Jews in Germany, right? Well, that's everyone's going to get murdered. But that's, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. And I said that. And another person chimed in. And this is on Facebook, right? So everyone can comment. Another oh, person chimed in saying, everyone lies. You lie all the time. A person lies how many X amount of times a day. So if you want to be an absolutist, have fun being, you know, have fun being by yourself. And I was like, really? That's your excuse? That everyone lies? Lying is normal? These well, people are running for public office. Well, you look They're the last people that should be lying. Yeah, there's, you know, I, I was thinking today, I, on Facebook, I was arguing with someone back and forth today on Facebook. And, All so, right, some, you already lost, bro. So, that's what I thought. Some idiot, some idiot was, made some condescending comment to me, and like, you know, it's, it was one of these people who just because they have a different political view than you, they did automatically say that you're stupid and simple and all this other crap, and I never do that to people. I, like, I, I, I can see that people can have an, another political view, and I'm not gonna, uh, be condescending to them or, or personally insult them uh, just because they have that different view. So, but this person was doing it to me. So we then we started going back and forth. But I, I just like stopped and I go, "Why am I doing this? Why, well, this is the biggest waste of time ever. This this is this is awful that I'm actually sitting here arguing with a stranger you know on what? Facebook." Eventually, it was like, the person arguing with me pulled that. They were like, "I can't convince you. You seem to be set in your ways. So this is over." And I was like, "Well." You haven't made a point yet, though. You haven't explained how lying four times is a good thing. Well, I, I you know, I, I just, I, I said that this is. The Hillary uh, supporters are like, "Wow, she lied less than Trump, but she still lied." You know, so. Yeah, I, I still think that it, someone would have to be making a very, very difficult argument to say that these are the the best two people that we have to offer, and that being the case, I mean. No, they're not. And unfortunately, the other two, the other two options aren't that good either. I mean, yeah, one well, guy believes we should have flat. One guy believes we shouldn't have public schools. I don't know what Jill Stein. Believes, well, I know the, but, the, the, the third party candidates. I I can't get into them either. They've got they've got their own wackiness. So, okay, look, it's it's three in the morning, and uh, so I have to get going here. But uh, thank you, Calwatt, for being with me the whole time. This is impressive. It's 6 a.m. Yeah, you can stay on for the uh, All in the Family song? Yeah, you, you can be there for the All in the Family song. So oh, here it is. Great. So we will be back next week. It'll be the first show of October. It'll be on October 5th, 2016 at approximately... Uh, this show we actually started at 7.45. I don't know if I'm going to move it at that time. But just check the, uh, the Twitter, twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert. And uh, thank you, Calwatt, for you know the whole time, uh, from beginning to end. That's impressive. I, I didn't yeah, expect wow. that. Very good. And I didn't expect we would have no Brandon, but I guess he's uh, catching a lot of Z's right now. Probably and waking him up with his music. 
it's it's true. In fact, I'm going to turn this music down. But turn it down. Here we go. Now you can hear me a little bit better. So, uh, Larry, thank you for calling in your comments and uh, yeah, thanks for good, taking my call. Good luck on weaving around the Uber cars there in Chicago when you're on your bike. And uh, thank yeah. you to the other callers we had during this show, including that uh, new guy who called earlier about uh, what was it, a nitrogen? Uh, was he really new? I think he was. I'm not sure, but I think he's new. I don't know, it was a good call, I so leveled, I don't, I don't I care. You if, if he leveled me, that's fine. It was a good call, so who cares? So, anyway, we will forge on with this show every week. Maybe have a new sponsor next week, but I promise you guys, you'll know the story either way. You may, in fact, be surprised which company is going to be advertising with us. You may be surprised. I really hope it's Jack Link's, man. I'm with you, Calawat. Jack Link's beef jerky all day. I hope it's Jack Link's beef jerky. Well... You may or may not see next week. It's possible we'll still be negotiating next week, in which case I can't announce it, but if it's finished either way, either that it doesn't happen or if it is happening, you'll know. And if it is happening, it, it probably will start by next week. So, that is it. The show somehow ended up longer than I thought. It ended up about uh, seven hours. Well, yeah, I tried to drag it out for you. Yeah, thank you. You did a good, good job dragging Thank, You're not going to yeah. have no PFA branded cornflakes and stuff, are you? Oh, if cornflakes wants me as a sponsor, I'm jumping at that. I'm jumping at that. Put, oh. put the PFA logo on everything. I'll uh, I'll, I'll put my I'll put my face on a cornflake. I don't care. Okay. Fortify poker. Are the people in the GPL? Are they going to be on? Are they going to be on the Shalom. <laughs>